All right, everyone, here we are um, as we're trying to get set and doing some Geek Out Loud. I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you here on Geek Out Loud. You can call us the number. Get this number, write it down. 706-383-3091. That's 706-383-3091. I couldn't get a fancy cool number that had like gold in it or anything like that. So I'm sorry. 706-383-3091. Grand Rapids added to the list. Awesome. Oh, yeah, let's do it while we wait on to see if anyone wants to call in. 706-383-3019. As we wait for anyone to call in who may want to call us, uh, we'll do a check on the uh, where we're at real quick. Chaz, have you got a total? The total is $2,968 raised. That's right. We're almost... We're three quarters of the way there. We're, so we're a thousand dollars thirty-two. Shane in Grand Rapids, no Elena Avalor fan, the Admiral Michael Hynip, Brian Kennedy, the Lowe family, Joey Mays, Jacob Roth, several anonymous donors, the Sloan clan, who we got to hang out with uh, Rich's wife Dawn last night. It was fantastic, and. Um, and then uh, Justin, Angie, Jason, Halley, the Tinton clan, also known as the Realtor Angie clan, also known as the Grant clan. <laughs> all kinds of all kinds of people. And we would thank everyone for donating for getting us almost three quarters of the way there. Now I know, Chaz, will you do a will you do a test call for me? Test call? Yeah, it's a seven zero six three eight three three zero one nine. See, uh, see, maybe no one wants to call. 3019? Yeah. Maybe nobody wants to call. We'll find out. Nope, you're coming in. There you are. So that's me. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. That's fine. I'm no, I, I appreciate you doing that test call. That's what we call testing on the fly. Try to pick a good song and everything that, you know, people know, hey, they're calling in right now. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to. Oh, well. Call me, oh man! Just heard from the wife. Should have played "Call Me Maybe." Mrs. Glosson shot down my theme song, and she said, "She said that that it would be better to play something more uh, attuned to today's listeners." Well, let me tell you what I don't have. She says, "Chaz, you're just too old." <laughs> let me tell you what I don't have in um in 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 my in my repertoire. She I don't have the song that. "Call Me Maybe." That's a good so. Um, let's let's calling you. What is calling you? That's for fifty-eight. Being a calling, um, little Falco. We might get somebody overseas calling. What's that? Eight six seven. Jenny. Eight six seven five three zero nine. Speaking of, uh, from the four eight zero area code. Here we go. Hello, hello, you're on the Goldiverse Marathon. It's our friend Dave Atterbury. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? I just seen if the phone number worked, you know. That's yeah. all. Oh, it works. Okay, well, it thanks. Works. Talk to you later. Are you a computer repairman? <laughs> yeah, 
I just wanted to uh, to call up and mention that I also have uh, shared a bed with Steve Glosson. So I just wanted to uh, point that out to your wife. I don't like hearing that. Let me tell you what is, I don't. Is, is this is this you know one of these bunk bed things with bucks just staring at you across no, the, me, the top? Let me tell you what was very uncomfortable just then. The zipper. The zipper. As he's talking about sharing a bed with me, the zipper's going. Dave. W- Dave was the reason I was able to go to Celebration Five. Oh, really? Was it five, yeah. Dave? Five is when you wore yeah, was, a Geek Out Loud yeah, shirts the entire time. The entire time, uh, yeah. Ten years ago. Yeah, that's... Oh, wow. It was, that, it was ten years ago. That was yes. ten years ago this August? Was it August? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nine. That was our first celebration that yeah. I went to. And Dave uh, Dave had a place down there. He let me stay with he and his brother. And, uh, wow. man, we had a great time. Yeah. Dave was super awesome. Atterbury. Yeah. Dave oh, Atterbury. And, um, no, it was fun. It was fun. Oh, we had a blast, man. And, uh, and yeah, so we end up... Sleeping in the same bed together. That was the last time I ever shared a bed with anybody until I got married, to be honest with you. There you go. Yeah, it's like, I just, you couldn't get better than Dave when it was all said and done. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a hard act to follow, I know. Yeah, Dave was a hard act to follow. Dave, what, what's your favorite memory of celebration? Actually, at uh, the you, celebration. Actually being there? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I had never been to a con in my whole life. That was your first con to ever go to? Yeah. Wow. I didn't even, I'd never really considered it or thought about it until I'd kind of listened to Steve talking about it. And uh, it was just neat. I just like the vibe of being there with people that were just like the the biggest fans of Star Wars. Yeah, man. That was a great year. Back then, Celebration was the best way to kind of get into doing a con. Yeah. Well, just get into doing cons in general. If you, and it, I did a smaller con before. Well, I was yeah, my kids. Well, I but see like, how they would do. But for like, I'd been to Dragon Con. I haven't. Done it that. was horrible. I mean, I I wouldn't do it, and I would not jump into San Diego Comic Con. And and really, can you get tickets? to did, Comic Con. I mean, no, really? I didn't have access to any smaller cons really at the time, you know. And so Celebration rolled around. I went to Celebration Three in Indiana with my oh, friend Marcus. Really? Yeah. With my friend Marcus, and that was super so crowded. So two and three were both in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. and then Celebration Four was in L.A., and then Celebration Five was in Orlando. Yeah. And and Dave reached out and said, "Hey, I've got a place you can stay if you want to," and it was really a great weekend overall. Um, was Celebration Five? Now, Dave, after that though, you got into costuming and everything too, didn't you? I did. Yeah, really? my uh, little brother he kind of started one as a Christmas present. And because uh, my family, we always do the gifts of the heart thing. And so we started getting into it and we just started doing costumes. And the next time when we met up again in Orlando, we uh, had our costumes done. That was kind of fun. We got interviewed by NASA. That was kind of different. But, Wait a second. You're telling us costumes. You're not telling us what they were. He's a Mando Merc, oh. man. Oh, really? Yeah, we did Mandalorians the first year. And then... Um, the last time uh, Celebration was in Anaheim, we did uh, the whole uh, Rogue Squadron. We had enough guys to do everything. Wow. Oh, wow. That's wow. cool. That yeah. is impressive. We, so that was fun. Yeah, we actually got a picture taken and ended up on StarWars.com, so I figured I could, you know, die happy then. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I'm in a Star Wars special feature. You did? Nice. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. at, at the Celebration 3? At the Celebration or? 3, they were interviewing us, and I was... I had, well, first of all, I saw you again at Celebration 6, Dave, like briefly because you were costuming so much. And at right. that point, Celebration 6, and I was even taking That's it easy at Celebration 6. Was 6. Yeah, and I was just having a good time walking around at Celebration 6. Like, I wasn't worried about promoting a podcast or anything like that. I was just hanging with friends. 
And and Dave was so just going around with his costume and picture ops and everything oh, else. Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. Well, like, and you know, that's I really got into it just because I liked how fun it was yeah. with all the kids kids coming up to me and wanting to get pictures. It it was just a blast. Um, I, I've gone to a few local here at Phoenix as well, and I just love when the kids come up and they want pictures and that kind of made it more fun than just wandering around the show floor looking at stuff I can't afford. So, yeah, I, I agree. You know, whenever we, we were going to six, the kids both wanted a costume. Um, my son went as Lou walk, the Ewok, and my daughter was one of the handmaidens, but they had decided Saturday was going to be the costuming day. Um, but got over to the, the convention center on Friday and freezing to death. They said, can we go put on our costumes? <laughs> we're cold. They wore them every day. They wore them every day. They loved it. And if you if you if we really wanted to go to a, a panel, Luke would just take off his his head, and nobody would want to stop you. Then mm. that was the magic thing. Just take off the head, and, and you're not doing pictures. But other than that, they they loved getting pictures with people. And that's when I met you. Really, kind of. For, I know we well, met at Celebration Five. We met at five, but we yeah. That's when you got a picture with. The I kids. got a picture of the kids at six. Yep. And um. And and really just kind of figured out who you were <laughs> in six. Did you figure out who I was? Well, because then? like Shaz Bazaar, you know, you were you were a big name with Rebel oh, Force Radio, the Force Cat. You were, you were. It's fine that you were. It's great. Not really. Yes, I you yes, to me that that is my claim to fame. I have been on. My questions were read on Rebel Force or on yeah, but they Force talked Cats. about you like you were a friend and they knew you and like you were active with Schwa and like yeah, yeah. you know in 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 being with, and so like to me you were like all right you're in that cool table group and I'm says the guy who got the Force cast on his show. Well, I still felt oh, like I was kind of like you know oh, the white junk drawer cousin of the Force. That, cast. Well, that's what you said. Yes, right. That's and what so you said. and but anyhow, so yeah. And my thing was, I was just really. It was crazy to see Dave at the next one. Yeah, all mandoed out. You know, I'm like. So did you know it was Dave I'm like, when he we walked were up sleeping to you? That's together. The well, he took his helmet off. He came up with his helmet. Off. I'm like, hey man, what are you doing dressed like this? You know, had his wife there dressed up. Oh, and that's everyone. so yeah, awesome. It was crazy. They were all just dressed up. My wife yeah. dressed up as Dolly with me this year. Dolly, I was Kenny. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw those Island's pictures. In the stream. Yeah. Next year, I think we're doing Sylvester and Tweety. That's fun. I hope she's. Kind I don't of like out. to dress up in like costumes at all. Oh, you you got to do it. I don't like costumes. Your wife is saying she loves to. I know, I know. But anyhow, show the love. Well, Dave, it's Dave, great to hear us. from you, man. Tell Steve it's a fun thing yeah, to do. Yeah, thanks for having. Yeah, dude, so good to talk to you, and uh, I, I hope you'll listen to us throughout the day. We've got some good stuff coming up. Oh, absolutely, I will. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, thanks, Dave. Dave. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Bye. Someone from the 717 was trying to call us. I got to meet Dave. Yeah, Dave is a good he dude, seems man. He's like a really cool oh, guy. We talked super, a lot in the chat. Super great dude, man. And I'm telling you, like, I would not have been able to go to Celebration 5 had it not been for him because he literally provided me a place to stay. Yeah, that's a big deal. You know, one thing Dave does. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He gets the, he gets the hearts up in the, uh, in the chat. Yes. I remember when we first started doing, or I first joined the Mixler Zoo crew, he would. Man, those things would skyrocket. He's like, "Come on, we got to get them up." <laughs> I know we used to be like the broadcast thing going Hello. on. Oh, yeah. Hello, seven one seven. Who's calling? Hey, it's Lauren. Hey, Elena. Hey, Elena. Sorry, how are that's you? What you? Call me anyway. That's what you call me anyway. But it's actually uh, Lauren. Hey, Good. Lauren. Happy birthday. 
Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to DVT. Oh my gosh. We're we're going to be bringing it today. I was talking six thirty. Yeah, it's going to be around six thirty. Teresa um, called earlier while we were at break and was telling me mm-hmm. was trying to tempt me with freedom, free access to celebration, and I'm like, no, I can't go to, I can't go to Illinois. But I I think we've got a fun time lined up for for awesome. For, and there's a surprise apparently coming for Disney Vault Talk. So that cool. is, was a surprise to me. So. It's going to be a good time. Oh, so. don't you love those when your friends do that to you? They're like, we were, I was surprised my time but so you're going to like it. And you're like, wait a minute, what if I don't? Oh, no. I, no, she she told me what it is. She let she let it slip. So it's going to oh, be a surprise okay. for everyone else now. So what are you doing on your birthday other than sitting around listening to a bunch of um, weirdos talk on microphones all day long? I'm pretty much hanging out with best friend. Um, we're on Skype a little bit. We run podcasts ourselves, actually. Oh, yeah? Really? What's your podcast? Mm-hmm. It's um, called Spirit of Avalor. It's on YouTube. We're trying to get it on iTunes, but since both of us can't see, it's kind of hard to... The process is very visual, and there's no one to really help us. Yeah. But we talk about general Disney stuff, but obviously we talk about Lane Outlaw, the space car, main thing. But we would love to have you and Teresa on and talk general Disney. Well, We wouldn't have to talk about Lane. It could be about anything. Well, good, I mean, because... You guys are awesome. Because I've not seen any of the Avalor stuff, but I will talk Disney all day. Uh, you, Teresa's the person to contact about stuff like that because I am so irresponsible that Aww. that I don't I don't keep up with things the way I'm supposed awesome. to. Well, thank you. I, listen, I can be I can be awesome and irresponsible all at the same time. That, yeah, that's no, doable. Obviously, yeah. But what I do want to tell you, and I will let you guys go, is that there is a new or soon to be a new How to Train Your Dragon movie out. Yes, yes. It's the third one, the, the final. Mm-hmm. I saw it early. Oh, Steve, really? You will cry. I cried like three times in three. It, it's amazing. Okay, well, I'm going to be. It is, I'm going to shoot straight with you. Thing. I'm going to shoot mm-hmm. straight with you. The lovely Haley and I have been meaning to watch How to Train Your Dragon two so we can get ready because I've seen I've seen two, and I don't think Haley okay. has. And I almost cried at two, like two was gut wrenching. Um, yes. With what goes on? Well, I will. I'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil it right I've now. I've seen it, but so, no, you no, can't no, say it with either. her. But those movies, we did watch Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs the other night, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not, not Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too, but we watched that the other night as well. And mm-hmm. I'm just so, that one's a good one that's really funny, but also will kind of tug at your heartstrings a little bit. But those How to Train Your Dragon movies absolutely shocked and surprised they're me. They're excellent movies. I think I they're them. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, they are. They rip your heart out, too. Just when you think that everything's going to be okay, it's like, whoa, something happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks for that review. I'm looking forward to seeing it now. I'm definitely going to have to... So you went to one of the early screenings? Yeah, it was my first time ever doing anything like that. Some A friend of mine got me tickets for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a week before it, but it, you know, it was a nice gesture. So I went, and it was a lot, a lot of fun. It was just you know regular movie thing, but it was different than when they were early, you know, earlier than anyone else. Mm-hmm. But the experience was really good. Okay, I'm, can I ask you an uncomfortable question, Lauren? Oh yeah, a, a sight question because yeah. you mentioned you mentioned not being able to see very well to do the stuff on iTunes and everything. Mm-hmm. How how is it that you now go watch a movie? What is that like for you? Do you have like an enhanced viewing situation, like where you have the description in your ear or something? Yeah, actually, you guys exactly right. Go, Steve. Yes, okay, that's exactly good. what it is. It's um, and don't worry, I'm not uncomfortable talking about anything like this. It's fine. I like to raise awareness and stuff, but yeah, I use audio description. Okay. Which you're exactly right. You wear headphones and you hear them move like everybody else, like you know what you're hearing. But it, but on the headphones, it will tell you 
as the movie is going on, like what happens, like Hiccup jumps on Toothless and he, you know, flies off and the twins do anything stupid they do because they're just stupid. But right. anyway, you know, it tells you stuff like that. I can't stand them. But it tells you stuff like that. So okay. Yeah, I, I've, I've turned on, like with Star Wars before, I've turned on the descriptive audio for a little bit here and there just to kind of get a feel for what that's like. And I didn't know if, like, if you go, if those things are available at movie theaters. That's a that's an interesting... Yeah. Usually they are. For the most part, they are now actually... Now, obviously, with any technology, it glitches on you once in a while, but for the most part, it's worked. Like, I've seen Mary Poppins Returns five times. That's how much I love that wow. movie. It was oh, wow. incredible. And four out of the five times, the descriptor was fine. Okay, so. great. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Which thank time you. did it glitch? Was it the first or... Or the fourth? Second. It was the second time. Second I time. Okay. It was the second time. Yeah. I'd be bummed if it was the first. That, that, that would have been terrible. <laughs> well, I know. I know. But thankfully, it did work the first time. So I was able to get the full picture. So the second time when it did, it wasn't as bad. But I was like, okay. But that movie is amazing. If you guys get a chance, definitely see it. Because they took great care with everything. There's nothing left out. It's very beautifully done. And it's a beautiful story. And Emily Blunt is a, does an amazing job. Well, we're definitely, I know my wife and I are planning on seeing the How to Train Your Dragon. I haven't seen the Mary Poppins yet. But she did, and she said it was fantastic. I said it was better. Oh, she said it was better than she thought it was going to be. I'm sorry, I oversold that. Uh, she, because, oh, no, she, good. because she doesn't like the best part of the original Mary Poppins, which is like the animated mm -hmm. stuff with the dancing penguins and everything. You, you, I love the penguins. Are you serious? Have you seen too. the updated? Not a lot, but they're there. She, oh, the penguins are great. She feels like it gets a little too unrealistic when they're dancing around with cartoons. So, to which I said, "It's Mary Poppins." So, I, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It wasn't unrealistic when she pulls a little bird in her finger and does a little duet with the bird, just a spoonful of sugar, you know, and all that stuff, and the birds are whistling mm -hmm. along. You didn't know I could do Julie Andrews. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, oh, no, I'm, I'm no. And speaking of bird, and I will let you guys go. I'm so sorry. I'm taking up your time. Oh, you're fine. No, it's great. Right. The the um the parrot actually has a bigger role in the in the sequel. Yes, and. He will make you laugh. All he does is complain. The umbrella parrot. Mm -hmm. The umbrella parrot. Yeah, oh, I'm, yes. oh, I'm yes. following. Okay, I'm following. you're tracking. tracking. All right. Well, I've I've heard yeah. good things, and and my wife said it was better than she thought it would be. So I have to check it out. But I am really excited about the How to Train Your Dragon situation. Yeah, so oh, it's good. Yeah, you will love it, Steve. It's it's just that movie is just amazing. I'm actually. Going, hopefully going to see it again in about two weeks with my dad because he saw the first one with me. So I was like, okay, we'll go see the third. Nice. Oh, that's so, good. So there's some family stuff coming up. Okay, I'll go see it with you. So, But it was great to talk with you two. Great really to talk nice with to you. really finally actually get in contact with you guys. Indeed. Oh, you, Steve. You were awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, and we'll be, we'll be doing all day. Happy birthday. I hope it's a great day for you. Thank you. It will be. Thank you so much. All right. Talk Happy to you later, Lauren. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye. So that's our, our good friend Lauren, Elaine of Avalor. What's that? Get that oh, what is that? That's a loud noise. <laughs> Hit it. Hit it. Okay, let's see who this is. This is the uh, 405. Hello, 405. Hello. Who is Hi. this? Hi. Hi. That sounds like a whole family. That's of a whole clan. It is a whole family. A whole family of Okies. Oh, oh, I thought that might be who it was. <laughs> it's the Grant clan. The Tenton Realtor Angie clan. The Tenton Realtor Angie clan. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Going good. Happy Marathon Day. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I, I, I wish I was. I should have been looking forward more, to it more than I was, but it really snuck up on me this year. We didn't get everything in, in place before it started. As you could tell by our first two hours of just rambling about Manus and Petra. Manus. Uh, it was, it was, Manus. It was awesome. That was great. <laughs> How do you guys no, say mayonnaise? How do we say mayonnaise? Oh, there it is. There you got it. You say you say it right. <laughs> you influenced that. That's oh, not I'm fair. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so what's going on in Oklahoma? It's cold. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not as cold as over there. Uh-huh. Really? How cold oh, is it in, there? In Georgia? Yeah. Aren't y'all pretty cold right now? Yeah. It's freezing. <laughs> Haley chimed in and said, "Yes, it is pretty cold right now. Freezing. It's, it was um, eighty degrees yesterday. It was eighty. Where no, I was it was eighty degrees was. two days ago where I was. I was down in Dothan. Uh, it's in the thirties. Nice. It's just in the thirties today. Yeah. If there were some precipitation, I'd bet it'd be snow. There was supposed to be at seven. There was yeah. supposed. There was That's actually supposed to be snow this morning at seven. Apparently. So, and my wife is disappointed once again. Oh no, no, I'm never it's disappointed hard. to not see snow. So, how cold is it in Oklahoma? Yeah, how cold is it there, guys? Hold on, I can tell you. Oh, we're gonna it's check. Thirty-two, so it's freezing. Oh, it's now. freezing there. Now, we're, we're in Oklahoma. I, I, I've only been a couple of places in Oklahoma. We live right outside of Oklahoma City, so it's okay. our little town called Lanchard that we live in. But it's right out just southwest of Oklahoma City. All right. I've, I've really close ex- to Norman, which is where OU is. So. Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> I've been in South Oklahoma in Ada, and I've been in West Oklahoma at Elk City. I've okay. Little towns. I, I've never been to Oklahoma, but I want to tell you a story about Oklahoma, if I may. Oh, you tell one. I'll tell okay. one. This one's good. I I lived in Minnesota for a year. In what? Minnesota. And <laughs> yeah, I worked in Minnesota and we were, I was working with a youth group there. I was an intern at a church. They were working with a youth group and we took a trip with them out to this conference in California. And because the youth pastor at this church was speaking there, so he's like, well, we'll just do a whole thing. We'll make a whole thing of it. And so had the kids and everything. And we were staying at this campus, this college campus out at Costa Mesa. And, um, and, and I'm on this dorm with the guys that I'm kind of chaperoning or whatever. And there are all these Minnesotan guys, and they're like, hey, you guys want to come with? I'm going to the cafeteria to get some food. And all of a sudden, down the hall, I hear, hey, y'all, what are we eating tonight? And I said, <laughs> "I said it's my people. I said, it's my people. Where is that coming from? And I go down the way. I'm like, where are you guys from? They're like, Oklahoma. And I'm like, I didn't know people in Oklahoma talked like me. It's so refreshing yes. to hear from you guys. So, yeah, it was so. it was like a... It was just a shot in the arm of home. I was like, I didn't realize I was homesick for country accents. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I've done that uh, when I was in California. I was um, at my friend's wedding, and I said y'all, and the people there, were they just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> oh, you didn't get any... any where are you from? Cause... <laughs> yeah, they, they just kind of gave me a weird look, like... A random fat guy didn't come running up to him like, hey, where are you from? Because <laughs> I scared those kids. I was like, hey, where are you boys from? They find each other. They're like, please everywhere. don't eat me. Please don't eat me. <laughs> yeah, y'all. I, well, you know, there's y'all, and then there's the plural of y'all. All y'all. All y'all. All y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Shaz, do you have an Oklahoma story? Uh, well, my wife does. I, I got the story of my wife. We, li- we were living in Dallas, and I was going to school in Fort Worth, mm-hmm. so I was driving across Dallas every day. Well, she was coming over 
um, because I had gotten a ride with somebody, and she she was going to come over and pick me up. She and uh, the wife of one of my friends was coming to get us so we could all go shopping together. They didn't have a car. So she's coming over there to pick me up for school, and it was she was supposed to be there at lunch. Never saw her. Finally got a phone call, and this is before we had cell phones. She called me at the school and uh, said, I don't know where I am. I made a wrong turn. I said, well, what do you see around you? She said, hold on a second. This sign's coming up. Oklahoma. <laughs> she, I was like, you've been off track for a while. She was like, where are you? Do you see any signs? She's like, yes. Oklahoma. <laughs> I said, do a U-turn. Get on I-35 South. And this time, you and know, I'll see come, you in six hours. <laughs> it's not that far, oh, okay. but still, it's far enough that she shouldn't know she wasn't even close to yeah. Fort Worth. All right, I've yeah. got I've got a question for you guys because I want to make sure I do it all properly. Uh, JC and is it Hallie or Haley? It's, it's Hallie. It's, she so, really likes that you pronounce her name correctly. Okay, <laughs> I, I want to make sure you know because sometimes people will spare, spell Haley weird, you know, and they'll leave out the Y's that they're supposed to have in there. My wife there knows are about two. that. There are two Y's in Haley, and in uh, mm-hmm. one L. But so I thought it was Haley, but I didn't. You know, listen. One of the the last thing you want to do is pronounce someone's name wrong. I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. What's that? I said it would be the first time somebody pronounced her name wrong. Right, but well, that, we're not doing it anymore. But we yes, but we don't want to accept life like that. Let's not accept life where people are, <laughs> right. like when people call me like my name is Stephen. Full name is Stephen. Spelled like the Stephen in the Bible. And so if people are like seeing my ID or ask for my ID or they see something like, it's Stefan? Or like if they're like, do you have like do you have a rewards program with us? Sure, here's my number. Are you Stefan? No, I'm not. I'm Stephen. Get it right. You can call me Mr. Glosson is what I want to tell him. Well, I had a neighbor next door to to me, you know, in, in, in uh, Summerall, Mississippi, and uh, introduced myself. And from then on, he called me Steve. He called you. Call me Steve. He thought you were part of Team Steve. I'm part of Steve. Well, you team are Steve. an honorary Team Steve member. So. <laughs> so now, my other question is: Is it Tintin, Tintun, yeah, or Tinton? Tinton, Tinton, Tinton. You got Tinton and Tipton. Realtor Angie thinks I should put a exclamation point after the name so everybody pronounces it correctly. Well, why is it Tinton? And, you know, it was a stream name going back to the early 2000s, and just my online persona has always had a 10 somewhere in it, and it just kind of stuck. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It would, that, if that were me, it'd be because I'm a big old fatty. I like 10 tons <laughs> of fun. He's so big. He needs three seats on an airplane. Uh, well, that's, the show is so oh, the big. the show is so big. Yeah. Yeah, it needs three seats on an airplane. So just for one guy. Just for one guy. Well, well, guys, thank you so much for your donation over yeah. here to the to the cure. And uh, um, y'all, I mean, it, it, y'all are an early donator. Early donor. Very early. Donator. Donor. donor. That was that was within. We were that, really looking forward to it, and th- thank you guys so much for putting us on and just, just bring more awareness to everything. And it's it's really something special that you guys do. Wait, I got something to say. Oh, oh. Okay. Catbird. Catbird? Catbird? Jay- 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 Jacy had to get in the fat bird. <laughs> fat bird? I'm missing yeah. something. We were from uh, one of the shows. It was uh, uh, over, in, over in England or in, some, yeah. it was in London, the, uh, in the sewers. They had the, the fat bird going on. 
It's from one of your big honking shows. Okay, I remember they had the fat, the clogging of the fat. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, with the yeah. sewers. And did they have a bird go yeah. in and eat it or something? No, bird. Like oh, the fat, oh, the fat bird. bird. Okay, yeah. Oh. I was like, fat bird? Man, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, a chicken's kind of a fat bird. Speaking of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Jumbo wings and tenders. Jumbo wings and tenders. <laughs> Yeah, the Fatberg. I that's kind of that was my nickname during the summer at the pool back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that though being just floating down there? Stuck. Uh, and, I mean it's disgusting to think yeah. about. With mm, it just gives me the heaves. Like why is my yeah. why is the drain clogged? Well, it's a lot of fat and stuff, other stuff. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that rolled up in that Fatberg. Yeah. It, the Titanic couldn't plow through that thing, <laughs> but it just bounced off this time instead of crashing. <laughs> That's my sound effect. Oh, guys, it's good to talk to you. We're going to have to do Gold Con just so you guys will come to Georgia. Oh, yeah. We will be there. And then we've chosen our convention we're going to. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, well, it, it'll be. We're going to Comic Con soon, so. Oh, that's. Oh, um, do they do one in Oklahoma at all? Of course they, they do. Have, they're not having one this year. I think we're going to Dallas. Oh, okay. Um, fan May. days? So. Is it fan days or is it a Comic-Con down there? It's, it's, fan fan, it's called FanCon, maybe, or Fan Days? Fan Days, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fan days. yeah, Fan Days I've heard yeah. good things about. Now, yeah, there, yeah. Uh, there's one in May and one in October, I think. Okay. Um, same guy puts it on. Yeah. It's good show. Are you going or something, No, I've oh. been, I've been, that's, that was the first con we went to was, yeah, was Fan Days 3. Okay. that Yeah, Fan Days I've heard good things about. I would not, I would never suggest anyone do Dragon Con to be their first con. It's crazy times yeah. there. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't know about, yeah, we did kind of touch on it this year a little bit, but I, I don't know about Star Wars Celebration anymore, all the stuff I've heard about it, but... The smaller cons are fun because they still have like some celebrities and stuff you can go get interviews and autographs with and everything <laughs> and pictures. But you know it, it doesn't have the wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder um, stuff that that goes on. So uh, send us updates yeah. and pictures if you go do one. That'll be some good stuff. Okay. So we will. Well, it's good to talk to you guys. Me too. Talk to you. Thanks. Hey, so, thanks a lot. For thanks so much for calling in. in. Yeah, thanks so much sure. for calling in and stuff. We'll we'll talk to you soon. And and I know that Chaz sure. and I still owe you a song, and we haven't forgotten. <laughs> so we haven't forgotten Maybe at all. I'm <laughs> oh no, no, you're going to get it before you turn forty-one. Maybe the day before. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Right, thank you. Talk to you later. See you. Bye. 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 Sweet family. You're going to say what now? Oh, my Lord, it's so loud. i got to remember to turn it down when we're done. <laughs> oh, my gosh, my ears now rubbing. She helped you do what? Oh, yeah, helped you get a flight. That's true. That's true. Oh, when that's you got right. stranded the other day. Stranded. All right, we've got an unknown caller. And saving the world. Hello, hello. You're on the, uh, the Goliverse Marathon. I am the fan in the window. I mean, hi, Steve. Oh, it's Andy. 
Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, this could go so wrong in so many ways. But Faye, he didn't hang up. I was, about to, I was about to go through the window. And it did. And it did go so wrong in so many ways, Andy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm sorry. You don't know I'm <laughs> quick draw McGraw, McGraw over here, man. I'm not a funny person. I, I, I When I try to think of jokes, I, I'm just not good at it. It's so. okay. Well, I think the thing is, is the face in the window is such an old joke that I don't, I think you're the only one that remembers it. Oh, I just thought somebody was outside the window wanting to get shot. Yeah, I, I think, Andy, I really do. I think you're <laughs> the only. Not that I would do that. I don't. Let's go to the chat. Let's take it to the chat. Does anyone remember the face in the window joke? Guys, we're 41 listeners in here. We should, one of us needs, should remember when Steve made me the face in the window. Come on now. No, I never made you the face in the window. No, you, you did. No, I didn't, Andy. You said you were the face in uh-oh, the window. Uh-oh. Jimmy and Georgia remembers it. Yeah, Chris remembers uh, it. Roth remembers it. Yeah, it's a Steve. My it's people. a. It's My a. People are with me. No, no. Listen, <laughs> they remember the event. Do you remember why you were claiming to be the face in the window? Why I was claiming it to be because I think you made me the perfect candidate to be the face in the window. Okay. Do you remember about the face in the window? Do you remember it that? Was ep- episode sixty-seven, I think. of geek out loud. What? Wow. Um, <laughs> Oh my God, Andy! Now you, yeah, now, now I'm you're scared. the stalker. Yeah, now I'm hanging. This is up. great. This is great. <laughs> no, because I mean, see, because I've been go- because I, you know, since I started working, I've been uh, going by listening to old. Geek Out oh Loud yeah, episodes, yeah. You know, from the beginning, and I'm like, you know, because my job sometimes it can get a little rough. Um, you know, some people are very bitter, and sometimes I just want to get away from that. So I just listen and uh, to people talking about it. So, so you know, the people people talking about geek stuff, and you and Derek are some of my favorite people. Talk, talk about like you know DC Marvel things and so on and, and then you know I think a few months ago I was listening back to the episode of the face in the window I'm like oh that's funny oh wait no I became the face in the window years later this is so this is so crazy yeah but I think you made yourself the face in the window I never said that you are the face in the window See, it's my way of showing how much of a fat I am of you so I, no I get it the compliments I know I get it I'm 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 tracking with you I'm just wanting to make sure and now I'm trying to find that was all the way back on episode 67, huh? Well, that's when either, that first came up. Either, either before 67 or it was after 67. It's, it's something I think 67 might have been the episode, but like it was definitely before Disney bought Lucasfilm, I think. Because I think oh, you guys were doing a video, live video show for one of your episodes, I remember, and at one point because you guys had a big window behind you, it was dark, and I think you like. We're trying to pull the curtain, and Derek got really, really freaked out. Something got really well. Here's here, here's what happened. I was at Derek's house, and when that joke happened, and we were at uh, we were at his home in Tupelo. Then why is it Starkville House of L? Because he went to school in Starkville, and that's where it started. Oh, he went to the Blessed School. Yeah, he went to state, um, and and I think that came up as we were talking about Iron Man three. In fact. Oh, so this is fairly recent. No, I mean, I guess not. When was Iron Man 3? It was after the Avengers, so ago? 2013. Yeah. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, you were guys in the same room. Because wow. I remember there was a joke towards the end of the episode where he like was trying to come over and give you a hug. You're like, no, don't come over the table. No, don't hug me. Oh, no. And then, you know, you gave your classic Steve laugh. And yeah. then, you know, the song came in. And so we were actually in in his in his upstairs. Holy cow. It goes from episode 77 to episode 100 here on this website. That's not good. Glad I saw that. Um, and we... Um, 73. Steve and Derek get together in real life to discuss a new Man of Steel TV spot and trailer. Iron Man 3, Paul McCartney, and the usual silliness oh. is all here in person. 
Yeah, so this would have been uh, that's Tupelo Funny episode one, uh, episode seventy three. But we also were doing Starkville House of L at that point. Um, but a comic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. And uh, so there, yeah, there were a few episodes in there where it was just Derek and I doing some Man of Steel talk and all that stuff. So yeah, we talked Iron Man three. Anyhow, and the on the whole thing about that situation is is the reason the face in the window would have been freaky is because the window behind him, <laughs> we were upstairs. It's a oh, poke- okay. Pokemon. Oh, okay. To me, that room sounds more like a downstairs kind of room. No, that's and that's what was so funny about it is we were upstairs, and so had there surely been a face in the window, it would have been scary as all get out. But that can happen anywhere. You don't talk that way. My wife is a very skittish oh, person. Oh, I, no, I grew up in this house. So <laughs> I grew up in this house where at the top of the stairs there's a window mm-hmm. right at the landing and then you had mm-hmm. three more steps up and I'd go up and my dad would call from the bottom of the stairs he'd say well good night oh what's that looking in the window Mm-mm. oh god always <laughs> behind me <laughs> that's the great way to send your kid to bed oh man they did that to me my, my for, for years what's that looking in the window until eventually um, mom had put some uh, uh, shutters on that window some indoor shutters and I would shut them as soon as I went up there. Mm-hmm. And they, they'd say, what's that looking in the window? I said, don't know. You can't see it now. It's, it's hidden. I don't care. You can't. I got smart after a while. But boy, I could see faces in doorways, faces in windows. And little did I know it was babacked. Well, no, listen, he's That's... not the face in the window. <laughs> this is what... He pronounced my last name. Was that Karong? I Karong? Was I Karong? No, he was correct. Andy, I pronounced your last name right? Try it on, because, I mean, we haven't talked in, like, a few years. Yeah, I I always pronounce it right, but backed. You make it, you do the very American version of that. I do, I do babox, is what I say. Oh, oh, that's my, that's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, How are you? First of all, congrats on marriage. I'm I'm so happy for you. I literally teared up when I when when the news came out, oh. and I don't I don't I don't cry when people get engaged. I don't. Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. I'm gonna have to ask you to call back because speaking of Derek, he's calling in right now. Uh oh. Are you you promise you'll pick up my call later? Dad? I promise. I promise. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm wrapping. All up. right. Bye. Derek Russell. This is Eugene Anist. Eugene Anist. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, meet Shaz. Hey, Shaz. How's it going? It's great. How are you, man? I am well. Thank you for answering. I went yeah. through your area last uh, Monday, this past Monday. Derek, thank well, you, you for calling. Yep. You should have reached out. Well, I was, I was kind of in a hurry. I was going from Huntsville to Starkville to Dothan, and I drove through Tupelo. I was here. Maybe. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. I was here. Were you at a horse show? No. That's good. You you stay the heck away from those. No, yeah, your daughter gets hurt at those. Yeah. Well, she can get hurt. Is she Superman? I was going to hurt the horse. Yeah. When all was said. I was going to horse whip that horse. I was going to horse whip it. What, what are we talking about? What are we doing? We're curious about this face in the window that you're terrified of. The face in the window just got brought up. You there? We scared him oh, off. Hello, are we here? Derek, did you there? What's happening? Well, we I said the, f- the face in the window got brought up. Yeah, 
yeah, I, I'm not terrified of it. You were terrified of it. Well, yeah, because I was facing the window. The window was behind you. Oh, it's worse when it's behind you. Right. And we yeah. got to talking about if a face was suddenly in that thing and it was upstairs yeah. because you had that demon bird that was living on your porch at that I did time. Ha- I did have a demon bird. That's I've heard funny. tell of this demon bird. What yeah. was this demon bird? Uh, it was a bird <laughs> and it was a demon. <laughs> It lived Thank on the, you for it the lived, story. He, he had yes. a little he had a little stoop front porch and up in the up in the eve of the thing there was a bird that had nested and it would come at you, bro. Really? Yeah. Was it a swallow? I don't know if it swallowed. Swallows or not. come after you. He was, paying, he was not paying mortgage, but he, he owned the place. <laughs> <laughs> it was his world. We were just running past it. Yeah, yeah. We were we were just the gardeners. We were we were keeping up with the place. That's true. Yeah. Fortunately, Derek now lives in a new place with no demon birds. Congratulations. That we know of. That we we found. It hasn't found him yet. That's the problem. So what are you you up to? I heard you had a horse show today. I didn't go to a horse show. Oh, okay. Well, good. I wasn't going to watch that mess. Mm -mm. Derek's daughter has been riding. What show are we on right now? Is this, what, what are we we're what in we between doing? Big Honk and Show and Geek Out Loud. I'm just taking call calls. Me. Yeah, I'm just taking calls from listeners right now. It's line. a good mix to be in, in between Geek Out Loud and Big Honk and Show. Yeah, it's kind of like being wedged between the donut aisle and the uh, and the cereal aisle. Oh wow! It's like a well, I was going to go with a club sandwich, but that's good too. Like a club sandwich. Now yeah. they have donut cereal. It's kind of like that third bun on the Big Mac. We're the we're the special sauce right That's now. That's right. Can you sing it? Can you sing it? What two all beef patty special sauce? Two all sauce beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, pickles onions, onions on a sesame seed, seed bun. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's classic, man. Is what that, that was, is. Yeah. Derek, tell me yes. about tell me about uh, tell me about this situation here. I got an email the other day. Did um, you? Yeah, and uh, as happens from time to time. And the I'm just going to read what the subject line says, if I can find it. It was okay. something about a steakhouse being torn down in Tupelo. Bonanza? Bonanza. We'll see one of the last Bonanza steakhouses demolished after standing for 45 years. Somebody sent you that from MeTV? Uh, yeah. Is that where it came from? Yeah. How about that? Who sent that? Uh, Shane in Grand Rapids. To For Big Honkin' Show? Big Honkin' Show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a staple. Um, I think it was mid seventies. Mm-hmm. No, it had to have been earlier than that. I can't remember. I, I it popped up that me TV article popped up for me as well. So I know of what you speak. Our competitor shot the footage of it though. So oh well, then I'm we not didn't. watching. I didn't. I'm glad I didn't watch it. That's okay. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm not giving them any clicks. <laughs> They, you should. They need all the help they can get. Um, then, I, then definitely, if they're <laughs> hey, if you're that close to winning, why would I help them? Um, it was my grandfather's favorite place to go because they had the two for two for Tuesday. You could get two steaks. That's also when they play Zeppelin back to back all day long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two for Tuesday with Led Zeppelin. It, um, it was, it was. I would uh, I would say it was the original Western Sizzlin. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of like done up like that. Yeah, you would go right. through the line and get your Man. or like a, a Morrison's cafeteria. Yes, yes. Used to love those thing, places which, for some reason. Which pff, I hate Morrison's cafeteria. Well, of course, like Luby's. Luby's. Yeah. Do you know Luby's? Luby's. I don't know Luby's. You knew you didn't have Luby's up there. It's down. It was, well, it was down South Mississippi. I don't know if it is anymore. Luby's. Luby's sounds like. <laughs> 
you mean upstairs? Well, up in Tupelo. Up, up in Tupelo. <laughs> You're way up north, man. Shaz is from Dothan. Below the Mason-Dixon line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of below, funny. Below the frost line. I mean, yeah, he's, exactly. He's, you know, Derek, he's way up there. It was, it, was, it, I, it was 80 where I was yesterday, and it's 30 up here. Yeah, yeah. Woo. Yeah. Well, now, it dropped quick. Uh, yeah, it's probably cold in Dothan, too. So you say it was a staple? Why didn't we ever go when I visited you in Tupelo? I don't. I don't know. I. I. I didn't. I didn't frequent a whole lot. I, I only okay. went with my grandfather. We went to Danvers. I, we, well, Danvers is like you can't come through. To you can't get your passport. You know, right to Tupelo. Stamped if you don't. Go to we went to some place last time that was kind of like a greasy spoon kind of place. That could Did be. We go anywhere. to Shockley's. Maybe we had breakfast there. Yeah, Shockley's. Yeah. It, it has also closed. You got to be kidding What's me! What's going on in it, Tupelo? That, that hurts my heart. It, it seemed, almost hurts my heart as much as the cholesterol from Shockley's. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. It seemed like they'd be open forever, my, unlike my arteries after eating there. Yeah, I, they opened in the late fifties. They closed about two years ago. Yeah, uh, and that's. I'm still mourning that. In fact, wow. I went the last day it was there, and as I pulled in, there was a hearse in the parking lot. No. I didn't know if it was there for me or the restaurant, but it was. <laughs> or it was someone who, uh, someone else. This is a, this is a, a mom and pop place, right? This isn't a chain. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. They they were open till like one thirty. They did a little lunch, nice. but it was. They were mostly known for breakfast. They opened yeah. at five thirty, and, and it was you know pancakes. And yeah, it was good. We got Ray's. Same uh, same booths from the fifties. Yeah. Exactly. And the people, the guys who are there in the morning, will just they'll go get the coffee pot and pour everybody exactly. Yes, I love those places. Yeah, yeah. And then a little girl, then a little girl shows up and steals French fries, and the owner gets shot in the head by a secret government agent. Oh, I'm sorry. That was that was Stranger Things. I've eaten my best. (laughs) I have eaten there. I have been to that burger place. That's right. Me too. Me too. You've had lunch at Tiffany's. Did you know I've been there to to, to the place where what's his name? Was it Bob? Did I know you'd been to the place? Bob, where, Bob's Burgers. It was Bob. Bob, well, no, was it no, Bob's it Burgers? Bob. That's a cartoon. That's Benny? Right. Benny. It was Benny. Benny, you know, Benny got shot. Derek, have you seen the show Stranger Things? You seen this? You heard I'm about familiar. this? I'm familiar. Okay, you know in the first season when the man has the with the restaurant? The, uh, the Taserhead from, uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy That's Taserface? That's Taserface. Why would you call yourself Taserface? That's not scary. It's from the comics. Maybe because it's super badass. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you call yourself Voltron? Why do you keep calling yourself Voltron? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, yeah, we went and ate at that restaurant. It's over so here. That's in, a real restaurant. Yeah, it's called Tiffany's. Yeah. And uh, did you have breakfast there? Mm-mm, no, but that, it, that certainly would have fit. Yeah, but it took me a minute to figure out. Apparently, they kind of have good breakfast, and I think you would think. And then Shaz and Steve Bennett told me, "Well, it's breakfast at Tiffany's." Yeah. And then we went to where Hawkins, where all the downtown things for Hawkins were filmed, down in Jackson, Georgia. This is when you saw Ant-Man and the Wasp being filmed. That's exactly right. But that was in Atlanta um, at, at, Emory. at Emory University. But in Hawkins, nah. where the movie theater <laughs> is, trip, though. Yeah, where the movie theater is, there's not really a movie theater, but there is a restaurant, like a pub there. With false advertising. Uh-huh. With, they have, and they had their menu outside, and they said jumbo wings and tenders. And that really caught my attention. Near that lunch. was the name of my band in college. Jumbo Wings really? and Tenders. Yeah, that Where was, did y'all yeah. practice? Huh? Where did y'all practice? At the high school gym. That was funny because that was my tag team when I was a professional wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> 
Were you jumbo wings or tender? Uh, oh, he was tender. I was tender. Um, and then, <laughs> but so it was getting close to lunchtime, and I mentioned, hey, they got jumbo wings and tenders. Well, then we ride out to the country to take some other pictures of some places, and as we're coming back toward town, I'm like, man, those jumbo wings and tenders sure sound good. Well, too bad we're going the other way, and I'm sitting in the back seat. And I'm like, no, I think we turned the way we're back to town. We get back into town, they're like, and the dude that's talking about our friend Steve is like, look at all the architecture, so similar to all these just towns, like the town we just left. like the town we left. I'm like, Steve, this is the town we left. <laughs> and so I'm like, and they got the jumbo wings and tenders down there. Well, Steve and we, Chaz just oblivious. We made, they, we made three right turns. <laughs> and so, so they leave, they leave town, and I'm just talking the whole time about jumbo wings and tenders. And then every restaurant we pass, I'm like, "Well, there's a Burger King, there's this," because it's lunchtime, and they're just completely oblivious to that it was lunchtime. And uh, and so we finally went back. We were involved in some discussion about what we were doing next. We weren't thinking about food. Well, that's your mistake, right there. Evidently. Um, and so then we went back several months later. I met Shaz there. Because he was taking his daughter to show him, and there was different. It was a bad day, kind of. It was but, kind of. But we did end up day. eating. We did up any there, and I ordered the jumbo wings. They were not jumbo. No, at all. they were minuscule. They were just regular Minus, wings. Well, minuscule wings and tenders doesn't sound as good. No, no, no. There's not as metal as jumbo wings and tenders was. <laughs> we rocked hard. What was your big? What was? What would you say your best? Your best song, biggest hit was? Uh, a league of their own. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my DVD self right now. That was I was going to say, album. I was like, that is a really fun pull and a great grab <laughs> and so fast. <laughs> it was either that or if I look slightly to the right, it was Lois and Clark to do it with <laughs> Superman. So it was one of the <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> We're going to choose Lois let and me, Clark. Let me go to the left. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I that wish was our number that one. was our number one hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and here on the on the countdown, moving up to number eight is Jumbo Wings and Denders with their new hit, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. <laughs> DJ's having a stroke. I was so proud of you. I was so proud of you. I'm like, wow, he jumped right there to League of Their Own. This is a bit he's done before. Or or he really had a band or, in college no, called or, Jumbo Wings and Tenders. Or, or he thought League of Their Own, and this is what it's about. <laughs> I'm I like, just happened to be looking at the L shelf. I was so I was like, Derek, I'm so proud of you. You're so quick on the draw today. <laughs> yes, and yes, and <laughs> I yes, and you on every bit that you did. <laughs> Recently, there was a clip from. Starkville's House of L posted last time, Derek, back when we were doing season one. And uh, I talked over Derek as he was trying to get into a bit because <laughs> I was I was trying to get the factual, like I was trying to defend the camera shot, you know, and I'd kind of got on that train and Derek was over there doing a bit and I just walked right all over it. And Derek, <laughs> but what was funny about it in the moment, I pulled Derek into my side and he's mid-sentence saying, well, the camera shot said, Steve, don't walk all over my bit. <laughs> For years, I've yes said it. <laughs> it's my turn now. Yeah, it's my it's turn. It's my turn now. It's their I've turn up there. For a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give a shout out to Tim Rowe. Tim Tim does those uh, those clips for us. Is that who's? I was wondering who was doing that. Tim yeah. Rowe, the dirty dirty jobs guy. Wow, that's awesome. That's him. <laughs> he also has a great voice for narrating. Have you watched that Deadliest Catch? It's amazing. I'm Tin Row. Tin Row? Tim Row. Tin Row! 
D- bang, didn't he play bang, Admiral Ackbar? Oh yeah, it's a trap. <laughs> it's rusted. Oh, Tim, that's a great crab, a B-52 grab there. <laughs> you mean he's rusted? Tim Rowe is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. they say. He was banging on Tim the door. Tim Rowe! A little bit louder, honey. Rusted. <laughs> <laughs> bang, well, you bang. guys continue on. I just thought I'd call in and derail. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure oh, you to hear right from you. And call in any other time. Are we doing something later? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah, how late are you going? Till I'm done. Uh, currently, I'll tell you what, Derek. Since you're here, let me give you the update of where we're at. Where our goal yes, is. Please. Our go- Thank you. Our goal is um, four thousand dollars. Uh huh. And that's where we're at. No, we have uh, raised three thousand. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> We've still got a goal. Uh, we, we have it's raised. Amazing! It hit right when I called. That's right. Well, Derek, that's the magic of Derek Russell. <laughs> <laughs> we have hit three thousand twenty-five. That's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's wonderful. How We've long had, have you been going? Uh, since 10 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're good. Yeah, so maybe we'll make it. We'll see. I think you will. We'll see I what happens. You, you can do your old, uh, the, the old uh, mixed-up preacher joke. What? Don't believe I told that if I was you? Do what? Is that? No, that's a different joke. No, what's, it's appropriate. What's the mix, 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 mixed up preacher joke? What's the mix He's up? been doing that all morning. That's a, that's a, hey, my church is doing that every week. What are you talking that about? Was, that was his wrestling name in college. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you get to the end of the sermon and and you know you're doing the invitation, or what is he doing it? Sounds like you're the mixed-up preacher. Yeah, I can't remember it now. Now I'm, now I'm trying to do Baptist jokes, and I'm just failing miserably. Every now and again. Yeah, that's what's so fun. I love Derek when he tries to pull out a Baptist joke every now and again. I just, oh, oh I, I invite you to just leave your, leave your hearts and bring your seats to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm telling you what, if you, if you show up in eternity, his, your seat is his anyway. <laughs> it's just get, not as good as the, the guy that they found on the deserted island. You know that one, right? When they asked him about the buildings he made, yes. Oh yeah, because they split. Yeah, the church split, so he built another. <laughs> yeah, one. yeah, three What's buildings. That? That's why I used to go to church. So you ruined my jokes. Steve. I'm so, well, go ahead. What tell, else is tell new, it, Derek? Derek? And yes, and <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> oh, three buildings. Yes, and yeah, yeah, three buildings. When the Coast Guard found them, one of them's my house. I love shelter. One of them's my church. I, feel very deeply about my religion. What's the other one? That's where I used to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> we had a split. Yeah. yeah. There was a split. All right. You guys have fun. All right, Derek. We'll Thanks, see you, Derek. man. Thanks for calling. Hell State. All right. Hell State. Fantastic. Ooh. All right. Well, we're closing down the calls for now. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're closing down the causeway? We're closing down the calls for now. Oh, wait. I did tell him I'd pick back up. So let me pick back up. Hello, Andy. How'd you know it was me? Because you're the oh, only person oh, who's disguising oh, your call. Steve's magic. Oh hell no! Am I? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I will fix. I'm gonna fix that. Uh, I will fix that after this. Um. So where were we? <laughs> I don't know, Andy. I kind of forget. Like, Derek interrupted we're, you. We're, we were the face in the window, and how you got the, titled with that name? You you didn't. You took it. You said I am the face in the window. I and I think I just said, ooh, Lord, or something like that, and you took that as he approves. Well, can I be in the face in the window, Steve, please? I don't, I, no, I feel, like, I feel like that time has passed. Oh, so... Be something new. thing is over? 
No, I just feel like you've grown beyond that. That you're so much better than that, Andy. Are you telling, are, are you telling me I'm old? Because I'm only 25, Steve. I'm already feeling insecure about my own age. You're 25? You're 25 and you're feeling insecure about your age at 25? Yeah, I'm, I started getting gray hair a little bit. Oh, my Lord. I've had to, like, you know how many times I've had to use my scissor in the past six months because like every once in a while like by my you know just strain of hair gray hair will show up and I I freak out. When I was twenty five, I had a streak of gray hair right here. Guess what, Steve? Ain't there anymore? What happened? I guess it fell out. Oh yeah. Well, what happened? That's the next step. I I have gray hair and it's fine. I'm forty two. More gray hair than I do. Yeah, you're much older, Steve. No, you're not forty two, Steve. I am. I turned forty two in January. I thought you were still in your 30s. No, I'm not. I haven't been in my 30s he, for about three years. He's 30, 12. Yeah, 30, 40. 12. Yeah, I'm 42. <laughs> I'm as old as Star Wars. You, I was well, born Steve, in... You're actually may I, four months old. You look good for your age, then, Steve. Well, you haven't seen me lately. I still look well, in his ha- 30s. I will, have, I, will have, I will have to come to Georgia at some point. At some point. Well, don't you threaten me with a good time, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what that saying means. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> He's always open for a good time. That's what it means. Yeah, I mean, I we can, I mean, I, I know if you do if you ever do Dragon Con again, I might try and swing by that. Oh, uh, I try not to do Dragon I Con. I don't know if that qualifies as a good time. Mm-mm, that's too crowded for oh, me yeah. over there. I know a lot okay. of people like it. It's just I don't. I've never gone, but I intentionally stayed away. That's just me. So, well, Andy, we're going. Like cons. We're we're headed into a break now, and so it's good I to hear. Called. What? I just called. I know, but I've got other things scheduled coming up that I've got to get to a break for so I can reset stuff. But we got back to your call. Yeah. Are you more calls today? uh, Yeah, we'll do more calls later, for sure. Another promise? Yes, Andy. I've been saying this for months now, weeks, days. At least a few hours. Yeah. Okay, I'll call you back then later. You guys guys take care. Keep going. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Bye. See ya. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Now there went. <laughs> okay, look real quick, Daniel. I just said we're trying to take a break. I was just helping you go to break. All right, thanks, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick uh, time out here, get some things reset. When we come back, we're about fifteen minutes or so before Jimmy. We got to get into Geek Out Loud, and we're going to bring. As Jimmy calls, we'll bring him into Geek Out Loud. That's what I want. At around 3 o'clock our time, Eric Schoenweiss, Adam Bray stepping in. We're going to do a little Pass the Corn type action. Oh, that's great. Um, Y'all have already talked about the movies I've seen now. And, uh, well, we're actually got to... I told you what movies we're we're doing, right? No. I'll tell you off mic. And uh, I don't know why... Why do people do that? Here's what we're doing. We're going to be talking about the third movies in series. So it it started out as like the best end to a trilogy. The other day we were kind of talking thirds in movies, thirds in trilogy. So like yeah, and so but not just trilogies now because like everything's not a trilogy right, anymore. Right. You know the only real trilogy that's out there anymore is Back to the Future, and so um, everything else has had a new one added to it. How to Train Your Dragon. Well, it's but it's not a trilogy yet. So <laughs> and so we're going to be talking about some of the best three, some of the worst threes. You know the number three. The three is a magic number. Like Superman. Hey, could someone pull that audio for me? <laughs> I know I got that on my phone. Mom and a baby had a little daddy. Wait, no, I got no. 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 <laughs> All right, that's the wrong. I said the wrong words. 
That was strange. There were three in the family. Slow it down a little bit, Mom Stevie. Mom and a daddy, daddy had, had a little baby. baby. Yeah. Was I going too fast? There were three in the family. I just remember it jamming a little more number. than that. Really? Dude. Now, what are you doing? The Blind Melon version? I don't Maybe. know. No. You know who Blind Melon is? Rock. Yeah. You remember Blind Melon? They, they, they covered it. No, that's Crash Test Dummies. Oh. Blind Melon. Um... All I can say is that my life is pretty Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He he sang on uh, Don't Cry by uh, Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 2. Don't you cry. Yeah, he's the real high voice that pops up in there. That's the lead singer to Blind Did Blind Melon do, and hey. No, but we need to investigate that song. Why? Because the struts, that song, it's got the same element to it and there's one more song that i need to call shabby's r4 we discovered these all what now together. what are you talking okay, okay so stress where did she go yeah turn it up oh whoa, whoa. Where, where did she go hey yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay we're gonna have to pull that hey, stuff up yeah, and, and do yeah, some yeah. stuff um i need i need a, a i need a song to go out to real quick um and then tones of home you know what i've been jamming to lately since Devo, someone requested since this it. morning no no, since someone requested the other day, um, it's the Rubber Band Man by the Spinners. I was jamming to that right before I came to your house. Yeah, it's a In great fact, song. I was still, that was the drums I was playing on my legs oh, nice. while we were going to get coffee. Nice. All right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, geek out loud. I promise. With nice. Chef. episode of geek out loud we are in the throes of the goliverse marathon for cure at curechildhoodcancer.org and currently as far as i know we're three thousand fifty dollars of the way there less than a thousand to go And welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. My name is Steve Glosson. So glad to be along with you as we are getting into this. What What's happening right now is we are um, doing the Goliverse for Cure uh, marathon. If you're listening live at mixler.com slash Goliverse, we appreciate you. You can also give and donate at geekoutonline.com slash cure is where you go to donate to Cure. We, our goal is $4,000. 
and we're $3,050 of the way there. So less than a thousand ago, over three quarters of the way there. And absolutely, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everyone who has donated and given and is making this day such a success. If you're just joining us, we have done... Um, I really should have got a social media manager to be doing stuff for us as we went throughout the day to let people know what was happening now. We've taken calls. We have... Um, we we have uh, we did the big honking show, which turned into just a, a total, just rando fest of everything that just popped into my head. We started talking about, and uh, we've just had a good time today. Who is we? You say? Well, uh, he's here with me in studio, and I am trying to fulfill a request right now, as made by him, and so I'm really trying to talk and stall all at the same time because that's how I that's how I roll is I just sit and I run what I do basically is I run my mouth until I've accomplished everything I've set out to accomplish and then I'm like oh nothing was going on I mean that's just how I do it so uh and I was told he wanted his real intro so I had to find his real intro get his real intro queued up and here we go you know him you love him Everybody sing it if you know it. Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. It's driving me crazy. It's driving me crazy. Every time Steve looks around Every time I look around Every time Steve looks around Every time I look around Every time Steve looks around He's at my door Oh, Shaz Bazaar. Welcome, sir. Glad to have you oh, on Geek Out Loud. Man, I've, I, it seems like I was just here I wanna 10 minutes a, ago. I want to steal a line from a classic and just say, welcome home. Welcome home. It's Geek Out Loud. We're so glad to have yeah. you with us. Yeah, that's what uh, our friend Pete used to say. Uh, that's exactly what the, I think of the when, he, when he says so, that. Welcome and I, home. And I'm telling you straight up, stealing it straight out from under him. Welcome home, Shaz. Glad to have you with us. Glad to have you here. Speaking of that old show, um, we are hoping to hear from... That new show. That new show. <laughs> you know, one, one thing I really like, speaking show. of that show, I have been listening to the, the uh, Clone Wars Declassified episodes they've been rebroadcasting these on the rebel force radio patreon yes yes fantastic reviews of really my favorite cartoon of all time yeah and um I all could, time droids some, is close at but, some point i'll show up on there i will not i i showed up i, I will was, never show up on that show i was on one or two episodes um, no that i was, was see that was because you're a big deal mm-mm. yeah see let's not go there now last hour you were saying i was a big you deal are a them, big deal but the, you were there i just got lucky I, I i got i got on a rebels episode i got lucky well listen you you had but i had time. to hondo up to get there well that's uh, fine oh, that's uh, fine that's fine love i talked guys. about the love babies in the cribs the dead the the force babies Oh the, man, the season death. three, three. Yes, yeah. that is season three. Mm-hmm. That's that's the end of season three. Right yeah, there at the end of it. So I didn't. Yeah, that's when I that's wow. when I started. I can't wait to talk guys. about season three with you, man. 
I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a three-hour episode. That's fine. Guaranteed. That's fine. The I, I thought we might. Immense. I thought we might rock, rock some forceology today. I don't know if we'll get to it or not though. At this at this rate, it's two o'clock. Oh, we better. We've got. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Should, should I call mom? Man, hey man, I'm I just need to be a little late. Just need to stay a little bit more. Um. Doesn't matter. She's going to sleep on the way home. I'm well, the one I, driving. I know that around three, we're going to bring in Adam Bray and Eric Chernevice. Okay. Uh, I know that Jimmy Mack himself said that after two, our time, he'd call in. I want to give an update to everyone, though, if you're listening live or even if you're even if you weren't able to uh, chime in uh, during the actual live broadcast at Mixler.com. You can get there by going to BigHonkinShow.com slash live, Mixler.com slash Goliverse. Uh, when we're recording live right now, we're at fifty. We're at three thousand fifty dollars raised. We're our goal is four thousand dollars. And um, I want to say thanks to everyone who's given the amazing Brett, the Sloan clan, uh, had, to round off because it got someone had chipped in like forty three earlier, and so to round it on up, that they, cool? yeah, they rounded up to seven. Nice. Um, and uh, Andy Babak, uh, Spider Shine, uh, Shaney Grand Rapids, Lauren, who we spoke to earlier in the call in segment. Uh, the Admiral, Michael High Nip, Brian Kennedy, the Lowe family, uh, Joey Mays, Jacob Roth, uh, the Grant clan, the Sloan clan, they all just gave, and there were several anonymous people in there. We thank you so much. If you're listening to this via the podcast feed, uh, there's still time to donate before February 16th, and you can donate by going to geekoutonline.com slash cure. And you'll be able to donate throughout the week, and we hope to, if we haven't met our $4,000 goal by the end of the day, we hope to meet it by the end of the week. And we thank everyone for helping us out and, and being a part of that. You're, you're helping a good cause. If you want to find out more about Cure, go to curechildhoodcancer.org. Tweet them and let them know that you're participating in the marathon at Cure Child Cancer. Use the hashtag goal, the number four, cure. And um, we want and to see lots of those. Want to see everywhere. lots of those, and haven't really seen many of those, to be honest with you. I'm not good at social media, and so that's why I say I need like a social media manager. Well, they're they're on there. They're they're right now in the Mixler Zoo crew. Right. We just need them to to tweet that out there and 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 make the point. It's it's that's a right. cu- it's cure for childhood cancer. The money's going towards that, and uh, you know you. Even if you've already contributed, why not just chime in and say you know this is your opportunity to 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 do just a little bit just a little bit will help yeah and um a little bit from everybody solved the problem right well that's a, that's a, I get that's by a deal like look with a little help from my friends <clears throat> what would you do out of tune would you get up and slap me in my face would you get up and walk out on me oh that's how that goes i would lay on me your ears and i sing you a song and i'll try not to sing out a key my my brother john who is super talented i've met john now super talented dude has the voice of an angel one of my favorite things for him to do is he'll be singing along like just belting it out like just perfect and glorious and you'll be like this close just like this is amazing and then all of a sudden he'll just hit a flat note and intentionally yes it owns me every time that he does that like i absolutely will lose it um that's more big honking show stuff i'm trying to tweet out right now though from the goliverse from the at goliverse account geek out loud is happening now at www.mixer.com slash goliverse is part of the hashtag goal for cure marathon uh for at cure child cancer and uh, 
we uh, we appreciate you guys being a part of this, as we said. So, Shaz, it's Geek Out Loud. What uh, what uh, what have you been geeking out about? What lately? have I been Anything? geeking out about? Yeah. Man, that's really hard to to answer. Really? What, what do I not geek out about? Well, I'm just saying, is there anything recent that's kind of been on your on your Man, radar? I just realized that I have not watched a movie at a theater since January 3rd. We kicked off this year, man. January 1st, went to a movie. Y'all, January I was going to say, y'all, you January were, 3rd, went to a movie. You were daily, because I think we spoke like January 3rd. You're like, I've been to a movie every day this year. Yeah, and I haven't <laughs> been back. I haven't been back. That's what you get for acknowledging it and saying well, something. Well, it, it was great. You know, there were movies we, we really wanted to see. We mm-hmm. went to see Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Now, mm-hmm. that was an awesome, awesome movie. Now, I, I understand the little problems that people have, and I wondered the same thing about... Um, is this is this a 3D version and I don't have the glasses on? What's going on? Yeah, but, yeah. But you remember comic books? Sometimes the color would come outside the lines and it would be in the right. It would be the right shape and everything. But sure. Just be, I think that they were just giving tribute to that. So I, I, I rolled with it. I get that. Yeah, and I mean, once I got used to it, I was able to roll with it. But it, but the design was oh, so good. Now another one of my favorite cartoons was Tron Uprising, mm-hmm. and the same guy did the design work for. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, as did the Tron Uprising. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole time I was thinking, this is so similar to Tron Uprising. I look over at Luke, he's like, very, very much. And so as we're watching the credits, it goes, Alberto Mielgo. I was like, ding, that's the guy. Alberto Mielgo. Alberto Mielgo. I am Alberto Mielgo. Man, I love love his style. Love it. And then, you know, and then uh, uh, Resistance is done by by, um, Polygon which is the company that produced Tron Uprising. So the, a lot of the coloring and the, the actual animation is is similar on that. So uh, I loved Tron Uprising, man. Uh, I, I yeah, I know you did. Tron 3, and, it, and it's old news, and it's not real, and it's yeah. not happening. Tron Uprising, I was into, I was watching it, and yeah. I really liked it as it seemed like they were getting closer to the actual Tron mythology, like they yeah. were getting off of the, they weren't leaving the programs that you would, you would focus on, but they were beginning to bring in clue and Flynn. And, oh, and clue was coming to town. Yeah. And that, all this stuff. And all of a sudden there's no next week. Yeah. I know it, it was never like, officially got canceled. Nothing just, just kind of disappeared. Yeah. I, and, it, and it seemed like they were going somewhere so cool. And what do you think? I mean, when it comes to Tron, like I love Tron, yeah. You love Tron. Yeah. We all love Tron. What do you think though the the hang up was with like Tron Legacy? I have a theory. What do you mean the hang up? Well, why it, people didn't like why Tron. Why people Legacy? didn't like it, yeah. You know, the the only person who said to me that they don't like it, they say, Well, there's not enough Tron in it. There's no Tron in it. I was like, Tron was in it. His name's Rensler. Right. Well well it's, you know, but why call it Tron? I said, Did you watch Tron in nineteen eighty two? <laughs> I mean, because it was about Flynn also. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Tron was... Yeah, Tron was in it, you know, more than more than in this one. But still, it's a, it's about Flynn. And he was almost... I mean, Tron was almost a non-entity in the... I mean, he well, was he there. Well, he was a non-entity as Tron until the very end. I'm saying, I'm saying in the first one, even. Well, he was like, there. He was there. He was helping Flynn escape, though. That was the whole thing. Right, right. Yeah. Um, he you, wasn't the main character. Do you believe in the oh. users? <laughs> That's see now that that disappeared, that did disappear between in, in Legacy. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you had a user they, living among them. It like, was it, almost a switched concept because the users were acknowledged as the creators, 
right. and Tron. And you get to Legacy, and it's the revolution against the user. Mm-hmm. Because he's not holding fast to his creation, according to my viewpoint. I mean, that's basically Clue's revolution. Mm. Am I to create the perfect system? Right, right. And, yeah, yeah. Wait, I had it better the first time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, are are you going to watch Ant-Man? I was trying to bring up Tron, but apparently... Okay, I've had this problem ever since the movie's Anywhere app. Ever since the movie's Anywhere app came out. They've started to disappear off of my iTunes list. Really? The things I have. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I've got... I'll show you the Star Wars here. Hold on a second. Let me just come oh, up. Oh, these are movies. your movies. Yeah, you these are my these movies. Anywhere. Yeah, no, this is not... I know nothing that, about this. This oh, is this Apple is TV. Okay. Yeah, and this is my iTunes, where everything was for the longest time. And then Movies Anywhere came along, which kind of was Disney Movies Anywhere, and they began to mash up. They began to conglomerate Voodoo and all the other things everything into one, you had into other one place. Yeah, yeah, and it was great. Until I go to do iTunes at one time, and look, A New Hope, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Empire Strikes Back, Phantom Menace, and there's Last Jedi. There's no Episode Seven or Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. How, how, how does that happen? I don't know, but I mean, I bought these things through iTunes. Now, if, I, if, the, if there was on this old version of the Apple TV, a Movies Anywhere app, I'd have not only the, all the Star Wars there, but oh, I would also Lord. have, I was going to pull up Tron Legacy to kind of have it playing yeah. while we were talking. Yeah, you know. So anyhow, so you think people were bummed because of the lack of Tron? I, but that's that's the only thing I've heard. But, well, no, that's the only person I've talked to. I hear people mm-hmm. say, "Well, it was just a um, two-hour music video." It was, and it was awesome. I disagree with that. It matched up perfectly. The yeah. music fit perfectly. It was a great stylistic move. It was a fun movie. Now, some people thought it was too slow. I was like, "Did you watch Tron, nineteen eighty-two?" Yeah, it's kind of slow. I disagree with I disagree with it being a um uh uh two hour movie two music hour video music video. I don't know what what all it was that that shut people off, but you know the bottom line is, I saw that trailer in I don't know two thousand nine maybe the first teaser trailer right. that you know really was nothing that was actually going on in the movie that that trailer was made for the trailer. You found it, yeah. Um, but I, I was totally rezzed up for that at that point. I wanted to see this movie. Well, I think I loved Tron. Here's what I think. I think that it was around that time that you had Chuck was on the air. Don't know what that is. You never watched Chuck on NBC? No. Okay. Well, Chuck, you'd love it. Chuck is about a dude that is just a, he's basically just an IT guy. He's basically the, the, what do they call it? Um, the Geek Squad at Best Buy? Yeah, yeah. Well, he works at a Buy More, which is basically a Best, Best Buy. Buy. Yeah. And he's part of the nerd herd. He's basically just... turn a, this on. Well, it's fine. I just want to have it kind of playing while we're doing it. I wanted to... <laughs> like, if we were actually Facebook living right now, you know, I'd want people to see that it's going on behind the... Oh, yeah. You know, behind us as we're talking. Um, he he is He's basically an IT guy, computer repairman with this Best Buy type store. And he gets an email from a friend from college, from his old roommate from this college. This is Chuck. This is Chuck. And that email comes from his his friend from college, his roommate from college, was a was some type of CIA agent or some such, NSA guy. And basically what he sent Chuck was this program that when Chuck opens it, it flashes in all this information into his brain. And he becomes the repository of all this top secret information that 
he only accesses like if he sees someone that's in there in the database as a terrorist. He's like, whoa, 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 that's a terrorist. He's in this, this, da, 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 da. And um, was he the bionic man? Kind of, but it's but was he the microchip man? Kind of, but it's it's all implanted his brain through these images and this series of images and stuff. And so he gets paired up with a CIA agent and an SA agent, you know, who's supposed to be his handlers, and they uh -huh. end up going on adventures and stuff. But he's a total nerd. And on his wall, and so they do like all kinds of themes of, um, you know, Star Wars themed shows and superhero stuff. And he's got his little nerdy buddy, and they're always video games. But on his wall is a Tron poster, like an original nice. Tron poster. And, I, and, and Chuck was, I think, on the air about the time this came out. It had been on. And I think people really thought they liked Tron. I think that people looked back on that movie and thought, oh, yeah, because it is so groundbreaking. It is iconic. Uh -huh. the but imagery, they haven't watched it since 1982. Right. The imagery is iconic, and I think they hadn't watched it since 1982 and didn't realize it is a slow-moving movie. It is very it slow. Is, it is a, it, it's not the action adventure. The cool stuff is very cool, you know, the disc games and all that stuff, but it happens in kind of a moment, and then the rest of it is just them running through the grid to get away. The light cycles are really cool. That happens for just a little bit before they bust out the wall, you know, and get yeah, away. And then yeah. there's no more light cycle stuff, right. you know, really. And so I think that people just kind of remembered it. I think they remembered the video game more than they remembered the I movie. I think they remembered the video game. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly and so, right. And so I think when they then saw this movie, Tron Legacy, that it had, it didn't have, it had a bit faster pacing than Tron. Oh, yeah. But it also had kind of the same beats as Tron, as far as. We're going to the games. We're going through this. We're going, and then, and then we get to the end, you know, and done kind of thing. Yeah. And so, I really do think that. But man, the that, music on this, oh, Daft Punk did incredible, and and the and the sound mix, you know, they yes. they they did they did a lot of this the the crowd cheers mm -hmm. all at Comic -Con. at Comic Con, yeah. And when these things come up in the mix, I mean, it pumps you up. Mm -hmm. This is this is a right now. And for the past year, Luke says this is his favorite movie of all time. Really? He loves Legacy. Oh, wow. He is crazy about it. It yeah. is a great movie. I think so. Um, you know, and, and, you know, frankly, I would... Oh, yes. The Grid. <laughs> a digital frontier. <sighs> Man. I tried to I, picture clusters of information I remember. as they through the computer. Day in January 2013. Like? I'm working on my Star Wars shed, mm -hmm. building shelves in there. Where the circuits like freeways. I get a phone call from Schwab. I kept this is the music I'm listening to. I thought I'd never that was the origin of eventually what became Tron Upright or Tron Decoding the Grid and Techno Retro Dance. Nice. All yeah. from this day while I was listening to this music oh, cool. building that shed. But he called me because Jimmy and Jason have quit the Force cast. Oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. We talked for an hour, went inside after I was all bummed, you know. And I look up Jimmy's Facebook page, and I find... Rebel Force Radio. Shot Glass Digital. Jimmy is mm. like Shot Glass Digital. What's that? So I click on that. Podcast Network. Flagship show. Rebel, Rebel Force, Force Radio. Radio. Yeah. Click that. Podcast by Jason Swank at Jimmy Mac. I was like, like, yep. oh sure, yeah. <laughs> and then I went and got T-shirts made that afternoon. Yeah. Nice. By the end of the day, I'm wearing Rebel Force Radio <laughs> gear. Shaz Bazaar, super fan. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, but no, this like I love this your... is great music. This is great themes. Yeah. This is great story. 
and and you know, I, here's the thing: we go to the theater first time we're watching it, and you get to the end of line club, mm-hmm. and the music comes on. All three of us. <laughs> I look down the road and both my kids are right with me. I'm like, how does that happen? This is this is a fun movie. This mm-hmm. is a good family movie. It's imaginative, you know. Yep. You, you wouldn't you like to be on the grid when it looks like this? Oh yeah. I yeah, mean, I think it'd be cool, you know, as long as your life isn't on the line, as it is, you know, here. But like, you know, just who hasn't wanted to like drive a light cycle? Oh or, yeah. Um, you know, or, or all the other things they have in this. I mean, they get the light jets out. You know, when toward the end, you know, the, oh, the, planes the toys and stuff. were great. They weren't weren't as good as you know quality as Star Wars toys, but mm-hmm. Spin Cycle put those out. Spin Cycle was that the name of it? Spin something. It's not Spin Cycle. Spin 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 Meisters. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got it in the chat, probably. Um, but we we have them all, almost all, almost all. Oh, wow. There's, I think it's Caster that's hard to find. Zeus, I don't think we have him. Right, but we've got. Uh, oh man, they're great. They're great. They light up. They're fun. The um, the 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 light cycle scene here, which is actually playing in the background as we watch this from yeah. Tron Legacy. Like I loved the idea that that everything had progressed in the programming so much that it wasn't just sharp angles right you know anymore right. like, yeah it was it was 90 degrees right. in 82 and right. now you're smooth and you're it, i mean it's valid uh, if, if you are at all into games or computers you got into this now mm-hmm. i think i got into tron part because of the game i played the game before i watched the yeah. movie but also i was getting into computers mm-hmm. and you know this whole idea that com- that this was the first movie that was computer generated well you really get into it and it's mostly animated classically animated there were some computer animated but not nearly as much as what they had wanted to do um last starfighter had more and right. that was 2 years later yeah. But, but but this thing but, is but, just totally into it. And, and as a computer changes, mm-hmm. this is what the changes you would get. You yeah. get smooth actions. You get all of these aspects to it. So, Well, and the other thing about this is, is like you never really realized um, in, in the first one. And then, and then when you get here, you know, by the time you get to this movie, you're expecting Internet type stuff. But what you find out is 3 was supposed to be about, you know, not necessarily Clue, but someone like Clue actually getting off the grid yeah. proper yeah. and into the World Wide Web. Who was it? I don't know. I mean, did you watch The Day After? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the MCP. The, 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 yeah. You've got, you've got Dillinger. Ed Dillinger, Ed Dillinger, yeah, you got Dillinger's is kid. in jail mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if he gets online, does that mean he can get Sark out of there? You know, I I saw somebody did did a uh, like a trailer for Tron Three, yeah, and they got a program off the grid into real life, and then the shield comes up, and you see who it is, just like the teaser just like trailer the core, from Legacy. Yeah, yeah, it shows shows the the face just kind of shows up on there. It's Sark. Nice. I was like, oh, please, David Warner in this. David Warner is a great villain. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah. You, and- you, I meant to bring you this. I forgot to bring it. He was uh, a good villain. He was Jack the Ripper in Time After Time. Have you mm-hmm. seen that movie? Mm-mm. Good movie. You need to watch this. Uh, he was evil in Time Bandits. 
which is what I was supposed to be bringing. Okay, to yeah, I've not and seen Time Bandits. I have so not either. brought that to you. That's something that uh, I'm not the only one who says you need to see it. In fact, what there was a recent episode of Geek Out Loud. Oh yeah, Eric was probably chewing my, me up about. Oh, it. it wasn't just chewing. He threw threw something out there, and you you just totally missed it. I was like, he hadn't seen it. Yeah, no, I he hadn't said, don't seen touch it. it. It's evil, and you oh, just, yeah, it just yeah. goes right by you. I'm like, he hasn't seen Time Bandits, right? Exactly. So there it is. Oh, there's Arish in the chat, and there he is saying, "Don't touch it. It's evil." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I've, I've, we've got to do this, and I've I've lost, I've I've missed out on the chat there. I forgot to check the chat. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're watching. So Tron anyhow, Legacy, yeah, why. we were just talking about trying. The Legacy light runner is on the on the grid. Well, because I asked you what you've been geeking out about, yeah. and somehow it got around to Tron. Because I've been seeing stuff about Tron. The Tron's coming three, out, yeah. and and then I'll go and check their sources, and it's from. Is is citing where they had gotten the uh, had made the reservations for filming in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. This is three years ago. Yeah, they well, canceled it when Tomorrowland came out. Okay, and bombed. Yeah, but see, and here's the thing: Tomorrow, that, did you watch Tomorrowland? I did. Did you like it? It's a good movie. I liked it. It's a fun movie, and I liked. I kind of liked the message a little bit, you know, at the end. Like I feel like it got a little too preachy, but the idea is. Um, it was not. I don't know why people didn't like it. I don't understand what people's problem with it was. Not enough in Tomorrowland at the end of it. I guess I don't. I don't really know. It was a fun movie. Yeah. It was a fun family movie. You had you know imagination coming alive. What more do you want from a movie? Well, I I think you want to be down all the time. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. It was destroying the doomsday. But you idea. Know, it always Disney has seemed to struggle. Until they got these other franchises, you know, until they bought Marvel, until they bought Star Wars, they always seem to struggle with their live action kind of adventure stuff since the days of Switch, you know. Not always, but they go in phases. I'm saying more, I guess I'm saying more recent years. Yes, you know, because, like, okay, you look You look at um, 79, the mm-hmm, black hole. Right. What was 80? Um, what was 1980 for Disney? Better not have been... 1981, your favorite. Watcher in the Woods? Yeah. No, thank you. 82, Tron. Mm-hmm. It was a weird time for Disney. Yeah. And while these movies have lived on, they were not the big hits that Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like the live we're kind action... we're of in that again yeah. with Disney. Like the live action uh, adventure stuff. Like, you know, they were doing great with, with all their... Once you got into like the 90s and all the... Mary, not Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, like the Lindsay Lohan movies yep. and all that stuff. You know, they were doing fantastic with that kind of stuff. But um, as you get into this genre, you know, a little bit more grown up genre, they just couldn't seem to really make something stick. And I really don't, I, I'll be honest with you, I really don't understand what didn't stick about this movie. Um, uh, Jeff Bridges is great in it. You yeah, know, fantastic. He he was surprisingly that Zen dude that he is. You know, like I don't. He is the dude that didn't come out in the first one at all. You know, he seemed too uh, cool for uh, school. Yeah, yeah, I think you're probably right because he was more. Um, he he was too cool for school very much in the first one, but you can see how he could develop into that. John Carter of Mars. Did you I see am that? So disappointed in myself for not seeing that. In the oh theater. man, it was good. I really that enjoyed movie it. Movie is amazing. Yeah, love that movie. And and we got it. It was one of the first 3D movies we got. And just, uh, it's great. Looks mm-hmm. good in 3D. Fun movie. When when I got that, and the kids and I watched it, we were very disappointed in ourselves for not supporting that at yeah. the theater. Yeah, because that was a great movie. That was marketing, I think. Uh, okay, that's the see. That's the thing. I was saying that and, like you get into 
that situation, and it comes down to marketing, I think. I think that that movie was marketed poorly. Um, you know, and I also think... But here's the other thing you suffer from, especially online, because, you know, the, the uber geeks of things go online. I'd never read a John Carter book or comic strip or whatever it was in my life. Oh, yeah. You know, didn't know Edgar who Rice was. Edgar Rice Burroughs, yeah. Know, yeah, didn't... didn't and so you got these people who are like, well, you know, actually what we really should have done, it didn't follow the, you know, and I'm like. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, let's just be nice about it and have fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so it seems like Disney could just never find the formula. So they bought it. You know, they bought the Marvel. Mm-hmm. They bought the Star Wars. And, you know. and But sometimes they, they start infecting it with the things that have hurt them elsewhere. And yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem that, that goes on sometimes. But I mean, you look at this, the father, son meet up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's such a strange meeting here because it's been, see, to me, this whole image is, it's been almost, I'm sure thousands of years. It's been thousands of years. You think so? You, uh, yeah, you think that's for, how it was? Yeah. For, for Kevin Flynn, because cycles are so much faster there. So he would age like he would normally age in the real world, but for him, it's been the passage of time has been just thousands of years for him. It's because the computers are so about quick. That. I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, there's there's some some chart for it. I've forgotten exactly how quickly to chart it. It's been longer than what you would think. So you're saying my computer is actually tens of thousands of years old. Um, on the inside is processing time. Now your computer, who knows? <laughs> that thing's only ten years old. Yeah. I just realized mine is nine. Yeah. You scared yeah. me yesterday with your talk of 10-year-old I'm, computers. I'm sorry. Well, but mine also is... A PC. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. So, it was built... It's built for what it's built for. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... it's. You know, we've, oh, we've maxed it out. Oh, my is light years ahead of mine. Mm-hmm. Well, we've, we've maxed this out as much as we can on yeah. stuff, so... Um, but anyhow, well, we can shut this off. I don't okay. want to stay distracted. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to watch Tron the whole time. Oh, um, did get a nice message from, from Dave. Oh, yeah? Atterbury, yeah. He said, uh, Joe, uh, Tron 3 is actually Top Gun 2. That's not what he said, but mm. Joe Kaczynski is directing Top Gun 2. Okay. So, and Which, I, you know, I feel like... I like did you see um, the other top, uh, uh, Tom Cruise movie that Joe Kaczynski did? Was that Oblivion? I think that was Oblivion. He did that Live, after... Live, die, repeat? No, Oblivion. What's the difference in that and the live, die, repeat? Movie? What's live, die, repeat? That's the one that... I, it, it was called something different in the theaters, and the tagline was live, die, repeat, and so they just, when it got released to home video, they just kept that title pretty much. And it's it's almost... It's Groundhog Day. It's a sci-fi action thriller Groundhog Day movie. Is basically oh, really? What it is. Yeah. Yeah. Did he do that one too? Tom Cruise was in it. Oh, I, 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 I don't even know this this thing. But Oblivion is... Uh, Someone in the chat, help me out. Somewhat similar to... Tron. Edge of Tomorrow is what that was called. Edge of Tomorrow. I haven't seen yeah. that. I haven't seen that. Okay. I've heard of it, though. But in Oblivion, he uses... There's a different band that he uses, Joe Kaczynski, but it's got that same kind of a feel to it. It's Earth in the Future and Tom Cruise. Is, it's an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Got some weird twists in it. Mm-hmm. I never, I never saw that one. Um, I, I did see, I did see the lived I repeat, and it was good stuff. The live, the lived I repeat yeah. was, but um, oh yeah, hey, John Carter of Mars might have helped. Here we go, here we go. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the best way I know how to introduce this fella is my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chaz Bazaar. What's going on, What's man? What's going on? Oh, nothing much. I, I just tuned back in. I was listening earlier. And, um, St. Elmo's Fire. I can't get that song out of my head. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. I believe in the new horizon. There, I, like, I like your version better, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, when, when you were playing that, I'm like, St. Elmo's Fire. I haven't heard this song in like 35 years. And I and I was just of course this is a song Steve is playing. This is such oh, yeah. a Steve song. Yes, sir. It's a it's a big honking show staple, man. Um, oh yeah. But you know, I just uh, I I've never heard you play it before. Well, you back, don't play music normally on your show. No, no. With well, the big honking show, we do uh, because it's radio primarily, yeah. and so we have all this stuff we need to be able to do that. But back when I was on daily in Hazelhurst, Georgia. Um, in the mornings, I started playing that song when I was going through a weight loss period it, to kind of pump me up. And I'm like, I don't even know what this song means, but it gets me so pumped up. <laughs> well, was, wasn't it a theme to a movie? Yeah, the, yeah. a movie by St. the St. same Elmo's name. St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could just totally picture you driving around singing that song. Yes, of course. Good old time. You know, I love when Steve sings. It will thank you. <laughs> I mean, I do. I swear to you, like... We went to Disneyland in Anaheim this past summer. Yeah. And my family has gone on many trips to Disney World with you, Steve. Yeah, right. Yes. And, I mean, you're such a staple of those trips. The kids call you Uncle Steve. Mm-hmm. So when we were in Disneyland last summer, uh, my youngest son, Dylan, Who's now 16, if you can Good. believe it. I can't. I can't. You mentioned the other day that, that Michael Mack is 19, headed to 20, and mm-hmm. I can't believe that at all. He's three months away from 20 years old. Ugh. Holy crap. So, I mean, they all change so much. I'm the same. <laughs> How's that happen? How does know. that happen? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's weird how everyone else gets older. But so we're walking around Disneyland, and Dylan goes... You know, I just wish Steve was here. He's always singing and stuff. <laughs> always singing and stuff. He's singing in and talking to people. <laughs> and you're, you're more fun than than the park a lot of times, you know. Well, I mean, you're a great guy to stand in line with. The time just flies. Well, when we're down, when we're in places like that and there's a group, I just feel bad, like, for people to get down. Like, oh, I, yeah. I feel like I've got to go into, you know, fat, gregarious guy mode and... And just, uh, and, 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 you know, to kind of give people a good time. But I don't want to get too sucked into the good time until someone's like, hey, does anyone want an opportunity to be on stage? And I'm like, no, no, no. Yes, I do. Yes, I do want to be on stage. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, there was that one time Uh-oh. when uh, we were watching a stage presentation from Warwick Davis. That's right. The great Warwick the Davis. Goes. And uh, we were sitting near the front, kind of off to the side a little. Mm-hmm. Before the show started, Warwick went out and kind of warmed everyone up and uh, said, okay, you know, I'm going to be looking for audience participation. So he started walking around the audience. And um, I just knew. I'm like, I know he's going to pull Steve out of the crowd for this. I know. And you were just, you know, there, you know, having a good time. And Warwick just walked over by our area as he was sort of scouting everyone. 
scouting everyone out. And he just went over to Steve. He goes, okay, then, and you are here, okay? <laughs> he just moved off. And but, I'm like, there, he just totally marked, he just totally marked Steve. Yeah. He's going to pull Steve up on stage. <laughs> sure enough, he did. Well, and you guys were pointing at me, though. Oh, well. <laughs> what was this? Was this at the convention or was this, this was, at Disney this World? This was Star Wars Weekends down at Hollywood Studios in Disney World. Okay. And Warwick was doing a stage show, and he'd come out dressed up as like the director of the show. And yeah, that's right. That's and, he's, and he's picking people to be up on stage because it's basically his life. And so the people he pulls up on stage have to play different parts. Play different parts of people that impacted his life. Well, I was playing the bearded one himself, George Lucas. Wow. And so I immediately am like, well, if I'm going to play George Lucas, I have to channel my best Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank impersonation. <laughs> And you know, Jimmy, you've, we've we've heard the Yoda warm up on yes, RFR. Yeah. We've heard the La- puppet Lando warm up on RFR. <laughs> well, the George warm up is just uh, <laughs> uh, you know. And um, there's also the Dave Filoni warm up, which is <laughs> do it together. It's like uh, 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 but that behind closed doors. So I'm so I'm reading. The script, and I'm like, uh, Wart, this is George. Um, I got something for you. And he's like, Is it another Star Wars? I'm like, No, it's kind of like Lord of the Rings, only different. And it was Willow, it was when oh, I was yeah, pitching yeah, Willow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so afterwards, when it's all said and done, we're all filing out. He's giving us all like a signed picture, you know, for our troubles. Troubles. And, and he looked at me and said, That was phenomenal. Thank you so much. And I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I have lived. But see, then we were doing just the straight up RFR meetup like the next year, I believe it was. Yeah. And uh, because the Star Wars weekends were no more. Oh, oh that's, that's right. right. So we had to make our own thing. Right. And so we went to, we were in Hollywood Studios and we go to the Indiana Jones stage show. And this is where I'm like, I'm not, then they're like, we need some volunteers. We need some volunteers. And I'm like, I'm not going to worry about it. And someone's like, you should, you should. I'm like, no, no, no. The guy comes to our section. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like it just went, like it welled up inside of me. <laughs> yeah. So the, and then the next thing, you know, he's on stage wearing these like, uh, you know, sheets, uh, basically. Yeah, Arabian robes and yeah. stuff. Doing and, a death scene. And then he does a death scene and you can see the video of this. On the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, oh, really? is that is on the there? RFR YouTube? Yes, it is. Yes, oh wow. Is. Well, speaking of RFR, man, you guys have been knocking it out of the park lately. I have had so much fun listening to you guys because, number one, you've made the determination coming into this year. We're looking ahead. We're going to stop talking about what's come before us. We're looking ahead. And, and that leads you guys into just so much good discussion about the wars like there is always the news and stuff and but people will call in and have their voicemail messages that you're listening to and stuff and they'll get off on some theories and some ideas and that just leads you guys or jason gets really pissy about a comic book panel that he didn't like and that has just led you guys into just fanning out geeking out about star wars and that to me is like when you two are the absolute best is when you're just dropping knowledge left and right and and it's that conversation. It's that time where you just want to be in on the conversation with you guys, you know, and and it's just been fantastic. Yeah, some people tell me they yell at the speaker and stuff, and I love that. Just as long as they don't yell at me, right? <laughs> right. We've all had enough of that, Jim. We've all. Well, thanks a lot, Steve. That's really nice of you to say. And I, I think you know, coming into twenty nineteen, 
2019, our, our headspace is in a good area. And, and yeah, we are looking forward. You can't help but look back. I mean, there's a the whole history of Star Wars, start, you know, back started in 1977. And so you always want to be paying close attention to the history of Star Wars and everything. But, uh, you know, um, it, it's, it's more fun just to shut off all of your um, hangups, yeah. if you have any. Uh, shut out all the noise and fan community drama. Uh, that's uh, that's been a big big bonus. Um, is uh, just hey, we're we're not playing that game. We're not we're not playing that game. We're just here to talk about Star Wars and have fun. And that's all we want to do is just have fun. And uh, so I think we've been uh, the, the family's pretty tight right now and. We've just been, yeah, having a great time. And it, inserting Billy Mac into the mix that oh, is a lot of fun. That has been, that's been some fun stuff for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a Puppet Lando yeah, now. When did, when did we find out that Billy did a spot, I mean, spot on. Oh, he kills it. You know, uh, Billy D. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um I uh, I think for a few years there, me and my brother, we grew apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really didn't see or talk to each other very much, except for holiday events. You know, it went on for about 10 years or so, you know. It was just, we, we sort of grew apart. And over the course of the last few years, he's really kind of just come back into my life in such a big way. And Star Wars has had a lot to do with getting us back on the same page. Mm. So with Star Wars Celebration, uh, the last one in Orlando, Mm -hmm. 2017. 2017, yeah. And uh, uh, we're all staying together, me and Bill and Swank. And uh, we had a suite. And so I was in the bedroom and Jason and Bill were out in sweet, I just noticed they were like Swank was getting louder and louder. I mean, it just sounded like sudden mayhem. Okay, <laughs> and so then he comes busting into my room. He's like, "You got to get out here, Billy is do- he's t- he sounds just like Billy D. Williams. He's doing he's in there." And so we went out there, and um, Bill said that line. He's like, "Still hanging out with this loser." Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, it just I said, when did you learn how to do that? He's like, yeah, you know, I've been playing around with that for a while. <laughs> I had no idea. And so naturally, the entire trip was just dominated with uh, getting Billy D to say anything and everything. But and the, thinking what, of all kind of different things for him to read. And, yes. You know, I mean, and so then it just naturally spills into the show. <laughs> and last week... Um, a listener named Michael Jasmine sent us a box, and in the box was a custom Puppet Lando This puppet. is the Puppet Lando. Oh, yes, neat. it looks great. I've, it? I've seen a picture of it, yeah. It's up on the uh, – did you post the video on the YouTube, on the RFR YouTube? Yeah, that's also on the YouTube. It so is. you go over to our channel and you'll see mm. Steve – Literally dying on stage. <laughs> yes. At, 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 at uh, Disney. And then you'll see Puppet Lando. Mm. That'll probably be the most fulfilling viewing experience of your weekend, if not your life. Absolutely love the, I love it when Billy's like, he's like, <clears throat> uh, how you doing, Chewbacca? How you doing, Chewbacca? He gets, he starts, go, 
uh, hello, what have we here? Oh, you know, he, but then he gets the nuances, Jim, like the smacks that Billy D will do when he's doing interviews and stuff. You know, like Billy D has this way of talking just when he's doing an interview. Mm-hmm. And and it's almost as and this is where you know your ability to quote the week came from, of course. You know where where when he's just talking, it's almost as over the top as anything Lando would have said. Oh, he's he's one of my all time favorites. There's no question about it. And anytime we have puppet Lando on the show, it's it's totally out of love and respect. Of course, yeah. Was in his career, I mean, we we all grew up with Lando Calrissian and just love the character and. Love the actor. And then sometimes we really enjoy the fact that the line becomes very thin between Billy D and Lando. Yeah. And so like Billy D is Lando. Hell yeah. I can't wait to see him in episode nine. It's going to be amazing. But um, wait a second. Is that confirmed or are you making this up? No, it's confirmed. It's confirmed, confirmed. There's actually a a picture of him online floating around. I've been out of touch. He's wearing wardrobe very similar to what Donald Glover wore in the solo film. You know, speaking of which, you know, when she puts on that robe, that first robe or cape she puts on, mm-hmm. that's the Empire. Right, cape. that's the Empire cape in solo, yeah. And people just are like, that's not it. That's, that's totally it. Yeah. No, it's got gold on the inside. Yeah. Got- <laughs> yeah. So, so, so Puppet Lando lives, and uh, that, that, that could be a good bumper sticker. Puppet, <laughs> Puppet Lando lives. T-shirt, um, bumper so sticker. <laughs> It's maybe fantastic. I'll maybe I'll have them printed up for uh, for Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And oh, so happy to hear Shaz, you're, you're going to try to make it up for at least a day. It'll be it'll be a day because I'm in I'm in I'm down by uh, St. Louis, but I'm in Illinois on Wednesday. Uh, that Sunday through Wednesday, I'm thinking it starts on Thursday. I could drive up there. It's about a five hour drive. I could go mm. see some friends. So it'll be a long drive home Friday. But man, if you need so a room. It. Um, uh, one of our guys is, uh, looking for someone to share and he's got all five or I think he's there Wednesday through Monday. So if you're interested, just let me know. All right. Or well, I, 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 my room maybe even, I, I, I'm, I think I'm bringing a tauntaun with me and just, uh, camping out man for <laughs> one night and then driving home. But you know, it's an opportunity to see buddies. That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I, I take it Hondo won't be coming Hondo with Hondo won't be coming with me. Hondo needs repairs after land uh, uh, malfunctions, wardrobe malfunctions last time. Yeah. Yeah, well. Wardrobe <laughs> <laughs> malfunctions. Yeah. Hondo he, have he, a nip slip? He danced a little too much. Well, the armor came to pieces. The Hondo nip slip, by the way. <laughs> That'll be another bumper sticker. Oh, yeah. That's all I need. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> That is true. You guys, I, I often forget. You guys are, are, um, are, uh, 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 you know, you're you're members of the church. You're 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 leaders of the church. You're, uh, you know, well, we're it, not, but we're not prudes. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm 12 years Catholic school. Uh, well, that explains it. from Chicago, and so uh, you know, I'm um, I'm probably destined for an eternity in fire. So wow. Uh, I hope not. I still want to take you guys out with me. That's it. No, no, we're not prudes. (laughs) (laughs) That I know. That I know. Uh, Well, Jim, we just doing the geek out loud kind of thing here. You know, of course, we talk the wars, and that's what you always talk. But I also know that you are well rounded in your geekdom, though your focus is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? What else gets your geek juices flowing? Um, Well, you know, I, I, I. 
Okay, geek. Specific geek juices flowing? Sure, why not? I, I don't know how... I mean, I geek out on sports. I geek out on music. Yeah. Um, a lot of music. I'm a classic rock kind of guy, you know? Right. Um, and I love blues. Um, but, like, geeky stuff, I really like The Watchmen. Okay. I, like the uh, original comics or the movie? It's like all... Everything. All of it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and, and they've kind of had a, a little, there's been a little Watchmen resurgence. And I know there's purists out there who don't want to have anything to do with Watchmen outside of Alan Moore. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm wide open to it. I really enjoy the characters. Did, and did I, they bring the Watchmen into the DC universe proper? Not totally, you know, I, but there's like, there's this current comic called Doomsday Clock, mm-hmm. oh. which essentially does do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't. I, they've just kind of stacked up on my nightstand. Right. I have to. I have. I have a Doomsday Clock marathon ahead of me. I had a. I had an issue. I forget what it was. It was something from a couple of years back of like the rebirth stuff that was going on in DC, and like the last panel is Batman pulling something out of his out of the wall of the bat cave and it's a it's a little smiley face button oh yeah oh, really right. yeah right. that's the type of stuff that's been going on i'm just not caught up with it yet. okay and of course there's going to be a watchman streaming series or or maybe it's gonna be on hbo i forget where huh but that's that's gonna be happening mm-hmm. yeah and, I, okay. I totally missed all this yeah yeah, I, I'm loosely following. Yeah, I, with the Watchmen, that's one of those stories that I understand. It's a great story. I've read it, and I get the complexity of it, and I think it's wonderful. But again, Alan Moore was doing this deconstruction of superheroes thing with right. it, and mm-hmm. and I don't want my superheroes deconstructed. Yeah, but <laughs> you know? these these characters, I mean, it's not like deconstructing Superman or Batman or any, I mean, these are specific characters go in a specific universe. And the, going through right, but it's challenges and things. I guess and it's it's the deconstruction of of the superhero genre. I guess I would say like it was 1985. You know, I'm yeah, I guess so. Um, to me, it's not necessarily a deconstruction as much as it is, um, but just a different take. Mm-hmm. It's it's its own thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it does absolutely push aside a lot of the typical. Elements of uh, righteousness and uh, truth, justice in the American way. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff falls yeah. by the side in Watchmen big time. Well, it completely subverted my expectations as I was reading through it because I kept looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, all right, we're about to do it. We're about to do it. And then there's That's what that, Rorschach finds at the well, end. That's right, <laughs> yes. But then there's that moment with Dr. Manhattan on Mars where he's like contemplated life and he's oh, like, yeah. I have to go defend life. And I'm like, yes, here we go. No. And no, he's just going to show up and help pull off the whole plan. And I'm like, what are you doing? What the? Come on, man. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, moral ambiguity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's hard to tell right from wrong in the Watchmen universe. You know, you, you know, a lot of vigilanteism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different kind of superhero. Yeah, yeah no sure. question. But I, just those characters are amazing to me. And I, I just always want to see more and more of them. I did like the movie. You know, it took some liberties. Yeah. But uh, I, I felt like shot for shot, it was a really interesting replication of the comic book. Now, they made some changes in the story that I didn't really go for. Um, 
No, but the frames were there. But the I frame, mean, yeah. The frames I, were there. It, the first time I saw it was in IMAX. And I was not accustomed to IMAX in uh, – when did this movie come out? It was like 10 years ago. It's, gotta be. And, it's um, been a while, yeah. I was it, doing – I know I was podcasting when it came out. I mean I had been to IMAX presentations before, but it wasn't like every multiplex had an IMAX screen like it is now. So it was – you know, I had to drive, you know, like half an hour to get to this specific theater in the suburbs. And um, I sat there and just was blown away being as familiar as I am with the comic book, just framed all the different shots. And I'd be like, oh, oh, my God, look around there. Look at it. It's, you know, they have electric cars in the Watchmen universe. Yeah. And so I'd be like. And it's plugged in just like it is on the comic book. Having like, it was just insanity for me to see that movie. I, I dragged Wendy to it. She loved it. I couldn't believe it. Um, so it's, but it is, it is a different take in some parts. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, the part where Rorschach has the, puts the, hatchet in the guy's head that scene didn't play out quite that way and it was more played up for like gore yeah in the movie that kind of stuff sort of turned me off rorschach stuff man at the end of the books you know you had that little uh, that little uh appendix at the end of the comics yeah yeah that dude's disturbed but he turns out to be really the biggest hero of the whole movie or of the whole series the, the book series so well yeah it seems like the, the moral decisions that he makes are more based in humanity yeah. and, than the others. Yeah. You know, obviously, Manhattan's on an entire different level. Uh, comedian is too full of himself. Uh, and he's dead at, the, you know, at that point. Anyway. Yeah. Um, 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 Ozzy Mendez is just filled <laughs> with arrogance and you know, so like Rorschach's the one guy who just really got smacked around night owl too to a degree yeah. you know but night owl is so he's conflicted all the time he deals with nonstop conflict while Rorschach knows exactly what he wants to do you know yep um and that's based on a life of abuse and everything else he's um, equipped to be able to make these decisions and and understand what it's going to cost and go ahead and go through with it Right. I think Watchmen has kind of had a resurgence lately thanks to Netflix. I, I, I've seen more young people talking oh, okay. about Watchmen. Well, it, it is. It, this year is the 10th anniversary of the film, for sure. So it was 09. I just, okay. Yeah, I just, I just IMDb'd that mess. Yeah, so, um, yeah I, it, well, the, the other big change was the end. I mean, the, yeah. the whole plot was... It, it was more of like a nuclear bomb set off that matched Dr. Manhattan's signature rather than the big alien squid thing. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, to me, I think, yo, know, that's easier to swallow, quite honestly. Than sure. The I never got those flying squids <laughs> at the end of the books. Yeah, that's weird, man. That gets, they, we get funky at the end of Watchmen. Well, that's, I, that's the mind of Alan Moore, though, isn't it? I mean, like, if you read some of his Swamp Thing run, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, he, he would get out there with some stuff. Did he write the G.I. Joe movie? I'm just wondering. May have. <laughs> <laughs> may, may very well have. I guess I guess I look at Watchmen, I'm like, eh, make mine Marvel. I'll take my Marvel wow. movies. Oh, the movies, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and the comics for you, the old school, you know, old school stuff. I was really into back in the day, but, um, and Jim, I can't believe like it, it breaks my heart every time I hear Jason say, yeah, I'm behind on the Marvel movies. You know, I don't know what he does with his time. I don't. <laughs> he's driving all the time, but he's watching movies while he's driving. So why is it well making a Marvel movie? He's got little kids. And yeah, when that's you have true. Little kids, they sort of dominate your television yeah, viewing true. schedule. Yeah. Yep. And then I know that he likes to, you know, do TV time with the wife. Mm-hmm. And I think she holds the remote. Yeah, that's true. Well, I know how that feels. Yeah, well, we've all been there. I'm going to be in trouble for saying that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, we've all been there, too. <laughs> my wife is not listening to this program right now. <laughs> Daughter might be, but my wife's not. <laughs> uh, so, so Jim, what's uh, what? We know you've got some announcements you'll be making soon on your Patreon page for RFR about uh, about your celebration plans and everything. Um, what else, you guys? You guys uh, looking forward to episode nine's the big deal? Um, I guess I guess I'm just of the mindset trailer's going to debut at celebration. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why show it now? Right, <laughs> right. Well, they do things like that so sometimes. Yeah. Like it just gets really weird, you know, the, the stuff they'll do. I'm just wanting Avengers Endgame to get here. That's kind of my big thing that I'm. That that's where I'm at. Like now, I'm like let's let's bring back the Avengers and beat Thanos. That's going to be really interesting. That Infinity War film is so. I mean, it's just. I I watched most of it with like my jaw open. Like mm-hmm. what? Yeah. What? You know, and and it really just is so. With all the different parts moving in that film, somehow it maintains its cohesiveness, mm-hmm. and you can follow along. You know, there's all those characters, all those different situations happening, and yet it it presents the story with a certain amount of clarity, which I think is very rare in these CGI dominated action films. Where sometimes I just, it gets to those action sequences and I, I just, you know, it, it feels like a blur to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you run the risk of, of ending up like the Transformers. And I love those movies. I love all the trans. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the small club that actually likes all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you run the risk of kind of going that route because those things get to be incoherent as, as the movie rolls along and you get into the bigger action sequences and everything. But man, the Russos just did a great job of, of as you said, just maintaining a cohesiveness and a coherency uh, about what was going on. So much so that like everything you're supposed to feel at the end after Thanos snaps his fingers, you feel. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I wasn't I wasn't crying or anything like I know some people were in Jim. I know that'll make you proud well, because you're not I, a crier. Gotta ask you this question, Jimmy. What? You 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 you've talked about the never crying in Star Wars. I got really close once. It was 1997, and the drums start, and the horns blow, and it says Star Wars on screen, and I was trembling Oh, from seeing it at the theater. Special edition. Yeah. Oh, that was so close, so close. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Did you see it when it initially ran? You know, multiple years. Oh yeah, yeah. But it it, it just it, it it's just having it's, it back. It's the- just having it back in the theaters. You know, it was so the hype gets you all excited for it. That is, that's the deal. You know, it was because what did it do? It came back in eighty two. Is that right? Five years. Um, yeah. Later, yeah. I saw it a few times. Then you know, and then Jedi came out. But then it was just gone. 
And it was gone. It was gone. It was, I think they brought it back in 87. Did they bring it back in 87? I don't remember. That. Year, I didn't see it if they did. I, I'd never seen I had the a little tiny theater in town, so I might not have played it there. I, yeah. mean, I could be I could be wrong because I know I didn't go in '87 to see it. I when in '97 I had never seen the original Star Wars on the big screen. Oh, like are you that, serious? That trailer where it was like for years people have experienced Star Wars. This that was, was just you. a little TV. That was me. Oh, and and for you and I never had the widescreen version. So whenever Luke was like, well, "There are sand people," I can see one of them now. I'm like, "There's, there's not a sand, sand person, person down there." there. Um, but. I, and I've told this story, and Jim, in fact, the first time we ever spoke, when I found out that you were a fan of Peter Benchley's The Deep before you were of Star Wars, <laughs> um, the uh, I, in 97, I was so enamored with Star Wars on the big screen that the girl that I went with to see this movie, who was kind of digging me and I was kind of digging her, had apparently been asking me a question for like 20 minutes. And I was just zoned out and didn't hear. And so we didn't really ever. That didn't, that didn't hit off. That never, yeah, nothing ever came out of that. That, that'll so, happen. Yeah, my wife couldn't complain because we went to see that was the first movie we saw together. Oh wow! And I'm wearing Han Solo clothes. <laughs> it, you, you can't say you didn't know. The old costumer over there. What were you saying, Jimmy? Oh, I just remember when the special editions came out. Um, Wendy was doing morning radio at Q101, and they did a promotion for the release of the special editions. In uh, the big theater downtown was McClurg Place or McClurg Court. It's no longer there now. It's been torn down, and there's a big, huge AMC multiplex there. But um, this theater was really one of those big old auditorium, you know, huge theaters and a big, huge screen. And we went there for the, um, like, the, uh, Premieres. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think if they, it, it, it was charity in, involved in or whatever, but I got to see it, you know, like a week before anyone else. Oh, so I awesome. was just thrilled by that idea. Is this when Roger Ebert fell asleep on you? That was for Empire. Empire. Okay. Yes, that was for Empire. He fell asleep because we got to see all three of those releases in advance, in, in advanced screenings. Oh, nice. And so I was, uh, yeah, I was sitting one seat off the aisle and, uh, <laughs> Roger came down and sat down right when the movie started. I was like, holy shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert, you know, I couldn't believe it. And he had uh, bottled water and rice cakes and he was just crunching away and drinking. And I remember like, okay, I wanted to make him feel like what we we're seeing was very important. All right. Uh-huh. So when they showed the previews, they gave you a glimpse of Return of the Jedi, and they show that end sequence, you know, where they, for the special edition, they took out Yub Nub. Oh yeah. yeah. And they put in all the this, um, like, montage of scenes that was showing celebrations throughout the galaxy. And one of those clips that they showed in the trailer was the Skyhopper coming down over Mos Eisley. Oh, yeah. Right. In the street, and so I just went, whoa! <laughs> whoa! And I was like, you know, elbowing Ebert. <laughs> oh man, look at that! You know, it, like it was the greatest thing, and he was just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, so then the film goes on. I'm feeling pressure on my shoulder, and I'm like, oh no. Roger fell asleep on my shoulder. I noticed I didn't hear the crunching from the rice cakes. 
So we get to the sequence, and I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, this is. I think part of me also felt like it was kind of nice and comfy, comforting. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know, but so then there's this loud explosion during the asteroid field chase. Boom! And then Roger sits up like, holy crap. And so he does that thing where you rub your hand down your face, and you're like, oh, my God, where am I? And so he gets up and leaves. I'm like, oh, I guess that's it for Roger. And he returns. He's got this giant Coke and a huge bucket. Oh, there you go. I'm like, yes. Roger is now. Now he's settling in. And he's going to enjoy the rest of this ride. Let me tell you. And then, um, and then you know, I think he also took note of some of my disappointment, too. Um, because they uh, changed the line. When R2 gets spit out of the Dagobah Swamp Monster, it spits out R2. And then Luke picks him up. And he used to say... You're, you're lucky, lucky you don't, don't taste, taste very good. good. Yep. But yep. then, then he changes just like, you're lucky to get out of there in one piece or something. It's uh, it's a different line. Well, it's the same thing they did with Vader. Like when Vader at the end is like, bring my ship, you know. Yes. Yeah, but I, I can get that one. Oh, I You just, don't take away the line. You're I just, lucky you don't taste very good. That's a classic line. I That's know, Star Wars I know but I mean, it's the same thing. But the same thing is like you had classic Star Wars humor and you had classic Vader just seething, you know, bring, oh, my, bring yeah. my ship. Yeah. And then they changed it to alert my Star Destroyer to prepare for my arrival. Oh, oh, I, oh, I, yeah, I see what you're saying. giving these bureaucratic orders, you know. Right, it's yeah. just, You know. Good point. I like it better when you, because you, you could sense the anger, the frustration coming on. He's like, wait, my shuttle. Yes. Yes. It's, it's yeah. such a, and, and the way that James Earl Jones delivered that line too, uh, it was just great. Mm-hmm. I love my Star Destroyer. <laughs> I'm going to be showing up there and we're going to have. Yeah, we, we don't need all that dialogue. They could have still used the shuttle without I'd like having some, to do that. I'd like some peanut butter sandwiches <laughs> with the crust cut off waiting for me, please. <laughs> and then what's the deal? He takes the shuttle back to the Star Destroyer but he lands in the Death Star too. In the Death, yeah, yeah, with Gergerod. We're like, we're not going to notice this, right? Yeah, right. What? So, do you, that's a little slight. Who problem. do you think? Who do you think's watching this? <laughs> who do you think? This is not some normie over here watching this for the first time. We know Death Star two when we see Death Star two, right? And so Ebert's just like, would you shut up? <laughs> So later on, later on, he writes a whole response to fanboys that really wasn't about fanboys. It was about his experience with Jimmy Mack. That's right. Exactly. The Empire Strikes exactly. Back. Exactly. You know what? Yeah, I probably did make my own bed. <laughs> Suck it, Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah. And I went on this big rant. And then I sent him a transcript of my rant. Yeah. And he published it. He thought it was great. Yeah. You know, I was a little rough on Roger. I, I get to admit, I didn't realize the extent of his illness at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think if I was just a little more aware, because he wasn't really making any public appearances, you know, it was just, but he was active still. And he seemed like he almost was experiencing uh, a real revitalization in, in his craft and everything. And I wanted to play along with it, but Again, I didn't realize that uh, the cancer had taken such a, a toll on him. I wouldn't have been so boisterous. Yeah. I could have gotten my point across a lot better without saying, you know, uh, oh, you think Star Wars fans are losers, nerds and stuff? Well, let's see if you bump into me on Michigan Avenue. You still have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, way to go, Jim. Trash talk a sick guy. 
You know, I had some broadcast friends in the Chicago area be like, geez, Jim. <laughs> Roger Ebers, like this local treasure. He's a, you know, he's a, just the foundation for so much great journalism coming out of the city of Chicago. And, man, you know, you really were a little disrespectful there. So, you know. You went Twitter before Twitter was a thing, man. Well, I, you know, what? like I said, I don't. <laughs> I don't say I wish I could take it back. Sure. But I think I would have softened my approach. And then, you know, I, I think I, I did a good thing, though. In the end, I uh, was involved um, uh, in the marketing for the uh, Roger Ebert documentary. Yeah. yeah. And um, that, was, uh, that was a really interesting process. The whole experience was great. And um, Stephen Stanton did yeah. a great job. I watched I watched that documentary, and I kept expecting for that moment to be. And then I received a letter from a <laughs> from a disgruntled fan. Yeah, it was that it was that loser kid who kept elbowing me during <laughs> screening of Empire that year. And it's, uh, but um, Life itself, the documentary about Roger Ebert, uh, came out five years ago, I think it was, mm-hmm. and we got to go to Sundance and all that stuff, and. Um, And uh, I was able to be involved in the rollout of it here in Chicago, just like, you know, kind of in an indirect sort of way, but a directly indirect sort of way. Yeah. I got to know the director of the film pretty well, dude um, named Steve James. I mean, not I get to know him pretty well. I I met him a few times and met uh, Chaz Ebert many times, Roger's uh, wife. Hmm. So it was really cool. I mean, it was like things really came full circle, uh, you know, after Empire at that screening in 97 and then my meltdown on him for his awful review of Fanboys in 2008. Which is also, you know, 10 years old now. Yeah. 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 I saw Kyle was just. He was putting that up yesterday or day before. Yeah. uh, You know, acknowledging all that. I have some recordings I might put up on YouTube that, uh. You know, just to sort of acknowledge the 10th anniversary of fanboys. Um, I'm going to get around to doing that. Boy, that was a big deal on the on the forecast back then. That was that huge. Was, that whole drama to get that movie made mm-hmm. and finished. I think it's interesting. Yeah. You know, there was a period where Kyle just sort of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking, hmm, um, you know. We didn't know what was going on. And in reality, Kyle was fired from the project and they brought in another director. Yeah. Um, but things just worked out, you know, and I think a lot of, a lot of the, the grassroots um, kind of uh, activism that we took on behalf of that film really helped its, uh, raise its profile. And uh, we got the evil Darth Weinstein to do the right things. And, yeah. uh, and put out that movie in its pro- with its proper cut and everything. I mean, that's really not the director's cut of the film. I, I would love it if Kyle could get the opportunity to get back in there with an editor and really shape the film the way he wanted it to be shaped. But, I mean, once they got the green light, they had literally like 48 hours in the editing bay to get the film locked and loaded and in the can. So wow, it was wow. just... A very stressful situation, but I think all in all, uh, despite the in- insane history of that film, all in all, it, it it turned out to be a pretty good, good little movie. And uh, you know, 
it's even getting better with age, I think. There's just something really sweet about it. And, you know, without it being prude, it's just right. there's well, something, you know, really sweet about the whole film. Especially and, especially when, you know, now 10 years removed from Fanboys, 20 years removed from The Phantom Menace, how well The Phantom Menace has aged in the past 20 oh, sure. years and how much fans have softened fans who hated it, who then watched it with their kids and saw their kids love it or watched it with people who hate or who just began to give it a second chance or begin to take it for what it is and, and enjoy it. You know, now you get to that movie and you're like, I totally understand the reaction of all of these people. And I remember being there in 1999. I yeah. remember looking forward to it. I remember the the camp, people don't camp out anymore. You buy your tickets online, you know. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's. It, but you're right. It is a sweet thing, and it's a, it's such a fun movie too. And I love the message of find your Death Star. Yeah, you know, find your Death Star and go after it because that's what Luke had to do. Mm. And yeah. that's a that was a that was a big moment for me when I finally saw Fanboys and I was at just the right place in life to hear that message and and go after it. You know. So. Of course, that movie is built out of a you know script originated by Ernest Klein, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we got to know Ernie pretty well. Um, still good friends with Ernie, and he also um, had some collaboration. I don't know how much collaboration, but um, the script was punched up over the years by you know a few people got their fingerprints on it. Most notably, Adam Goldberg, creator of the Goldbergs. On oh ABC. yeah, yeah. You know, and um, he is the guy who came up with the line about find your death star and mm -hmm. blow it. That that whole rap came wow. from Adam Goldberg. And you can watch the Goldbergs and see Star Wars mentions almost every week. And and you can listen to RFR and hear them for the past four weeks talk about the Goldbergs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Pops. Um, yeah. <laughs> I realize my parents really do love me. <laughs> Wendy's crying on the couch. Like you're crying at the sitcom again. Oh, so they just get you in the last five minutes, man. And it's Patton freaking Oswald who's doing the narration. That's the only, I mean, that just breaks my heart because, you know, he's the guy that wanted to go back in time. He's the guy that wanted to go back that's in time and smash George Lucas yeah. with a shovel. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's that was his comedy routine. That's his bit. It, so is he in Star Wars yet? Seems like everybody who defamed Star Wars gets to go back in. Oh yeah, right. Um, hello, Simon Pegg. Hey, Simon <laughs> Pegg's had to had walk some comments back. I, he sure has. He yeah. sure has. It, do you, he, he regrets it. He he regrets taking such a hard see, stance. I think so too. And I, I don't think it was just public relations on his part. I think. Well, I think he's. I think that's coming from his heart. I do too. Yeah. I do I too. Well. I mean, he looks back at it and goes, eh, really, what, why? Why, why do they? And also, you know, he's, he's grown. He's a guy who is a filmmaker himself, and he's worked on some big, huge projects, multi-million dollar pictures. And I think he's realized, hey, you know what? It's not that easy to make movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, yeah didn't, he, didn't, he write the third, didn't he write the third Star Trek? He did. Yeah. Yeah, how, how was that received? I don't think very well. I don't know, but man, they, they played sabotage in it. So I, I was love all in. I love that moment in time. That, <laughs> I really did. Well, Jim, did I, that last Star Trek, did people like that last one? I, Cause I don't know. A lot of people didn't. I, I liked it, you know, and before I went, the people who saw it before me said, sabotage comes in very heavily. I was like, I'm in. <laughs> did you see it, Jim? Yeah, I saw it, but I think I, 
I kind of nodded off in the middle of it. Yeah, well, a lot of people didn't like the second one. I didn't like the second I, one. I showed my kids the Wrath of Khan the day of. Mm-hmm. They loved it. Well, see, I never liked the Wrath of Khan. Ah, uh, well, you're a heretic. You never liked the Wrath of Khan. You heard me, Jim. <laughs> what? It's so slow. Wait, well, no, you have to understand though. Okay, nineteen eighty-two. Nineteen eighty-two. That was a whole new kind of Star Trek right there. You know, it was grittier. It was... Things are slow in 1982. E.T., Tron, <laughs> Wrath of Khan. But it was. It was. It, 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 I thought Wrath of Khan was the best Star Trek yet. A lot of people put it pretty high it's up on their list. Like I mean, it. Ricardo Montalban, for crying out loud. Kirk, <laughs> from hell's heart I stab at thee. Yes. Kirk. Bear it. Uh, my favorite Star Trek is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. That was my dad's favorite. Better Star be Trek. well, Sir Captain. <laughs> I saw that on Thanksgiving night. Wow! Wow! Seven, I want to say it was. Um, yeah, that started a tradition for me of always going to a movie on Thanksgiving oh, night. Nice. With a, a long lost tradition at this mm. point. Oh, is it some kind of nerd thing? Yes, as yeah. a matter of fact, I thought it say, might be. Say proud. Yeah. <laughs> Thought it might be. Listen, I I get raked over the coals about not enjoying Star Trek 2, but what really gets me raked over the coals is I like Star Trek 3 better than I like Star Trek 2. The search for Spock. Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of good stuff in that one. I like it because they steal the Enterprise at the beginning. Yes. The thing. They change I mean, actresses. Right there. You know, what a great concept. They steal the Enterprise. And don't they destroy it, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It gets yeah, self-destructed in the end. Uh, Genesis, don't Yeah, they? and Doc Brown plays a Klingon. You don't get much better than Get out that. of there! I mean, you don't get, get a better... Where's Alex Riga? Marty, we've got to get the bird of prey. Chuck, Duck, Hawk, Chuck, You know what? I That sounded dirty. You built a time machine out of a Klingon bird of prey? Marty, you little human puke. You little human puke. Uh, 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 oh, man. Uh, all right, awesome. enough. Jim, Jim, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been, it's been fun talking to you. Playing, is the music playing me out now? I have to leave? Yeah, well, we've, we've got, I've got to take a, a quick break and then bring on Eris Schoenweiss and author Adam Bray. You know those guys. I see, I see Eris lurking in the, the chat there. Yeah. So I knew sooner or later he'd. he'd Knock me aside, you know. I get knocked aside for Irish. I don't blame you. Well, I'm not. Whatever, Jim. <laughs> Probably sends you like books and stuff. Hey, I I'm just glad to have you call in in the middle of the day instead of like eleven o'clock at night this time around. Hey, Marty, <laughs> wake up, Marty. We've got to make the jump to warp speed, Marty. <laughs> People can check out Rebel Force Radio at uh, rebelforceradio.com and wherever you find podcasts. Go, go, subscribe to their YouTube channel and. Uh, throw them, throw them some, throw them some support on Patreon. They've got a great Patreon community oh, over there. You're gonna love the stuff they're bringing back off on Patreon. I love, 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 love those Clone Wars re, uh, declassifieds back again. Yes, those are those are great. I, I've really been enjoying going back and watching the Clone Wars in order, yeah. and then listening to our old declassified roundtables and stuff. It's great. And oh, Erich says he's looking forward to seeing me at Celebration. Yeah, yeah. see, there you go. If they let me in the doors, Arish, you will see me. My first appearance on Rebel Force Radio coming soon. Or on the Forcecast at that time, the Clone Wars Declassified. Really? Yeah. Season two? So was it season two with the babies? 
Yes. I, yes, oh, it was with the, uh, yeah, the... The end of season two, yeah. Side nursery yeah. is what going on there. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember no, that show. I remember that we recorded that. It really felt like um, everything was kind of coming together at that moment, you know. I was like, wow, this is a really... I, I think these roundtables are actually... Uh, pretty decent you know? oh they're awesome <laughs> oh that was great yeah it's just like coming together at that at that time i just remember thinking that back then you know um i remember that night so all right man well it's been great talking to you what are we doing here today though why are we doing well, it's well we're raising money for cure curechildhoodcancer.org and uh over at uh, geekoutonline.com slash cure people can donate and um we're asking people to use the hashtag if they do the social media stuff at Hashtag goal, the number four, cure. Goal for cure. Uh, and we're up to, our goal is $4,000. We're up to $3,225. Okay. $3,225 uh, in the past hour. We've gotten from Jonathan Maples, Annabelle Rodriguez, Pass the Corn, uh, the Amazing Brett, the Sloan Clan, and so many others have uh, have donated uh, even before we got the marathon started. And so we're over three quarters of the way there. Where do you donate? Oh, access the page. Okay, geekoutonline.com slash cure. Mm-hmm. That's the place, yes. Yep. Okay, I'm there right now. Oh, so fantastic. Going to, uh, we're going to pause for the cause and uh, donate something on behalf of the Rebel Force Radio Patreon community. Awesome. Well, so thank that, you, Jim. Yeah. And yes, I will cover the fee. So 100% of my donation goes to the nonprofit. It's only $3.85. You got to click that square. Uh, This is great. Okay. I'm really happy to uh, just be a small part of this. Um, I love you guys. Love Uh, you, Jim. I've asked Shaz like 10 times if he can book me on Techno Retro Dads. He refuses. Oh, Man, I don't refuse. I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I just need to call. I'm Shaz really will last. Shaz at, will last minute, you Jim. You got to be careful with that. I'm terrible with last minute. I'm fine with last minute. He knows that. He sends me a, a, a text saying I got the high score on Zaxxon. <laughs> Five minutes late, I'm at an arcade playing Zaxxon. No lie. No lie. <laughs> I'm a picture back. I'm like he's gonna freak. I need to take a selfie in front of the Zaxxon machine. Okay, I accept your challenge. And so I, I keep going back to that machine. Yeah, go start arcade in uh, on Ogden in Brookfield. I keep going back to that arcade, and um, uh, the game just gets harder and harder for me every time I try. What's the secret, Shaz? You just keep shooting so you know where you are on the screen. You did give me that tip. Yeah, but you know, maybe I'm just too bold in my approach. Well, maybe so because because you can't go after everything down there. There comes a time that you can't make it back up the wall if you fire at that last piece. So I, surviving gets you more points than dying. You know, I just think it's stupid for that ship to fly into that battle without having the capability to drop bombs. That's an excellent point, Jimmy. What's that pilot thinking? That's a very ill-prepared um, video game. What, what is he, a resistance pilot? <laughs> what is he? Uh, Your mom. I don't know. Yeah, it's your mom joke. Yeah, that's all we can do now. Just in doubt. Well, you know, it was a year ago at this microphone that we said, you know, we do not know what episode eight is till we see episode nine. That's true. And y'all have been saying the same thing, and we love it. Yeah. Love it. So, love loving you guys over at Rebel Force Radio. Indeed. And, you know, a lot of people are so upset about The Last Jedi. 
And I've gone on a little bit of a roller coaster ride myself. It is a roller coaster ride. Relationship with that film. But I don't think you can fully accept it or fully reject it until you get the big picture right. and see how it all fits into the trilogy on a whole after episode nine is released. I think maybe people will reassess and reevaluate their opinions on The Last Jedi. And it could, the pendulum could swing either way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe episode nine completely negates everything that happened in episode eight. Yeah. Or maybe what I'm hoping is that it will find a way to enhance episode eight and make it seem more part of the the flow of the overall story it's just the the tone you know the mm-hmm. tone is, is weird with episode yeah, eight I guess. it's it's a it's a strange in comics they used to call them an offbeat tale and that's what last yet i felt like to me was an offbeat tale um based on what had come before it but um looking forward to seeing what they do in nine and and beyond and of course with what's coming with the disney plus app and everything oh man disney so, plus is going to be good yeah more is coming soon and uh and, and jim i just real quick just i i know i gotta let you go but i i gotta tell you another one of the hits that i love that's been coming on rebel force radio lately is the dude who's calling in as bob Iger. <laughs> no kidding in, in bob Iger. that yeah. is bob Iger. Right. Bob, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Else. Yeah. Bob Iger calling in with like the Lobot project and all this other stuff is that is owning me, sir. That yeah. is some of the best. And if that if, if he if Bob's listening to this, more of that, sir. More of that. I uh, will pass it along through his assistant, I'm okay. sure. <laughs> all right, guys. Love we'll you, man. Um, look for uh, our donation. It's uh, I'm, I'm filling out the form now. OK, and great. Let's get to that 4000 goal and beyond. All right. Thank you so How much. Go until until uh, we're done as, okay. as, as long as my old bones can can do it. All right. So I'm, I'm I might make a, a wacky return later on. I'd love it. Oh, that's good. I would love it's, it. it's Saturday. So be on guard. There you go. <laughs> All right, Jim. Thanks so much. Guys, thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. See ya. Jimmy Mack, ladies and gentlemen, the great Jimmy Mack from Rebel Ooh, Force Radio. The one, the only. Uh, they're going to kill me. We were supposed to go on at three with Adam and Eric. It's only 2.30? Well, seven? Well, 3.37. Well, it depends on where you live. Well, I live in Georgia. I live in Georgia. So uh, we're going to have to, uh, I, I've got to take a break real quick. <laughs> And um, we'll take a break real quick and then come back. Yeah, we'll take a break real quick and come back and bring those guys on for a little uh, pass the corn type action. Uh, Going to have a fun discussion with those guys and, um, and and get it all done. I'm trying to once again, I'm stalling as I continue to talk. For you looking for the music? I am looking for some music. You can to- feel the force flow. You can feel the force flow all around you. I don't know where I'm at. I used at. to write songs for, for Rebel Force Radio a long time ago. I, I, to I did, too. Again. I did a couple of those. I bet you got something right there in your pocket. Me? A little Mas Kanata action or something. something well, I'm trying to go to my geek stuff folder just to see what I got here. Um, and you can't find it? Well, it won't open. What is wrong with you? I found it. Calm down. Quit being so mean to me. What is wrong with you? You should be... You know better than that. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, you know what? Battle droids, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. That's a great clip. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Adam and Aaron are joining us, so stick around, guys. We'll, uh, We'll also update you 
on what's going on with our uh, with with the with the marathon. So stick around. So long since we've done this. Um, I felt like since you, what's that? A year? Well, not not just the uh come on, Irish. The cure marathon. Well, yeah, year. I know, but not just the marathon, but like I I was leading into something. Oh, you didn't do a show like two weeks ago that you released yesterday? No, I'm no I, listen. <laughs> yeah, I'm like really confused where you're going, Steve. Well, if you'll let me finish He's trying to vamp while he's plugging something in with the why are we Why are we ganging up on Steve right now? <laughs> That's my question. I, I was going to say, Eric, it's been a long time since we've done it, but maybe since what we're talking about is movies today, we should be passing some corn. Oh, oh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So here we go. the corn all right it's past the corn and with me is uh the og corn holder hmm that needs to pass the corn i don't know <laughs> uh, uh, i don't know where you're going with that uh. <laughs> here we go eric schernevice Oh, my brother from another mother. How's it going? I hear you. you. Know, I was just thinking, listening to uh, you guys talking to Jimmy Mack. You know, that was the first time that you and I potted together was on Jimmy's show. That's right. That's right. And then we actually met because of the Rebel Force Radio meetup because at Stars of Weekend. Because meetup, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. But it's his fault. It is. It is. And I didn't, I didn't, I never wanted to scout guests from Jimmy and Jason, but Eric and I were kind of talking. I'm like, well, man, I'd love to have you on the show sometime. You know, maybe talk something other than Star Wars. And Eric's just like, that's great. I'd love to talk something other than Star Wars. I always have to talk Star Wars because of my position, you know, because of my job. I'm like, he well, was, he was the Imperial that threw us together in, in the prison. We're the Han and Chewie of podcasting. Well, who is Chewie in this? I don't situation? know. I think we're both really Chewie. I was going to say, yeah. So, and also with us on this edition of Pass the Corn, uh, he's been called uh, a Steve Glosson cosplayer at cons. Yeah, people. I, I had a picture uh, taken. Just like it. I had a picture taken of this man from the side and sent to me and said, "I didn't think you were at celebration." I saw the picture. <laughs> he is. He's an author. He's a world traveler. He's a cemetery pooper. We've heard it all from this man. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, the great, the humble, the wonderful, the intelligent, Adam Bray. Hey, 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 it's Fat Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, man. How much yeah, good food for you? <laughs> how, how much are you, hey, 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 how much are you down? 
I am down 60 pounds since Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. wow. Congratulations, That's sir. That's awesome. Thank you. Are you feeling yeah. great? Since Thanksgiving. That's fast. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's only eating like a small bowl of gruel a day, though. <laughs> small bowl. Of I gruel. am. Yeah, yeah. I feel good, but uh, I just I, I decided to jump ahead to a, a, a phase of the diet that doesn't actually exist on the books. Um, but I've I've added eggs and uh, boiled chicken breast to the diet. Fantastic. So. Yeah, Fan- it's a little I've more filling. Gruel with it chicken. Is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was doing bone broth for a few days because mm. I could tell I was deficient in something, but I didn't know what the something was. So that that perked me up. But it it I think the bone broth was a little old. It kind of smelled like um, a day old roadkill. So yeah, yeah I, I went to egg cemeteries. You've been pooping in? <laughs> <laughs> no, from roadkill. So. <laughs> So, yeah, and that's the thing. You got to make it work for you. And as long as you don't just kind of do what I've done in the past, you know, three months and just completely fall off the wagon, um, you'll, you'll be you'll be great. Uh, well, that's because you were on that Matt Damon stranded on Mars diet. Right. Well, I was doing the same yeah. thing. I was doing the same thing Adam's done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest, it's 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 the hardest diet I've ever done, which is why I kind of had to. Jump ahead to modify it a little bit because one one problem I had uh, just on and off about every other week was I'd get kind of nauseous, mm. um, and I th- I think that's a symptom of being deficient in something. I just don't know what it was, but I feel a lot better now with with now that I'm, I guess an unethical vegan because it was it was sort of a, a extreme vegan diet, mm-hmm. but now I've got a little bit of animal protein in it, so yeah. I feel better. I mean, the key is if you keep the salt away, you know, and yeah. And, and and that sort of thing, and, and as little oil as possible with stuff, and no uh, sugar. Yeah, no sugar. I, you'll you'll keep the you'll keep the results going, and then you do those rare and appropriates, and and you'll find they don't affect you that much. So right. Yeah. Well, Adam, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I um. Well, I'm. I'm at the weight that I was my senior year of college. Um, I have been uh, thinner since then, uh, but it's it's kind of cool to to you know to to have these little uh, landmarks you know as you go these little mm-hmm. goals. That's really important to keep it going. So, yeah, there's a, I mean my my wardrobe, the clothes I can wear is like uh, quadrupled. So that that's awesome to have more choices and not to have to, you know, dish out any money. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that one of the coolest things that happened to me is, is I had a couple of shirts that I was like, I'm like, well, I'll try these on and they fit so good. And I'm like, it's like having a whole new, a whole new ro- rotation. I mean, I rotate five or six shirts at a time anyway, but I'm like, right. yeah, I added to the rotation. Well, one of the, one of the, interesting things about um dieting and a diet like this is too is um that i've learned that um some quite often the scales lie um that just because you haven't dropped any you know poundage that doesn't mean that your body hasn't changed because you'll go through these plateaus whether it's a couple days or even a couple of weeks um but your body is actually still changing and condensing so the weight may not change but you can go down in uh, shirt and pant sizes without those numbers changing yep. so um so yeah that's that's another way if you're upset about that you haven't lost any pounds on 
the scales, go ahead and try your clothes on again because you might find that you still got some new clothes that fit. And even though he's eating like garbage, everyone can hold Eric accountable to his daily walks over in Central Park and follow him on the Instagram. <laughs> hey, I've lost 20 pounds since Thanksgiving. That is awesome, that is dude. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm doing my daily walks and just I eat regular food, but I'm eating more vegetables and fruit and mm-hmm. no sugar and very little carbs. Yep, gives past the That's corn great. a whole new gives past the corn a whole new meaning. Mm-hmm. Yep. And <laughs> no manes. You have no manes no in, di- in, your, in your diet. No manes. All right, that you're crossing over jokes now to different shows. Um, the, uh, the this is gold. This is Geek Out Loud, where it's three fat guys and Chaz talking about weight loss. Um, <laughs> no, this is the fun thing. The other week when we were getting ready to do our Super Saturday. Uh, for the Patreon, and, and and you can hear Erish and Adam and I monthly talk superhero cartoons. We've been going through Young Justice, and we're getting ready to fire up a conversation about season three uh, here pretty soon. And uh, and we got to talking about some things beforehand, as we often do. We end up geeking out about everything else under the sun except what we came to talk about. And we were talking about what we do for the for the marathon, and somehow we rolled into the best trilogy. And then I made the case that really the only trilogy that's still a trilogy is Back to the Future. And then that led us into, well, what about just the third movie in a series? Mm-hmm. Well, because we were talking about, we were talking about, you know, what we were going to do for the, the Cure show. And I still think it's the best pod you and I have ever done was for Cure a few years ago where we debated for an hour which one is better, Raiders of the Lost Ark right. or... The Last Crusade. Yep, and I still don't know which is the better movie. I don't either. Like, I, yeah. it's so funny. I had no position. <laughs> we were we weren't debating against each other. We were debating within ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That just got us to talking about like the third movies in a trilogy, and then that kind of turned into third because, you know, like you said, there really aren't trilogies anymore. Right. Uh, so that just sort of turned into a third movie in a series, and we're like, why don't we just do that? That's uh, yes, um, the, and and so, and thus it begins. The and, five hour conversation that lies ahead of us. Right. <laughs> so Shaz, you just go whenever you need to, buddy. I know you. I know we're coming <laughs> I'll just drive away at some point. Isn't that just how this happened on last year? Phone in your car, Shaz. You know we might be done by the time you get home. <laughs> well, this is here's what I, here's something I'm interested to ask you, Shaz. When I say the word trilogy, yeah. What comes to mind? Star Wars. Exactly. That's how I feel. I don't know about you guys, Irish. I, I agree, but but the thing now in Star Wars is that we have three trilogies. trilogies. Yes, they're three right. trilogies, and, and that's still how we look at them. We still refer to them as original trilogy, prequel trilogy, and now sequel trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. You so, know, so even though it's going to be, even though it's really going to be what eleven movies. 12 if we count keep, keep going count you got two ewok clone. movies you you've got the clone wars movie you've got solo you've got rogue one i mean you've got a lot of movies well, i'm counting yeah. solo and rogue one in 11 yeah but they're not uh, part of the trilogies right right but so star wars we've got three trilogies mm-hmm. there. right yeah mm-hmm. i mean lord of the rings we now have two trilogies 
Well, right. isn't isn't Hobbit? Well, one's Hobbit and one's Lord of the Rings. But was Hobbit right? But I mean, there's well, okay. So Tolkien, we have two yeah, trilogy. yeah, yeah. But yeah. with Ho- so Hobbit did do three. They didn't break the third one up they into did two. Three. They took one right. movie and turned it into three. But yeah, they exactly. took one book and turned it into three, three movies. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes. If they had turned that into four. Well, I mean, it was when they did it as an animated movie, like thirty years ago. It was one ninety-minute movie. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know that that boy, the, was, the Rankin Bass Hobbit. That's awesome. Let, yeah, let's milk as much money out of this as we can and turn it into three. And it was, it ruined it. Do you? Yeah, think, it was not nearly as good as the the Lord of the Rings. No, one movie. Now yeah. wait a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna step over to Adam real quick because Adam, I saw a right. post recently where you talked about having finished reading the Silmarillion. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and the thing about the Hobbit is, I don't know if it was so much of a money grab as it was. It brought in the similar just, just a Peter Jackson being such a fan of the material that he wanted to include every little nook and cranny of that uh, mythology, right, Adam? Yeah, that was um, something that uh, really surprised me because I didn't know that he'd done this. But um, uh, there's a lot of added scenes uh, in that Hobbit trilogy, especially um, the second and maybe more the third that um, is ripped from the Silmarillion. And I don't understand uh, how how he was able to do that because I didn't think they had the the rights uh, to mine that material. But um, like all that, uh, probably my fav- favorite parts of those movies are um, the dull, when uh, Gandalf goes to uh, Dol Godor and finds out, finds that um, Sauron is, um, you know, his spirit is back and mm-hmm. that he's building a secret army there in those castle ruins. And then, you know, Elrond and Galadriel and um, uh, Saruman come and they, they, they fight him off um, temporarily. Um, all that stuff and the White Council that they have, all that stuff actually comes from the Silmarillion. Right. Um, and so I had asked... Uh, uh, on Twitter, you know, does any? Uh, I think uh, the the One Ring dot who were uh, the original fan group that I think they did the original website for mm-hmm. um, for the 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 Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy back, you know, 20, 20, I guess twenty years ago when they were working on that. Um, but so they they had uh, tweeted back that um, Peter Jackson was I guess working with the Tolkien estate and that they kind of approved kind of picked and chose what they wanted to approve and let him use. And he had a little more flexibility with the material than he did with um, uh, the the first trilogy. Uh, so that was all interesting. So it is, it is authentic. Uh, those are authentic scenes that are added in. Right. It's not but, just, not just fluff. But in the end, it's still the studio that's poning up the money, the money to make the movies and wanted three movies out of it because sure. The Lord of the, Th- the Rings trilogy was such a huge cash cow for Oh, them. it was huge. Sure. Well, and also with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, though, like you ended up having not just the theatrical release, but there was so much material. Like if you get that extended cut of Return of the King, you're yeah, talking you're talking about five like hours. Yeah, 30 to 40 minutes added to it. Right. Yeah. The, it, the funny thing is um, that Peter Jackson very much wanted – to, um, and I know this from from uh, both being in New Zealand and talking to people at uh, Weta and people that worked on the movie, um, as well as Peter Jackson drops uh, some comments in the commentaries of the Hobbit movies as well that um, agree with this. He wanted to do a six-movie set 
special edition, kind of like what George Lucas has done with his various Star Wars releases, release all six movies together and add yet more scenes um, to connect the two trilogies. Um, and in, in between uh, the movies themselves, that was his plan. And um, people in, in that worked on the movie in New Zealand will tell you he has enough extra footage to make two or three more versions of these trilogies without wow. using any of the previous films. Okay. That's how much material he has because he was famous for taking so many different um, cuts and extra scenes that got dropped, kind of what happened with Rogue One. Um, but uh, so, yeah, he wanted to do that. He was planning and hoping to do that. But for whatever reason, I don't know, Warner Brothers just, just kind of dropped the ball and just um, a year or two ago just dro dropped this useless um, anniversary six edition set with no new material at all as far as i know you just get a really really expensive um bookcase with the movies so that was a bit of a tragedy hopefully at some future anniversary they'll do that well my guess is that the hobbit movies financially didn't pay off the way they expected them to and also people didn't enjoy them the way they did the lord of the rings movies so right. Right. And also the, the DVD market is vastly different now than it was, you know, 10 years ago when those yeah. special extended edition sets were put out. Right. Lord of the Rings. I mean, who buys DVDs or Blu-rays anymore? Yeah. Well, it's, all, it's all about streaming now. Right. Well, you're, I buying mean, it on, you're buying it on Apple or something like that. Yeah. I, I tend to I, – I still tend to like the um, – the, the the physical medium though, um, I do too. But I feel like there, an old fogey. There are people that still do, but the numbers for it are drastically lower than right. they were five ten years ago. Well, sure, because right. well, there is something to, like I like to buy the physical copy with the digital copy. Oh yeah, so that I don't have to continually go to my uh, DVD shelf and pull it off. But right. I like the look of having. All that stuff. And are, are the Lord of the Rings movies even available digitally? Yes. Yeah. You can, you can buy them uh, separately. Okay. Digitally. I didn't. Or at least they were. I don't know if they still are, but they were. Okay. That, yeah. I'm looking at it now. I'm, I'm looking online right now to see um, what we've got here. Yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy, Lord of the Rings extended edition trilogy, all available through Apple at least is where I'm looking right now. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's ever been a set where you can buy the Blu-ray and get the digital of the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. They did that, but yeah. I don't think they have. Lord no, of the I, Rings. I don't think they have done that either. Now, since we're there, since we're Lord of the Rings, and I mean, I guess it's an easy one to kind of begin with. Return of the King being the third installment, third and final installment of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, and because it was an adapted work, of course, it's going to end the way it needed to end. Uh, I remember the first time I saw that movie in the theater, and I really thought, this is a perfect movie. I don't know that it gets better than this. For all the complaints that people have about multiple endings and everything, where do you guys fall on Return of the King? Have you read the books at all? Yeah. I have It not. has multiple endings. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. But you, saying, have, you have so many characters you have in the to wrap. trilogy that you can't have just the single ending. Well, I you wasn't, could if you killed everybody off. I wasn't saying right. that was my reaction. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying that even in the midst of other people's reactions. But it, I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I wasn't saying that. I just, yeah, 
the the books end like that. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, look, I, I loved it. I loved that mm-hmm. entire trilogy. And I've seen the entire trilogy countless times. Although the more I see it, the I find it harder and harder to watch the Frodo and Sam stuff. It just I, I don't know. It, it it's not as exciting to me as the as the stuff with uh, with Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas. Well, yeah, because Frodo and Sam are mostly walking and, and fighting with Smeagol. Yeah. But I'm telling you uh, what, to me, it doesn't get any more heart wrenching than. And it's beautifully portrayed right out of the right out of the book. You know, I can't carry it for you, Mister Frodo, but I can carry you. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and Sam just picking Frodo up. Oh my God! Okay, okay, okay. Okay, but but <laughs> I'll, I'll say this too. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the the animated cartoons online. How it should have ended. Yeah. Oh okay. Yes. yes. Yeah. They did how it should have ended for Lord of the Rings, and it's basically. It's basically, uh, you know, Gimli and Aragorn and them go to the the Black Gates to distract Sauron as the eagles fly the hobbits over <laughs> Mount Doom. And Frodo just drops just the ring. Just it in. And right. one of them is like, can you imagine if we had walked there? <laughs> it just kind of has destroyed the whole trilogy for me. Because yeah. I can't. I can't watch them go through all that. I can't watch the, if you can't care, I can't carry it, but I can carry you thing. And I just keep thinking of Gandalf, I see fire down below, you know, and you know, <laughs> just dropping the ring in with the, because the Eagles then come and pick them up at the end. It's like, well, right, why did yeah. the Eagles just fly them there? But didn't, okay. And, and Adam Sorry, having, having freshly, read the Silmarillion, is there anything in there about the race of eagles? Because aren't they kind of finicky and they do what they want to do? Yeah, they um, they come into play uh, in like uh, maybe two of the ancient ancient tales and they are it, you know, it's it doesn't really explain uh, much about them and that, and that personality, but that is my understanding of the Tolkien Tolkien history, like they're not, um, they're not, they're not on on call to help anybody that that wants, you know, that wants them to. Because there are the amazing thing about the Silmarillion. I had no idea how extensive it is. It covers mm-hmm. the the creation of the world um, and thousands and thousands of years of history. All the tales, one right after another. Up through um, the ri- the rise of the the previous uh, evil guy Morgoth, and then the rise of Sauron, and then you know all the the wars of the rings and everything right up till the the end of Lord of the Rings. But anyway, there are so many battles you couldn't possibly have the eagles all help at every one. Otherwise, you know the the bad guys would get tipped off and just kill all the eagles so well, yeah. they're used very sparingly yeah but i was, and i get the joke like i understand yeah, i understand yeah, the humor I'm, I'm not you know i'm just making light of the whole thing. sure yeah i guess i should have yes anded you and kept going <laughs> Arish. i've learned my lesson <laughs> on that recently <laughs> but but i just you know the whole point of those eagles is they're not a taxi service and i and you know because they are right, sentient in this beings case, you're talking about saving the entire world right. so, yeah but you know, you know maybe maybe the eagles not be such jerks and just fly the hobbits there well to that right. to that extent then why didn't the ants book it to mordor with everyone else after yeah. the two yeah. towers you know 
Like they just there's a there's a different understanding, and that's one of the things that I love about Tolkien and and, and how he did his stuff. That these different people have a different understanding and a view of the world. Even in right. the in the novels, you know, you get the whole Tom Bombadil mm-hmm. section, yeah, which is a complete yeah. diversion from everything else. But Tom Bombadil right. don't give a duke about. Sauron, or yeah, no. you know, he's like, I'm but still. But also, the really simple explanation is: is if the eagles just fly them there, then we don't have a trilogy. Well, that's true. Right. That's right. You don't have so, a movie, yeah. so you know, you need you get, you're telling a good story. Yeah, sure. But Return of the King, the Battle of Pelennor Fields is just amazing, and was so groundbreaking at the time that he did that. Um, there, there's so many great sequences in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene at the end too it's still for the dozens of times I've seen it now I still can't not get all glassy eyed when Aragorn I'm starting to get just thinking of it right now when Aragorn King Aragorn looks at the hobbits and he's like you kneel before no man that's yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He, well, and he says my friends he's like my friends yeah. you, yeah. you bow to no oh my gosh yes that is yeah. that's a glorious moment and let me tell you something Sean Astin just making me cry in movies. <laughs> right. He does it to me every time too at the end. What's what, Rudy you saying? That's yeah. Oh, I thought you said Goonies. <laughs> no, Goonies is Goonies never say die. Uh, Rudy, when they walk in and they're like, I want Rudy to play in my place. He's like, You're an all American and the captain of this football team. You start acting like one. He's like, I believe I am, sir. The the waterworks just start for me. <laughs> <laughs> While I do, I've seen that like fifty times. <laughs> while I do acknowledge the greatness of um, the Return of the King, and I, I think it is the the best of the trilogy, there's there's something about the first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, that it's actually my personal favorite, mm-hmm. um, as well as the book is the first book is my favorite of the trilogy. Really, I think there's. Yeah, I think there's something about um, starting the adventure um, that it's very personal and it's um, more relatable and uh, smaller, and you're just concentrating on just a few characters on with a very specific goal, you know, to get get to Elrond's house and then to get through Moria and Lothlorien. You're not dealing with all these different things going on all at the same time. It's much much easier to feel like you're a part of the story going in and I really like that. Um and it's uh when you get bigger like that, um I think the Lord, the Return of the King handles it well, but I think that the bigness of um, the third movie and trilogies gets to be a problem in a lot of the movies of the last um, 20 years. Um, I think Pirates of the Caribbean being be Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. being the best example of how bad that can get. Yeah, well, I think also Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies is a perfect example of how bad that can get, too. So just to close off Tolkien here, I mean, we can jump into that one. I just thought that 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 was just a huge mess. What what is a really exciting sequence and stuff didn't need to be a two-hour movie. Let me me ask you this, Eric. Are you tainted by your love of the Rankin-Bass Hobbit animated feature? No. Okay. No, and I, I wouldn't say I have a love of the Rankin Bass. I did. I, I, I just, I just bring it up because they were able to tell the entire story and tell it well 
in 90 mm-hmm. minutes, and instead we got over six hours of Peter Jackson movie. But now right. they also, the Rankin Bass also tells just what's on the page of the Hobbit fine. book. Sure. I, I agree. Listen, I don't disagree mm-hmm. with you. I, I was really disappointed. Also, uh, my other issues with the Hobbit movies in general is is as amazing as the effects were in the mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings trilogy is almost as equally bad as they were in the Hobbit movies. Mm. Those armies battling at the end, they all just look like rubber. You know, <laughs> the, the CGI is so poor and yeah. it's just so poorly done. Uh, you know, all the mat, the, the dragon was great, but so much of the other stuff was just really, really bad. Yeah. There and they had made um, everything, you know, all those orcs and stuff had actually been physical costumes and makeup. And my understanding is they had filmed them all, you know, as practical, all those as practical characters, practical effects. Um, but after they'd uh, filmed it, um, some some among the producers didn't like the way they looked, so they decided after the f- fact to um, digitize over the top of them. And I, I just don't think it worked as well as uh, in in the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, I, I, look, even in like the Rohirrim charge in Return of the King, there there's shots of it that you know it looks very CGI. Right. Um, but then there's close-up shots, you know, where you only see twenty horses or so that you know is real and looks fantastic. It just it. it as a combined whole, it doesn't look as rubbery as the Hobbit scenes do. Mm. It, and that, to me, is just really disappointing. My understanding is that the the last... You know, I'll be honest, I actually... I, en- I probably enjoyed the third Hobbit movie more than the first two. Um, I thought uh, the tone of the first one was off. Um, you know, I wanted something dark and, you know, warlike and more like Lord of the Rings, but it was very light and very slow. Um, I agree. In that first Hobbit movie. The second one, I just didn't like it. It dragged on too long. There was too much running around in the Lonely Mountain being chased by smog. Those scenes just went on because they loved their dragon and they loved Benedict Cumberbatch and they just wanted to show as much of it as they could and it just went on and on forever and I got bored. Well, um, and you but, didn't get an ending in the second yeah, one. Yeah, no, either. you didn't. Like, yeah. it, what was so frustrating there was that the ending of the second movie you really get in the first five minutes of the third movie. And it's like, why couldn't you have just put this at the end of the second movie where it naturally belonged instead of making it this cliffhanger sort of thing. Right. I was so angry walking out of the theater after seeing the second one because of the lack of ending to it. I was just, Mm -hmm. I, one of the few times I've really been furious in a movie theater with the movie. Superman Returns was one of those. Oh, well, now hold on, Shaz. Uh-oh. Shaz, go ahead. You were going to say about Lord of the Rings. Hobbit. Oh, well, it, 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 I think the Hobbit was was more hastily put together, but I think it the reason it suffers also is the same thing that you were mentioning, Adam, about the Fellowship of the Ring. Is you connect with the characters in the very first movie. Right. It's down to earth, and it's hard to connect with Frodo and or, and uh, or Bilbo rather. That. And these seven dwarves. 
13. Right. I believe 13. it was 13 dwarves. No, he's 12. It's yeah. 12. 12. Yeah, he's, 12. 13. he's the 13th. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But it, it's it's hard to connect. First off, it's hard to connect with that many people. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all both work in you know writing. And right. it's very hard to connect with too many characters at once. It's hard to connect with that many characters in an entire book. But to exactly. put them all together and have them so similar. <laughs> the thing mm-hmm. that worked with Nine in the Fellowship is you have one dwarf. You have mm-hmm. uh, four hobbits, mm-hmm. yeah. one mm-hmm. elf, uh, and what is that? Three? Do we have three men or two men? You no, have two four. men and a wizard. Two yeah. men and a wizard. That's right. Wizard mm-hmm. is, is yeah. separate from, from men. And so, you're introduced to them gradually. And you're introduced mm-hmm. to them gradually. You're, I mean, You're introduced all at once. And, and, and that's good for Bilbo's introduction to them, yes. But to be able to make that an entire movie like Fellowship, you can't do mm-hmm. that. Well, and that's that's right. the thing, you know, going back on, on to the Fellowship situation, it, it opens the same way that The Hobbit felt. It is, and, I'm, and I'm going to the book situation. Yeah. Yeah. It opens mm-hmm. the same way The Hobbit felt. The Hobbit, though it has some very dire consequences, though... Though people die, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a lighter book. There's a light yeah. air to it. it. There's a fun to it. There's a sense of adventure without, and and that was not captured in any of those of the Hobbit trilogy, and and so, and and they did try to focus so much on all the characters. The focus of the Hobbit is the Hobbit, right? Mm-hmm. It's Bilbo, you know, yeah. and and these supporting casts. We don't have to necessarily get to know them. We just have to get to know how Bilbo feels about them. You know, which can be accomplished without giving them too much limelight. And I do feel like there was too much effort to try to, so that you end up not really connecting to Bilbo. And Martin Freeman's an incredible actor. Yeah. You know, sure. and, and so, um, and he was perfect for that role, I thought. But anyhow, I, yeah, I've only seen that, I've only seen those things the one time in. Um, oh, really? The Hobbit. Now, Lord of the Rings, like I say, I love. But now we did mention already, yeah, so we need, we need to, we need on. to move on. We, mm-hmm. we did mention the Pirates of the Caribbean three at World's right. End, which I, when this was going to be just a trilogy, I sincerely thought at World's End was better than Dead Man's Chest. It suffered to me from a lack of Kraken, where they just all of a sudden the Kraken died off screen, you know, between mm-hmm. two and three. Yeah. But I really dug at World's End. Did you? Yeah. I, I love the battle at the end. I thought it was just it was just a great spectacle and everything. Oh, the battle at the end is amazing. Yeah, but You've now, but Davey now, see Jones or the uh, the Flying Dutchman and mm-hmm. the Black Pearl on both sides. Yeah, but I feel like the story took a misstep in the second one, and that affected the third. What was the misstep? Really? Although I will say that the second one has the second one has that great action set piece where the three of them are dueling on on the water wheel and stuff. Right, right, right. It's going through the jungle and everything. I mean, that is, Mm -hmm. that's maybe the best action set piece in all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the score really kicks in the, and there's some funny moments in it and stuff, but yeah, I agree. The story just got too big in the second, third movie. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. No, I was just going to say, my my general um, feeling of the trilogy is the first movie was great. 
The second movie was just out of this world. It went all these new places with new ideas, and it was completely fresh to me. But the third movie felt like it was the second half of a movie that was twice as long as it needed to be. It just, to me, the third movie felt like it wasn't offering anything new. It was just more of the same. And it was just, it just exploded to the the whole pirate community of the entire planet is merging to have this whole big battle. And I felt like we just, we just lost our main characters. I wanted to, you know, spend time with the original crew and, you know, see their relationships go places. And it just, it just got way too big, which is a problem of the last 20 years for for trilogy yeah. movies. They they all get too big and they take us away from the main characters, most of them. I, I agree. I, I agree with that. I, I think I'm just thinking of the spectacle of it all and how much I enjoyed the spectacle. And, and truly, the music of At World's End... You know, as as much as like I agree with you, Eris, that that Hans Zimmer really hit a hit a good point there with uh, the second one. But at World's End, you know, they open up with that hoist the colors song where the people oh, are singing. Yeah. Please silence your cell phones before. The I'm movie sorry. Starts. Sorry about that. The phone never uh, rings here. And 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 I really feel like Hans Zimmer did a great job with At World's End of making this epic score that played off of that tune at the beginning but also just brought more into it without yeah. going to without leaning too much on the pirates theme and so when when they did bring the pirates theme back around it felt special instead of overplayed instead of overplayed throughout yeah. and 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 I guess that's one of the things that really caught my attention about that movie the first time I saw it was that score and I guess that kind of also played into the fact that I liked it I think I think I received it more uh than other people more well than other people did mm. better i think i more, more better more, more better well. more well more better well i think i i liked it more than most people i'm going to quit trying to be proper i liked it more than most people it's, i think it's not it's not a horrible movie um it's mm. just uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have you seen have you seen the next two when i broke when i broke my list down for you guys i had different categories i put it in the hard act to follow category mm. oh, yeah. okay yeah. Because that first movie was so great, so just came out of left field, became this big hit that was a lot of fun. You know, it, it, it set the bar really high, and they just tried to go bigger with the next two, and it didn't work as well for them. Well, Adam, you made a great point of these movies in the past 20 years especially, if they do multiple parts, try to get so much bigger than where they've been rather than rely on good story or, or or a sound storytelling device or something like that. And and one of these in your list is, it, to me, it's another one that I like that most people don't, and it's X-Men The Last Stand. It's that third X-Men movie that I feel like suffered from being way too big. And it was two stories that both deserved their own movie. It was the Dark Phoenix story, and it was the uh, Mutant Cure story. Both of those stories deserve their own movie rather than being smushed together into one, mm-hmm. uh, one thing, and you end up losing the impact of the return of Jean Grey. <clears throat> this is another situation where there's stuff that takes place off-camera, the death of Scott Summers, and the the end battle, I mean, like by this time, everyone was just like in the comic books, Wolverine crazy and Hugh Jackman crazy at that. <coughs> and um, and so you ended up with a bit of a mess of a movie that I actually liked and, and will defend. 
but I am aware, I'm very aware of its flaws. And that's one of those movies that I was hyper aware of just how big they tried to make it and, and that it fell short because I feel mm-hmm. like they were focusing too much on spectacle and not enough on story. Chaz, you look at me very yeah. strangely. There's another reason for that, but, but for, for this question, is it because we can and we don't ask whether or not we should? Right. We, I mean, we have the ability yeah. to do these huge things because of, of, of CGI, but sometimes, you know, bringing it back to the human scale is, is a talent, you know, and right. reining that in and not losing that. As for the X-Men, I really haven't seen them. Okay. It's like you and Time Bandits. Yeah. Well, well. now listen, let's not bring Time Bandits into this. You <laughs> oh, should lo- I, I, I love Time Bandits. Everyone <laughs> loves Time Bandits, and I've never seen it. Oh, my goodness, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they talked about all of this like an hour and a half ago. Adam. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, I mentioned in our, our email, one of, one of my favorites is the Terry Gilliam's um, Time Bandits and... Um, then it's Brazil, and uh, then Baron von Muchenhausen. Honestly, Brazil, I don't know if I've seen the whole thing because it, it, it does drag on. But uh, I love Time Bandits and Baron von Muchenhausen. And it's, it's his creative imagination trilogy. The first movie, Time Bandits, is imagination, the escapism through the child's eyes. Brazil is escapism through a, an adult's eyes. And then Baron von Muchenhausen is through an old man's eyes. But wow. they, they've been such a influential movies at least the first and the last on my own imagination and creativity from you know my my early youth and such you know relatively little known movies compared to you know some of the other things on our list you've blown you love munchausen you've oh, blown such a fun movie you've blown shaz's mind and you're talking about two movies i don't think i've ever even heard of wow really oh my goodness baron von munchausen's mm-hmm. yeah. oh it's so good, you know. It's it's Monty. It's these are Monty Python people among others that are okay. in the cast. That that one, both of both those movies have well, even all three of them um, have some amazing, you know, legendary actors in them. Mm-hmm. You definitely at least see the first and the second. I mean, the first and the third. You can skip the second, as far as I'm concerned. There's actually some music from Brazil in some kind of Star Wars thing. I think it was in a Clone Wars episode or something. I've forgotten about that. I have no mm. idea what those are. Like I'm just, wow. Wow. I'm now on the out of this conversation, <laughs> and, I, and I'm the host. Um, so I'm the only one that likes X Men: The Last Stand, is what I'm hearing. Here. Uh, I, I yes, just haven't seen it. I haven't seen yeah. the X Men movies. It's garbage. Oh, now that's, come on. That, that's the it, new. It is. It is so bad that the X-Men producers went back and basically retconned it out of the continuity. Yeah. With a movie that wasn't great, but still like they're, they're wiping it out because they even admit to how bad it is. Well, I look, yeah, but look at some point you've got to, here's what you've either got to just completely reboot, which I guess they did. You know, but don't I, I go to what I do about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Don't be a wuss. Just completely reboot. 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 <laughs> reboot that thing. Take that cheap cologne and splash all over it. Reboot it. Um, no, re- just just do a hard reboot instead of trying to squeeze everything in. Because at that point, then things get convoluted and weird. But I just, I mean, like, look. I, like I say, I recognize its flaws, but I don't think that it's 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 a horrible movie. Now, one movie that I was defending for the longest time 
talk about getting bigger and too big for its britches. That Superman three. That after no, that after I watched it again after several years and realized, oh, this is not good. Is Spider Man three? Yes. Oh yeah, that's just bad. I mean, you talk about. Did the, you really? Did did that have rewatchability with you back then? When I first saw it, I thought this is really good, and I loved the climax. I thought the battle at the end was great. I thought I knew that everyone kind of came in too fast, and they didn't give Venom his due, and yeah, and but like mm-hmm. man, the Sandman stuff was just it was groundbreaking. When I first saw it, I was all over it. Yeah, when I watched it at home. I was like, this was not near well, here's, what one and two were. Here's the thing. I revisited it maybe three or four years ago for Patreon. It was okay, one of the yeah, first movies yeah. I watched. And I'm sitting there watching it, and as I'm, as I'm doing comedy, I'm like, I don't know why people don't like this movie. I really enjoy it. Da, 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 da. You know, this okay, so that's not a great moment. I get, okay, so this is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, this movie's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. what it became. There, there are elements of it that are good. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. A cohesive nature, it's, it's right. just not there. Well, and there's it, some real weirdness. And when you follow up Spider-Man 2, right. which was so That's good. the pinnacle of right. Peter Parker right now. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's just, you can't, you know, you can't just throw stuff at the wall after that and hope it all sticks and, and yeah. does well. No. It also suffered from the, I mean, and this can take us into Batman forever also. Thank you. It, it, it suffered from the, we need more than one villain. Right. right. Yes. Thing in this, and th- and this is where a lot of the superhero movies around that time started going bad. It wasn't just mm-hmm. enough to have one villain in it. We've got to, We've got to have two or three villains in it, and yeah. they all have to have their own agency. They all have to have their own origin story. Like I never understood why, like a Spider-Man movie couldn't just open with like like a James Bond movie does with like. A 10 or 15 minute little action set piece where Spider-Man's fighting Rhino and, you know, that's it. You don't need to know what Rhino's motivations are. He's just some big super criminal trying to rob a bank and Spider-Man's there to stop him and you just get a fun mm-hmm. little action piece out of it. But they had – all these bad guys all had to have like their own agency and their own motivations and we had to know their tragic backstories and stuff. It's like, no, we don't get this in the comics. We don't need it in the movies. And they also made the hero unlikable. They made Peter yeah. Parker a, a jerk with the black suit on. And right. when your hero's unlikable, what, what do you have? There's nothing, there's nothing to latch on to. Popcorn. Yeah, that's all yeah. you got left. Well, yeah, they didn't give him, and and with him making him unlikable, that that's the thing is, his redemption never really came. Right, like right. they never did the work to make him likable again. And so when he is in the fight for his life, and then when Sandman, when he confronts Sandman at the end, and he's and Sandman's all like, you know, I was there, I'm sorry, and Peter's like, I forgive you, and Sandman just floats away. I'm like, he still killed a man. He was still he was still at least an accessory to this. He was still part of the robbery. He was still part of the carjacking. He's still a criminal. Just because Spider-Man said, I forgive you, doesn't mean that you get to go away now. You know, it doesn't mean that yeah. you get to escape. And 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 to me that makes and then and but then Spider-Man's the, not the law. It, right. And he's well, he's definitely not the law, but he's right. also, like I say, you've got to like Spider-Man because the only people Especially with Sam Raimi going for like that classic Spider-Man feel, the only people that like Spider-Man are the readers usually. You know, he's mm-hmm. an outcast in New York. He's a you know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And and so it was just that it was it was an example of them trying to do too much in Eric. I completely agree with you. The cramming in of too many villains, and as you say, this goes to Batman. 
forever, but that started in Batman Returns when you've got Catwoman, Catwoman and, and Penguin. Penguin. But it worked in Batman Returns. I don't know. Have you watched Batman Returns in a while? Yes. It's not good. Oh, it's good. It's not it's good. good. It's not as good as 89 Batman, but it's good. It's not It's good. good. Batman Forever is better than Batman Returns. No. I said it. I said it out loud. No. Wait a second. Batman Forever is Riddler? Riddler and Two-Face. And Two-Face. Yeah, it's just, no, it's bad. Oh, Tommy Lee yeah. Jones is horrible um, in it. It just have been all Lando. the Joel Schumacher stuff just starts becoming nonsense. No, yeah. it's not good. They they didn't age well. They did they uh, they weren't good. <laughs> they weren't good. I mean, it just it, the longer I sat in the theater, the worse it got. I think what what made Batman Forever worse to me was Batman and Robin. Yes. Oh, Batman I, and Robin's uh, horrible. Yeah. Right. No, 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 there's oh, no. That, that made it worse. I sat down. Then I didn't. Because then I started picking, nitpicking what was wrong yeah. with Batman Forever. I sat down a few years ago to try to watch Batman. I'm like, I'm going to find something redeeming about this movie. Couldn't do it. No. Couldn't no. do it. Like, I'm like, this is not good. But Batman Forever, I just enjoy. I like Jim Carrey as the Riddler. And though I don't like the, the portrayal of Two Face, the characterization of Two Face. I appreciate what Tommy Lee Jones was trying to do in the midst of that. And yeah, but they, that's a bad recasting in the first place. Oh, yeah. They I, mean, I would have Harvey loved Dent. to seen Billy D do Two-Face yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. But it yeah. was also part of the we've got to get the big stars to right. come in and play right. the villains in they these had movies Billy to make D. it part of the spectacle. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like Nicole Kidman. And uh, who is the guy that played Robin? Um Chris O'Donnell. I was yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah, Chris O'Donnell, you know, who was who was a big name at that time. And Val mm-hmm. Kilmer, of course, was Val Kilmer still. And 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 Jim Carrey was the highest paid actor in Hollywood at that point. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so Really? Yeah. And so to yeah, have him he was making like tw- he was the first twenty million, million dollar, dollar man, wasn't mm-hmm. he? That's right. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Oh, you gotta think that's on the heels of that was Ace for Ventura. Cable yeah, that's on the heels of Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, um, The Mask. Cable guy, cable guy. Um, you know, then boom, you roll into the Batman Forever. I think Cable Guy was after Batman Forever, but this was like Jim Carrey's big rise. Like wow. he was, wow. he was there, and and so, but it also felt like comic booky. I and at the time too, understand that I was like, I and what has it aged, was a jump from the the Frank Miller esque time frame of Batman to. Batman Forever was more colorful, more mm-hmm. four-color comic book. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. Right. It is a different feel than the first two. But now, look, and, and people say that, you know, the 89 Batman and even Batman Returns is very, you know, Miller-esque. And it's, it's got, it's, it, I just, it comes from that era. It mm, is not a, a straight I, I know adaptation. It, here's the thing. It's like he's trying to be dark, but it's Tim mm. Burton dark, so it ends up just being... Uh, uh, not what's I can't uh, suddenly my words. Camp, it, it's not campy. It, no, it, be, it ends up becoming conceptual. You know, like it, a, it is. It's it is. Yeah, rather than rather than just an adaptation. Okay, do you have Do you have the cards from this series? Do I have the cards from the series? That's all. Do you have the Do you have the cards <laughs> from Batman Forever? I don't because I wasn't collecting cards That's at that why. point. No, no, <laughs> no. I was <laughs> answer to the question. <laughs> I bet I do have some Batman Forever cards now that you mention it. Um. Well, while we're while we're on the subject of Batman, let's jump to the the Nolan verse trilogy and okay. talk. Uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, no, was that the last one? The second one isn't it? Second one is Dark Knight. Second. The third one is the Dark Knight Rises. 
Okay, yeah. yeah. Then let's talk What's Dark, the first one? Dark Knight Batman Rises. Begins, The Dark right. Knight, The Dark Knight okay. Rises. Out. Well, yes, let's why, talk. Why, the, would you, why would you shoot a man if you're going to just throw him out the window? Why would you talk about me after you've talked about that crap Batman forever, Darth Vader breathing, Darth Vader breathing? <laughs> um... Because this was equally crappy. I I don't know that I agree with you. I I do think this. I think that that, that Dark Knight Rises was a good conclusion to a Christopher Nolan story. Oh, no, but it I was don't. Garbage. But I don't think it was. But I don't think it was a good conclusion to a Batman story. It was mm. such a bad movie. He heals himself in a cave from a broken back in like five minutes. It wasn't broken. It was out of joint and he, he had to spend time in traction. That didn't all happen in five minutes. It, it just, was only a flesh wound. It's just five minutes of screen time. It was horrible. No, horrible. I, that's one of those suspend disbelief things and let it roll with it. Well, the whole movie is like that. That's true. Well, they kind of, that this is again, they're mashing up two different storylines, right? They're mashing up, uh, well, several different storylines. They're mashing up the Nightfall story arc from the comics, No Man's Land from the no comics, Land, and yes. then and then whatever Christopher Nolan wanted to do with the with the League of Shadows and stuff. You know, so these are all these things that are getting squished together in what people have always wanted to see or think they always want to see. Uh, and you know, you've got you've got Nolan's sensibilities of making a film. But you could tell that he's not really a comic book fan. Too many enemies. Mm. Too many enemies. You've got two well, things it, are torn yeah. in too many directions there. Mm. And again, this one majorly suffered from the from the hard act to follow thing because you had you had Heath Ledger's brilliant Joker performance in the previous movie that right. pretty much anything you were gonna do in this movie was not gonna live up to that. I agree with that, and and I and I have said of the Dark Knight, I think it's a great movie. I don't like the last fifteen minutes of the Dark Knight. I feel like they should have saved Two Face for the third movie. Oh, I wholly agree, I agree. with that. Yeah. It, yeah. Instead, they kill him off in a matter of a few minutes, yep. and you end up time jumping almost a decade to. That's the other problem. Is like you know you you're basically just a few months after Batman Begins when we get to Dark Knight, mm-hmm. and then you time jump from. Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises by almost a decade, and you've got just a battered, beaten down Bruce Wayne. And and the premise of that is is flawed from the get go. If you look at the comics, Bruce Wayne never retreated into Bruce Wayne. He always, when he was sad, depressed, upset, would retreat into Batman, deeper into Batman. And so mm-hmm. the fact that Batman had disappeared, you know, even though he was supposed to be wanted and had taken the fall and everything for Harvey Dent. He still should have been out there doing his thing. Exactly. Right. The whole time. Exactly. And the fact that he wasn't, you end up with a flawed Bruce Wayne from a from a character sense of of how is this character actually supposed to be, and 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 so I was kind of off put by that from the get go, but you know, I, that's a I know I've got a friend that loves that movie and swears by The Dark Knight Rises, and I don't understand that. Their their full devotion to it, but I do like I say I will stand by the fact that I don't think it's a great Batman story, but I do think it was a good Christopher Nolan story for what he wanted to accomplish. Well, my my take on Christopher Nolan is that his gift as a filmmaker is convince people the movies he makes are better than they actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I don't I can't. I can't say that there's a single Christopher Nolan movie that I've actually enjoyed. You didn't like The Prestige? Wow. 
No. You didn't like Inception? No. You didn't like uh, Memento? No. Well, uh, when I first when it That's the first the came out and I first saw camera. it, I liked it, but I have no desire to ever watch it again. Okay. You know, I'll be honest, I have never sat down and watched any of those three Batman movies start to finish. Oh, wow. I've probably seen the Heath Ledger one more than the others, just a few minutes here and there on in the background. But, no, I've not seen any of them all the way through. They just didn't, uh, just the little bits I saw never really appealed to me that much. I really like Batman Begins. Yeah, and it, it, they are very dark. I mean, you look at yeah. the 60s Batman, and then you're slammed into the Burton Batman, which seemed dark at the That's moment. That's what I was going to say. We all thought yeah. Burton Batman was dark. And then, then right. you get the Nolan, and it's like, whoa, I need to step back to 89. I'm a little too dark. Yeah, you go, from, you go from, yeah. you go from mean, Jack Nicholson, you set me up for a woman, to you want to know how I got these scars? I mean, you, you yeah. went mm. more psycho than the killing joke mm-hmm. in that movie mm-hmm. in some ways yeah for sure but um but yeah i it, it you're right Eric. i think it did suffer from from raised expectations but a lot of number threes suffer from that take alien three for example yeah you know aliens is this almost perfect movie that's this great thing and then alien well, alien one is almost a perfect movie right and then you followed up with Aliens 2, which is, mm-hmm. which went from a sci-fi horror movie to a sci-fi action picture brilliantly. With you a, know, the, both, each of them on their own are equally brilliant, groundbreaking movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, and then, and then you go to Alien 3 and just crazy expectations. Mm-hmm. And they kill Newt right out of the gate. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, new and Hicks. Yeah, just just out of the just. I mean, it was like this is weird. It, it does this thing where it suddenly sets you in a place where it's like, where am I? What even yeah. is this? And why am I even watching this? Because some of the people that I love the most in that last movie are now they're just dead for no yeah. reason, mm-hmm. you know. Other than I guess we didn't want to pay him to come back, or the little girl had retired from acting altogether, whatever the case may be. We wanted to focus on Sigourney Weaver, That's which all. is fine. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver is, you know, she's a fantastic heroine in both Alien and Aliens. Yes, and but both of, both of those other players right. are going to pull away from the story they wanted to tell with her. They had to get them out mm-hmm. somehow. Now, is Alien Three? Is that where she's on the prison world? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And she she throws herself into the lava as the thing is bursting out of her stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not good. The next one is Resurrection, Which again, is that right? Mm-hmm. at the time, yeah. was really groundbreaking because mm-hmm. you killed off your franchise hero at the end of the movie. Right, right. Right, yeah. And Which like, would have been wow, great. Wow, I can't believe they did that. If they didn't want to keep going on. Once you get over, like, it took me a few years, but once I got over the fact that they kill Hicks and Newt off at the outset, um, and I could make peace with that, I enjoyed the movie a lot more. There's just something about that. I don't know. It was, it was very, it was a scary movie for sure. And it just, I don't know, that hopeless, depressing fighting to the end. It was just, it was kind of cool. Um, but the one thing that I still don't like um, is all the really bad CG. But I don't know, was any of that CG in the original movie or is it all from the DVD version? Do you guys know? The C- there was CG in Alien 3? 
Yeah, there's CG, a lot of uh, CG shots of uh, the alien. Yeah, the, the alien digital. itself. Because the alien became more like Panther-like. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that was some early CG. Yeah, that, yeah, well, that was could, '92, so it would have been it would have been early on. It's been yeah. a long while since I've seen this. Yeah, movie. it's the CG is very flat and very cartoony. I know some of it was added in the DVD version. There's even. Um, there's even a, like an intro clip with the director where I forget what he says exactly, but it's kind of like this is he, he basically he's sitting in front of the camera saying this this is not actually they call this the director's cut, but this is not actually the director's cut because this is not what I would do with the movie. I would not have added all this extra in blah blah blah. And it's just kind of funny because he's not. You know, he's sitting there for the interview and doesn't want to take credit to any any of the stuff they've added for the DVD version. Well, and the the interesting about this movie is is that it's one that still has some legs today because it's it's David Fincher's first movie. Mm. You know, he had been this huge like director of music videos before that, groundbreaking stuff. Like very visual and everything, and this was his first big. This was his first movie, um, and so because it's David's first movie, you know, there's a lot of people that just go back to watch it to just because it was him attached to it. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, you know, and he went on to direct Seven and uh, the Social Network, things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, he's super talented director and everything. But again, when you when you look at, I don't know. I'm also very much the everyone's. Got, I want I want my heroes to win in the end, and and so right. I'm sitting there when I first watched Alien Three, and I'm like, what, what? You know, as as groundbreaking yeah. or as mind blowing as it was for you, Ayers, I it was disappointing for me. Oh because, no, from a story point of view, it was certainly disappointing. I'm just saying that. You know, if you're somebody who's really into film and like, you know, like to go back and watch the early work of certain directors and stuff Mm -hmm. like this is one of those movies that still holds some ground just because of the fact that it was Fincher's first movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to go back and watch. And granted, it's been a long time since I've read up on this and stuff, and I could be wrong, but I do believe he fought with the studio a lot on this. Mm -hmm. That, you know, they weren't entirely behind his vision for the movie. It was, right. it was a very uh, fraught set, you know. And I mm. think that the studio stepped in and kind of did some stuff on their own at the end. If yes. I remember correctly, yeah. I could be wrong on this, but well, because I... it was a first-time visionary director being attached to what was supposed to be a big studio franchise movie. You know, because they Fox had huge expectations for this. This was a tentpole right. event for them, and he's delivering something that. Wait, you're killing off Sigourney Weaver at the end. This is not like what we had in mind. How yeah. how are we going to do the fourth movie if she's not around? Well, I remember the uh, the trailer for the movie. The first trailers, they were substantially different 
um, than uh, the final movie. And I, if I remember correctly, there's actually scenes in the first trailer that are not compatible with the storyline. So obviously the storyline changed while they were filming. Huh. I never, I never thought about that or never knew that. Um, but guys, so far we've been, um, we, we've really kind of come to a lot of third movies that we don't necessarily care for. Um, I'd like to talk about some that we do like, some Let's that actually, some that do it well. Are you saying Captain America, Shaz? I'm is saying Captain America three, Civil War, Civil War. Yeah. So let's just do the MC. Let's dive into MCU thirds here. This was a whole right. subcategory for me. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with Captain. We'll start with Captain America: Civil War. I mean, that is one of those movies that I didn't think could work, and I really came away enjoying it. The Caps mm-hmm. are all amazing movies. Yes, agreed. Yeah, agreed. They don't miss a beat from the beginning. The the first one I saw was the first Marvel movie I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. Everybody, my whole family's out of town. As soon as the kids get back, I said, "We're going to go watch a movie. Y'all are going <laughs> to love it." Mm-hmm. Went crazy for it. And then Winter Soldier comes out. It's great. But but Civil War is the movie we needed. And it was more, and it was an Avengers movie, not just a Captain America yeah. movie. Right, yeah. But it is who Captain America is. Mm-hmm. And he takes the Captain America side. Mm-hmm. You know, they have done that character so well throughout this, this, this whole Marvel Studios universe. Mm-hmm. It is exactly who Captain America always was in my mind anyway. Yeah. Well, Chris Evans plays him so well. Oh, he does. And the thing about Civil War, you know, we talked about with Batman and Spider-Man and some of these other movies where, at World's End even, where everything's so big and spectacle. And this one's big for for a one-man movie. This one starts huge, Uh and it funnels down to, by the end, you've got Captain America and Iron Man. That's an excellent... It boils Mm -hmm. down to those two players. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and after having spent at that point eight years, you know, with Iron Man yeah. and and almost that much with Cap, and seeing them together through two movies, like it was, if you remember, this came out the same year as Batman v Superman. Wow. And wow. And whereas in Batman v Superman, you're just kind of watching it, and you don't care that they're fighting here. It hurt. Right. Yeah. It, it hurts you as a fan of these characters to see them at odds, to see them fighting, coming to blows. Over over what went down, and and then as as Cap walks away, and Tony says, "That's not your shield. That's not you know." My dad made that you know, and Cap just drops it and continues to walk away, and um, it, which goes to a, a whole other thing about you know that even got brought up by Batroc the Leaper and Winter Soldier. I thought you were more than just a man with a shield, you uh-huh. know. And so Cap leaves, proving he's more than just a man with a shield, and and going into hiding. It's really a depressing ending. That opens the door for where we end up in in Infinity War, right? You know, and but it's not a depressing ending because the end of the movie is is Cap on the raft, yeah, with yeah, with the you know starting the secret event. That's right, right. You know, it, yeah, you're right, and and also Cap leaves the message for Tony with the phone. I'm always, I'm just a phone call. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But see, that is who Captain it, America is. It left the hope. The yeah, it left so the hope. So while Tony is feeling betrayed because Cap knew that Winter Soldier killed his parents, you know, Cap does, Cap understands that and is still like, you're still my friend. I'm still there for you if you ever need me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's it, I I was so uplifted by the end of it, especially when he shows up at the raft to like rescue right. all of them too. Yeah. It's like yeah. yes, Secret yeah. Avengers. Yeah, that's some. It is yeah. some cool stuff. It it really is, and um, it's it it's one of the better of the third. Well, I don't know. To me, there's there's a list here of of all the three third MCU movies we've gotten so far. Iron Man three being the first. Yeah, uh, to cap off a trilogy of MCU movies, and Iron Man three, I still to this day have mixed emotions about. So do I. Yeah, it, I thought what they did with uh, with the Mandarin was brilliant, but the movie as a whole, just especially because it was Shane Black that wrote and directed it, mm-hmm. I had super high expectations for it, mm-hmm. and was just. It still doesn't live up to to what I my hopes for it. But then again, the second Iron Man movie didn't work for me either. Huh? Yeah, I don't think you're alone in the second Iron mm-hmm. Man movie not working for you. I I enjoy the second Iron Man movie, but I also it's another one of those things where I recognize the flaw of they were trying they used it too much as a vehicle to begin to pull everything together. Uh, you know, Iron Man two right. really does set the table to get to Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Iron Man 3, you had this opportunity to really bring Tony back around and do this great thing and have you know another Tony Stark-centric movie. And it got a little big. I mean, it's one of those things where it did get a little big. But also, mm-hmm. I, I really dug it. And, and what ruined it for me, Eris, is exactly what you liked, is I didn't like the Mandarin twist. I thought, yeah. I thought that the character that... Ben Kingsley was playing as the Mandarin, the character that the character was playing was so sinister and so scary. Whereas the Mandarin in the comics was never a big deal to me. I'm like, all right, so he's got 10 rings that he can use. Yeah. But to, but to have him and that just, I'm going to teach you another lesson, Mr. President, you know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is freaky. This is scary. This is real. You know, this is, this is a real threat to Iron Man. And then the way they do, I mean, like they brought him down to his lowest point and then it's like, Oh no 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 no! I'm fine. I'm what's his name? Doug or something like that? You know? I'm just <laughs> yeah. I'm mm-hmm. an actor. Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. <laughs> I'm Trevor. Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. Yeah, there you go. I'm an actor, uh, uh, just playing a role. You know? Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, and then the aim thing. I love the aim was involved. You know? But we never got to see any beehive suits. I'm kidding there, by the way. Um, <laughs> but it's just I don't know. Like I still have mixed emotions about it. But I I, I also feel like Tony Stark was almost more Tony Stark in that movie than he was in Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do feel like we had a, you you have a good progression with the character. He's suffering from the PTSD stuff from literally taking a nuke into outer space and barely making it back alive. You have, um, you have him putting on the tough facade with the kid, you know, he's there and, yeah. you know, he's I got all those that. great one-liners. Part mm-hmm. of and, and then at the end, the realization of, I don't need this. There's modern medicine and I can let go of this, but I am, well, you know, you know, it's like, it, it's yeah. Iron Man is who he is, not the suit he puts on and that sort of thing. And so I thought it was a real cool realization and that falling between Avengers and age of Ultron began a procession of a, kind of breaking those, those characters down to wonder mm-hmm. how they're going to get back together in Ultron or, or where they're going to be at as a team in Ultron. And it led to the, 
you know, his motivations in Ultron to bring right, to right. bring about that. So it really did work as a as a standalone film in some ways, but it worked even more as that extra piece to the puzzle hmm. in others, which has been one of the little bit of the flaws of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is sometimes they focus too much on the bigger picture with, with these movies sometimes. Right. I just ran my mouth a lot. I'm sorry, guys. Go for it. No, it's oh, all great okay. stuff. Um, uh, I liked all three Iron Man movies. Um, I liked them uh, because of uh, Robert Downey Jr. and the good guy casts. None of the villains in the three movies ever really grabbed me. So it's kind of like I love the rest of the movie, but I just kind of um, overlooked the villains. Um, but still, you know, the rest of the movie's good. Uh, one interesting tidbit factoid from that third movie is that kid that helps him. I, I forget his name. He's actually in the cast list uh, for the next Avengers movie. So I don't know whether he's what? just a background character or going he's to play someone significant. But he's he's supposed to be in the, in the next movie. He's going to be key. You think he's so? He's going to have to be. I mean, here he uh, is. He's, you know, he's been spurred on to become a, a, an engineer, a scientist. Right, you know, right. this is gonna. He's gonna be a, a a key player in whatever happens in this next movie. I didn't realize he was gonna be in it. That's great. I yeah, always that, felt like they were setting that kid up for something. Yeah, that was my thought. I'm trying to find his name now to see if anything sticks out to me, but he. Um, I mean, it could just be a flashback of some sort, though. That's not a flashback. You don't think so? They don't do flashbacks in Star Wars. Oh, wait, sorry. Tony's stuck in space, so he's on a ship that's not functioning. So he's going to need somebody to help him. So that was my thought. He's got Nebula with him. Yeah, we've got that. We we did see the quick shot. We had the Super Bowl trailer. Mm -hmm. You see the two of them working on something together. Yeah. Yeah, but he's, he thinks he's going to die. So my assumption was when right. he made that message um, to uh, Pepper that he's not going to last much longer, that the Nebula's got to be on the ship with him because they end the movie on the planet together. So I, I assume they got in the ship, take off, and get stuck. Well, I mean, that's that's what I assume. I assume Captain Marvel's going to be the one to rescue that, That's what I back, assume. And just basically give him a toe back to Earth. On, You've got on a her way to Earth is going to come across you got plenty of people in space to be able to get him. Think who, about it. Who else? Silver mm. Surfer. <laughs> I wish. Anyhow. Silver Surfer. Anyway. Just real quick, did you guys check out that link to the website I sent you today? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The Captain Marvel. Did you notice the Easter egg in the URL? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I.Anile.us. Annihilus. Yep. Oh, nice. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So do you think they could be holding off an Annihilation wave or? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, if Annihilus is coming over from the Dern... I mean, wasn't Negative on song. our last Patreon show that we were speculating how, like, the the FF might get worked into this or something? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I just, I, you know, it's a, it looks to be an official website for the mm. Captain Marvel movie, even though it's designed yeah. to look like a website from the 90s. Yeah, I love how it looks like a GeoCities yeah. website or something, you yeah. know, that, like, right. the way they used to be just kind of thrown together. And uh, and there's a woman that keeps popping up. If you click on her, you can punch her. She's a scroll. Right. Oh, She's nice. the old lady scroll on the bus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, Iron Man three. We've talked Civil War, 
And then there's Thor Ragnarok, um, mm. which every, that's my favorite. My yeah. favorite Thor movie. Really? Wow. Yeah. Hands down. So good. I wow. love it to death. What do you think, Chess? Oh, I, I like it. I don't hear many people saying that it's their favorite. I, I really, I feel like people, that's the consent, oh, the general yeah. consensus Man, amongst I, I, the people I talk to. It's like oh, it's just it's, that's not a Thor movie. You know, the first first Thor movie had its own feel. Dark World mm-hmm. was uh, you might be able to connect the two, and then you get to Ragnarok, and it's like, well, maybe none of these three have the same feel. I, well, I I disagree with that a little bit. Ragnarok was a complete diversion from what had come before the other two movies. It really right. was. It was a Guardians. Thor and Thor the Dark influence. World kind of flowed. They they had very much a similar feel and, and, they do and, and humor they, and that sort of yeah. thing. Is there that much humor in Dark World? Yeah. With yeah. Darcy and everything? Oh, no, yeah. Dark World, oh, yeah. yeah. There it, is a little bit. It is, but it's but, such a dark movie. It's kind of... Yeah. You kind of... I mean, to watch Padme, you know, turn all crazy girl in it well she didn't turn crazy girl well she, she just went had... black eyed you know well yeah but i mean that's just that because was, of the it ether. was dark sure it was i mean um, that was that was I, the dark I, of it my, my issue with dark world was you had the, this great actor christopher eccleston yeah and he's just pretty much wasted as malekith well it's the same yeah. thing it, yeah but anyone could have been under that makeup and played that character with you know yeah, yeah and right and you take uh it's the same problem you had in the first transformers with um uh, Agent Smith being Megatron, it's like uh, they put so much processing on his voice and everything. Why not just use Frank Welker, uh, right? Uh, the original Megatron. What's wrong? I didn't even realize that that's who was exactly. Doing that. Wow. Exactly. No, I had no idea. And so when you get to when you get to Thor Ragnarok, for me, I also I it's not my favorite. I, I love it. I love Thor Ragnarok. I love. Oh, the I, Hulk think it's a, I think it's in a lot Thor of fun. Ragnarok. Yep. But I do think it was such a sharp diversion from what had been and and there was a little bit of it that felt like the studio kind of like well we got to make it as much like guardians as possible and and but the, my problem is, is i watch it i know all that mentally but emotionally i'm like i love this movie so much well, you know well, what right. I mean? that's exactly yeah. how we came out of the movie yeah. we we're all pumped up mm. but i so much liked the 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 style of thor the yeah. first first yeah. one that it was just mm-hmm. It seems like a huge departure, but mm-hmm. then again, yeah. this situation is a huge departure. Mm-hmm. Look at where he is. Look at what's yeah. going on. But right. I do love it whenever he catches up to Loki. There's so much, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah. and there's so much. There's so much in it when they end up in space and everything. There's so many designs that are just like Z- Jack Kirby esque that right. just seem like they came right off the page. These again, are comic books. Again, I love yes. Books. Again, I love the Hulk in this. I love that the Hulk is talking like he used mm-hmm. to in the comics. I love I, I, there was so much I loved about it that like I say, there's a lot of things mentally I can be critical of, but I feel so much joy watching that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that that I absolutely that I just love it. Well, I, and some people were saying, you know, it's it's too colorful. It's too colorful. It's like we had a rainbow bridge. Thor has <laughs> always been colorful. I remember my my only Thor comic whenever I was a kid had a pink cover. I mean, Thor is a colorful comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, the Rainbow Dark Bridge. Dark World just brought it down. The Rainbow Bridge of yes, Asgard. I exactly. mean, come on. Yeah. Dark World was, it was the second, it was, you know, I mean, they were obviously going for the second act in the trilogy, yep, but also yep, yep. Right. with Dark World happening between, again, it's one of those things between the Avengers and Age of Ultron, you had to put Thor on a path to say, 
what's this character going to be in Ultron? You know, mm-hmm. this Infinity Stone has shown up. He's going through all this stuff. And so when you get to Ultron, Thor is not only concerned with getting that staff back, but he also has on his mind those Infinity Stones so that he ends up doing the whole vision with the Norns in, in Age of Ultron that leads right. to him leaving altogether, saying, i got to go see what this is about. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, which leads which plants us firmly in Ragnarok, Ragnarok, where he's like, I've been I've been going on chasing these stones. That didn't turn up much. You know, so now I'm here I am, you know, but I'm a hero, and that's what heroes do. Wait a minute, that well, should have been more dramatic. And the other, you know, I brought this up just a few minutes ago. Piss off, Ghost. Why can't we get the, you know, the little James Bond openings and these, and we actually got that in Ragnarok? We yeah. did, but it comes back around. Like, it does come back around, yeah. but there was no – we didn't have to deal with the whole backstory. And we just know right. he's a bad guy. We know his thing is that one day he will destroy Asgard and stuff, and that's mm-hmm. enough. Right. You know, we didn't need all this other stuff with him. No, you're right. I, I mean, that's the thing. It's like you, you don't need you don't need some story. You don't need something like – as you said it, he, he doesn't – have to have to have a, some tragedy. He's just an evil dude that's going to destroy Asgard, and he and the way you stop him is to knock that helmet off. And so, <laughs> I was like, "That's a helmet." I thought that was your head. It's a helmet, you know. And I do feel like in that scene there was a little much comedy. I feel like he he spinning around twice was too much. Like I've talked, I broke it, but again. Led Zeppelin kicks in and I don't care. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's that's the whole thing. And then at the end, Led Zeppelin kicks in again. I don't care. I mean, I'm like, mm. I love it. I love everything that's going on. I hate that Mjolnir was, you know, all crushed, crushed up. But right. man. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, but I love when he just puts Mjolnir in the dragon's mouth. Yes. And the dragon can't move. Yes. Yes. Right. So good. Well, and so that's good. and that's the thing. It's like there's so much that's good about that movie. And with Mjolnir yeah. there in that opening shot... And this is one of the things Taika Waititi said. He's like, you know, I wanted, knowing what was going to happen, I wanted to give Mjolnir a moment to shine. I wanted to give it its oh, time yeah, to shine. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. you end up becoming attached to a hammer. That's those Marvel movies. Yeah. I like a tree. I like a <laughs> raccoon. I like an ant, for crying out loud. And now I like a hammer? I'm going to be upset when a hammer gets destroyed? <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in just all the Marvel movies combined is in the second Thor movie where he just jumps off the balcony and catches Mjolnir as it flies yes. by. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, for I sure. I love that moment. Yeah. That's the thing is, is I liked all three of the Thor movies. I really did like the Dark World. And and Adam, you mentioned earlier with the Iron Man movies, none of the villains really tickled your fancy. And that's right. been a, that's been a criticism for most of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. is that the villains have fallen short, you know, but the heroes have been taken, but people have fallen in love with the heroes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing, you know, cause we mentioned Tim Burton earlier, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about the villains with his, with his Batman movies. That's yeah. true. That's and, true. and, and there's this obsession well, with, with all the Batman movies. It's been all about the villain. <laughs> that's the, a good point. And there's a, there's been this obsession in comic book fandom and in pop culture to really obsess over and make villains, more relatable and it's mm-hmm. like why not make the heroes relatable and they do that in these movies you know they, they make do. They, they do exactly what they, stan and jack did back in the day captain america red skull yeah. you don't relate to right you relate to captain america right yeah. winter soldier right. it's iffy because you've already known him right but you're right. also rooting for captain america in that <clears throat> yeah to, mm-hmm. to yeah. bring him back you know the, gosh look yeah we're not talking second movies but winter soldier 
I walked out of that movie theater and it usurped Superman <laughs> 2 as my favorite what? superhero sequel of all really? time. Really? Yes. Oh. I love Winter Soldier. Yeah. You mean you like Superman 2 better than Superman 3? No, I'm saying I like Super. I'm, I'm saying I like Winter Soldier better. I like Superman too. Yeah, but now Superman three is awesome. Molded plastic <laughs> chairs. Anyhow, before we get into that, Infinity well, War. But we- that said, though, about the heroes, to borrow your hashtag, Steve. Mm-hmm. Hashtag hot for Hella. Well, now come on. I, listen, we don't <laughs> yeah. bring that up. My wife is listening, Adam. <laughs> this was early on in our relationship, and I still have that brought up to me. We hadn't even, we barely started dating, and I still have that brought up to me. I don't need that tonight, sir. <laughs> Sorry. This is why I avoid I'll social media. Hashtag then. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Hella. Kate Blanchett all the way. She's Hella hot. Mm. She is. Yeah, she's awesome. I, I did, and I liked her character in this too. I mean, she's just positively evil, and she didn't get into I don't all her daddy like issues. Evil people. Well, what I mean is, is it's like you want to see them defeated. Oh, she's I got deliciously you. evil. Yeah, stuff. Well, careful now. Anyhow, you you want to see her and defeated? I'd, and I'd love that she's defeated by something that's even more evil than her, and his sole purpose is to take away the thing that she really wants, which is Asgard. I'm right glad. Now. Hey guys, I'm so happy to announce right now. I'm going to be going to a Luke Combs concert on Friday, July 12th. Uh, I'm so excited to take my wife to that because I love my wife. And where and where, so where where is this? It's <laughs> going to be in Atlanta at the Merritt's Banks Amphitheater in Alpharetta. So I just want everyone to know I love my wife. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have to put a bumper sticker on his truck now. this is this is when adam brings that up that's the emojis i get on my phone <laughs> the face the face palm and the eye roll <laughs> so but uh, yeah and that brings us to infinity war and really one of the better outside of loki i think one of the better villains of the marvel cinematic universe is thanos i'm not sure yeah. what's going on with infinity war at all <laughs> i'm completely at a loss you mean with the end game you're talking about no, um, I'm not sure what's going on with Banner. I'm not sure what's going oh, on yeah, with Loki. Yeah, yeah. I am confused about the whole movie at this point. All I know is Ant-Man's going to save the day. <laughs> That's Which, it. I can't wait for the third Ant-Man movie. I've liked both of those. But... I just want to hear more <laughs> stories as told by... What's his friend's name? Oh, my gosh. Um, give me a minute. Oh, uh, Ant-Man's? Yeah, friends? yeah. Yeah, the, the Carlos Pena character? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Michael Pena. Oh, Michael Pena, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the the Infinity War, and I've said this, and I've talked about it recently. Y'all, first of all, let me just say, Marvel Cinematic Universe is my fandom that I have just been totally sold out to lately, yeah. as far oh, as fandom same goes. Same with me. Um, more, yeah. so than, more so than anything. Star yes. Wars, all of it. Yeah. 100% agree. I'm completely 100% in on MCU. Avengers hits mm-hmm. hard. Luis is an A. But Avengers Infinity War, I mean, like, it was everything promised from the moment Thanos turned around and smiled during the credits of, of the first Avengers movie. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's as if Age of Ultron was not such it a big deal. It was nothing, yeah. And you, yeah. you, you show up to this. Mm-hmm. This comes out. We, we still don't have Age of Ultron on Blu-ray. Really? I was looking through our, our disc. I was like, how in the world do we not have it? And, and we're all just like, yeah. And again, it. I'm one of those weirdos. I like Age of Ultron. Hey, but compared to Infinity oh, War, no, I mean, it's no a comparison. whole different world. Yeah, there's no comparison. Different. During your break, 
earlier you were playing rubber man and it just yep. instantly had me thinking of that shot in infinity war where the guardians come yes. flying in. Yeah. Yes. And they're, and you know, just going through as you know, uh, star Lord and Gamora are singing the song. It's just so much. I love, I've, I, I think I've seen infinity war easily 20 times now. I wish I had. Uh, it's just wow. something that I will just put on. It's one of the few movies that I've bought digitally. Mm-hmm. And I will just put it on in the background while I'm like cleaning the apartment or whatever. You know, I just love it so much. And I cannot wait to see what they're going to do in Endgame. I don't want to know. I don't want any spoilers. That's me. Basically, I don't need to see another trailer for it. Like, I am there. And this talk that it's like three, three and a half hours long, bring it. Bring it on. It be, exactly. It could be 12 hours long and I would be t- <laughs> tickled pink. Well, I, the, the, thing, the thing about it is, is I'm like you, Ayers. I, I don't want any spoilers. I don't need any more trailers. And what I do like is Kevin Feige has said the trailers that we do get, there's nothing beyond the first 15 minutes of the movie they're showing. Yeah, they're not showing us anything. They're not showing us anything that? that like we couldn't have pieced together wow. ourselves. Well, yeah, that's true. That's awesome. And I loved it in the Super Bowl trailer. <laughs> it makes it look like like six months to a year has passed mm-hmm. yeah. on Earth. You know, there's support groups and like just desolation and like just what would the Earth look like if instantly half the population of everything just disappeared? I was going to say, or the whole galaxy, really. Yeah. The whole universe, guys. The whole yeah. universe. universe. I know, but I mean, we're seeing like... We're know, seeing it we're from where we... Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 yeah, right. Statue of Liberty with just boats like all piled up around the island and stuff. So I'm just like, oh, I cannot wait for... That. I mean, I'm crazy excited to see Captain Marvel because I want to see what that's going to build up and possibly tease. Wait a second. When is Captain Marvel out? In March. In March. Oh, that's before March Infinity yeah. War. Yeah. Right. I don't know why I was thinking this. Oh, Spider-Man's later. Sorry. Spider-Man's later. Yeah. yeah. Captain Marvel is the lead into yeah. Infinity War. Hmm. It's one month away. When is Shazam? It is. It is. Since I've already got tickets for the family. What's that? Show? When is Shazam? When is Shazam? Since we're talking about Captain Marvel. Shazam's in April or May, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's further on closer to the yeah. summer. Man, oh man. Yeah, it's going to be a fun fun year for superhero movies. So. It'll be marvelous. Um, Shaz, I know you've got to... I'm fixing to roll, man. I've Shaz been packing been, up my Shaz stuff has been packing here. up real slow. And, and, and I hate to, hate to disappear on this. Any other third installment? I, I heard you play it earlier. I'm so happy that it actually exists. you got to play his theme song before he rolls out. <laughs> <laughs> really? He's leaves my Please. house. <laughs> I'm out your door. <laughs> <laughs> He's out the door. Let me see if I can find that. Where'd that go to? Where is the... I don't know, but wh- whatever you do, you got to remember Adam's number in the future. Ah, yeah. Adam, have you heard Shaz's he Drawn Names to Kill? No. Yes, Oh, that song. That's awesome. Oh, man, I'd forgotten all about that one. We haven't played that in a while. Did you want did you want Thrawn Names to Kill or did you want the Shaz Bazaar song? I wanted the Shaz Bazaar oh, okay. song. Okay, yeah. So are you out, my friend? I am out. Okay, well then let's uh let we'll play you out here. Shaz, thank you so much for spending all this time with us today, man. It's a good day. Hey, don't forget to, to donate. We uh last I checked it was three thousand three hundred fifty. Three fifty? Thirty three fifty? Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. Yeah. 
Shaz Bazaar? Shaz Bazaar. Crazy. He's driving me crazy every time, every time, every time. Every time Steve looks around. Every time I look around. Every time Steve looks around. Every time I look around. Every time Steve looks around. He's I'm out, out my door. door. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Shaz. I'm out, man. Good talking to you, Adam and uh, Eric. Yeah, you too. And maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see you in a brief trip to. Uh, Chicago, Chicago. I hope to see you there, my I friend. So. Techno Retro Dads with Shaz Bazaar and Jedi Schwa every Monday. Right? Does it come out Almost Mondays? Almost every Monday. Yeah. Uh, so find it on iTunes and wherever you download podcasts. Techno Retro Dads is the is the show that Geek Out Loud wishes it was. Time Shaz after time Bazaar. and Ewoks Shaz this Bazaar. Monday. Time after time and Ewoks. <laughs> As in like time after time. Whoa! Yeah, sort of. Okay. A little bit of Sark, a little bit of uh, uh, Malcolm McDowell Soren. Soren. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. Good Good night, guys. Keep it going. Thanks, Shaz. Take care. Good night. All right. Shaz is going to finish packing up there, and uh, we'll continue on. Guys, where, where else do we go from here? I mean, like, I hate to go back negative with, with number three movies after we've Return of the Jedi. had such a good time. Oh, yeah. Return of the Jedi. Does it get better? Well, than how, how much time do we have? We have as much time as you want. I have to be. I have to do Disney Vault Talk around seven thirty Eastern, six thirty oh, okay. Central. All right. So we literally do, I do have too, five. But then I just got a text. Well, do we want to save Star Wars for the end? Uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, like, um, Let, let's close off our hard acts to follow real quick. Okay. Just to get okay. some of the sure negativity thing. out of the way. And okay. then we'll talk about the fun stuff. Um, so let's let's say Godfather 3. Now, this is one that I don't have the emotional attachment to that I know other people do. I don't think anybody the, does. I mean, yeah, like as far as I mean, as far as I mean, as far as the franchise goes. Um, I like God. I understand how good Godfather is, and I understand how epic Godfather 2 is, but I've only seen those movies sincerely one time. And so when I watch Godfather 3, I'm like, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Right. But I also watch them pretty much back to back within days of each, each other. I think I did too. I probably saw them on a marathon um, back when they were on TV years and years ago. Now, straight up, Godfather 3 is a money grab, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Shaz is still yeah. playing with my Millennium Falcon, guys, before he walks out the door. <laughs> See you, man. Be safe. Drive careful. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I think the, well, the famous line from the movie that I think kind of sums up, it sums the movie itself up is, every time I get out, they pull me back in. Yes, you know, yeah. And that kind of sums up just godfather three to begin with it wasn't a movie that we necessarily needed right well i mean you know that and i guess that comes down to a lot of these sometimes is like did we did we need the next thing you know you because like we talked alien three earlier with aliens mm -hmm. you could have left it to your imagination they're safe yeah. they're getting away you know and everything's going to be okay um, well, I think Matrix is a perfect example of that too. Well, it didn't need right. to be a trilogy. No, no. Well, Matrix no, didn't need. Yeah, Matrix just needed that one movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it just got so messy, convoluted with the second, right. and third one that was 
Yeah, I still have a hard time figuring out exactly what's going on in those. Yeah. Doesn't Agent Smith just eat everything? Isn't that the <laughs> Isn't that the whole Kinda. point? Like he's like I'm going to eat it all and become it all. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not great. It, it's it, no. and and the second one didn't do, like it it was so funny again like you're right a tough act to follow the matrix groundbreaking film groundbreaking um and then i feel like they tried too hard with the story i mean i don't mm-hmm. i you know you always want a good story but i feel like they tried too hard with the story yeah and it just got it got like with the architect and stuff like that. It just started getting weird. Like, what exactly is going on? Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some great action set pieces in the second and third one. The second one had that awesome uh, chase sequence on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one obviously had the huge, big battle sequence at the end. But even that just got like so crazy over the top. With, you know, the the mech guys, like their robot things and stuff, and like a billion of those octopus spider squid things attacking. Blind Neo. Yeah, and then, and then you know, Jesus Neo at the end. Yep. You know, it just, yeah, it, it was just, it became this thing where, where I feel like they were trying too hard to tell a story. And and almost like they they almost got too self important in their storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. It um, was wholly unnecessary. They, I didn't want to know anything more than what I was left with after the first movie. I wasn't curious. Yeah, I agree. I guess so. I mean, I guess you know, had it been a straight up war between the machines and humanity, you might have delved too much into Terminator area there or something. I but it just seems like. Yeah, there's not much more I needed to know. His speech on the phone at the end was work, you know, work for me. It's like, okay, we're going to win this thing and he's the one and he's got it. He's got But they're also are they not talking about putting out more Matrix films? Yeah, periodically there's there's word about another, but I don't know if it's ever gotten real serious or not. I I, I don't think it'll be with the Wachowskis. I think they're both done making movies. Mm. Well, I think I read something a few months ago that they were both basically finished. Well, and and I think that's not. I don't think we need more Matrix movies. No, I don't mm. think so. Either. I don't think we need any more matrices, as it were. No. Yeah. Um, what about but you? You brought up Terminator, right. so let's just go into Rise of the Machines. Oh wow, this was a tough one. <laughs> this one, to me, guys, is is aside from Arnold. At this point, you know, the age was starting to show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they tried, it was, they were trying, it felt like to retread a little bit of Terminator 2. Um, and then the ending was just, it, uh, we, we got drilled into us, no fate, but what we make, mm-hmm. you know, and, but no, there is no, there apparently is, you know, and, and it, and to me, it suffered from the same thing as Alien 3. It's like, mm-hmm. the whole point is stopping this. The whole point is stopping this. And then for him to be like, I guess I'm in charge. It's like, that's not... What? Come on. Was this the the one with the CG Arnold at the end? No. No, that no, was Terminator that was Salvation. The, uh, that was Salvation. Mm-hmm. That was the Christian oh, okay. Bale one. This, this was the one, the one with the female, the, the female Terminator. Terminator. Oh, I forgot about that one. You know, it basically, it's uh, it's 
John Connor. Uh, oh, and he's up. Okay. It was Nick Stahl playing John Connor. Like they go to a bunker at the end. Or yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I forgot about that movie. <laughs> I, I will say this one has the, the, the action piece in this one with the crane and the fire truck mm, was yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was really, really good. And one of the things I loved about <laughs> what, sorry, I got, Naked Gun 33 and a third on and the credits are rolling. And speaking, of third, cre- speaking of third movies. Yeah, one of the credits <laughs> just came up, Kung Fu Grip, and then G.I. Joe written next no. to it. Made me, <laughs> just nice. made me laugh. Um, but the thing I loved about this third movie was that they actually gave Arnold's Terminator mass. You know, he was just this big, huge, heavy thing. You know, so like, you know, when he'd get hit by something like it just the thing would crush on him instead of him moving. Mm. And I thought that that was kind of interesting that we hadn't seen in the first two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's such like a minor little thing in the grand scheme of things. Now, the interesting thing is that the new Terminator movie coming out. Because in this one, Linda Hamilton's character is dead. But the new one that's coming out, she's alive. So I think that they're doing something with the new one because the new one also has Cameron involved again, Mm. whereas he wasn't involved in this third one. Um, I think that they're just kind of ignoring the fact that this third movie and then the the stuff after this one happened. But they, they, Uh. I mean, they started ignoring the third movie with the TV show. The Sarah yeah. Connor Chronicles. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, they would give a little hint or a nod to something here and there, but ultimately, like, it was admitted, yeah, we're just ignoring the third movie. Um, which I guess if you're dealing in time travel, you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, which reminds me, I just last night saw a headline, and it could just be clickbait trash. Um, the Cameron was hinting he's involved with another alien movie project coming up. So, which only made sense to me if Disney's buying Fox and Disney has um, the relationship with Cameron and Avatar for their parks. So. But if he's involved in Alien, it's just on a it, it's on a periphery level because yeah. he's full on into his next two Avatar movies at this right. point. That's true. Yeah, and I, I'm afraid that, that Avatar 3 may be one of those things we, we would include in, in the more negative end of a discussion <laughs> one of these days yeah. amongst all this. Um, continuing with the hard act to follow stuff, uh, uh, I'm surprised you had Army of Darkness here, Evil Dead Army of Darkness, uh, Erish. I, I thought that was a – I've never seen it. I've only seen the first Evil Dead, and it scared me, and I don't want to watch anymore. But I thought that was really well-received and kind of kicked that franchise into high gear as far as being able to have, like, your Ash versus the Evil Dead TV show and everything else that's come back around the past in the recent years. But Ash versus Evil Dead and all that stuff came out decades after Army of Darkness. So Army of Darkness didn't necessarily kick anything. At well, well what I mean is... is and, and, and I'm not saying... Uh, the reason why I have it in a hard act to follow is because I think Evil Dead 2 is just one of those seminal horror movies. Right. You know, I think that when you talk horror movies, like do a best of list, 
it's always in, you know, the top five, 10, 15 or so. Mm-hmm. And so you have army of darkness come, come out. And I, I saw army of darkness in the theater. Um, I'm not really a horror fan and I don't think that army of darkness is necessarily a horror movie. Well, that's it was what... more action, adventure, fantasy mm-hmm. stuff. And that's what I was going to say. I guess that's what I meant to qualify my statement is this kind of changed the whole tone of the yeah. franchise so that years down the road, you've got Ash versus the evil dead and you've got, you know, I, I, it kind of solidified him with that, you know, chainsaw on his arm is almost an iconic character in pop culture in some ways, at least sub pop culture. Yeah. Pop subculture. I should say, give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> I don't hell, to, hell to the King. I don't know that reference. Um, <laughs> so, but I do remember those previews back in the late eighties, you know, and everything. And, um, and, and it's a fun movie. It's a good movie. Is it as good as Evil Dead 2? No. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got. Adam, do you, are you into the Evil Dead stuff? I, that's that's just not what I've... I'm, I'm really not. I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know which one's which. Yeah. Um, they kind of run together. Yeah. Well, I think Evil Dead 2 is kind of a remake of Evil Dead 1. Right. I, I think okay. they're basically the same story they just had a little bit more money for the second one that again i could be wrong i'm not a horror aficionado so i apologize if i'm mistaking that then evil dead 3 actually had some studio money behind it and was a little bit more grand but had a more fantasy kind of story to it you know Mm. you get sucked into this other dimension that's like medieval and kind of like a kid in King Arthur's court sort of vibe to it. Okay. You know, he's the outsider <laughs> with, the, with the shotgun, the boomstick, mm-hmm. you know, that is now all of a sudden in this medieval castle and has to help them fight off, like, this other army that has this dark force behind it. Um, I'm, trying, looking, I'm looking through here. Blade Trinity. I don't – I've seen Blade Trinity, like, once. So Blade Trinity was obviously the third movie. This is the one that had Triple H. I was going to say, was this Triple H's movie? And had um, uh, uh, the guy who plays Deadpool, Vance City Reynolds. Uh, what's Ryan, his name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. And um, and uh, oh, who was the girl? Uh, she's married to Justin Timberlake. Um. Can't Jessica Beale? Is that her name? Yes, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so the two of them were in it, and they played the vampire hunters that wound up teaming up with him. This is the one where, like, the vampires get a virus and their faces open up and they eat people and stuff? Oh, that was the second one. Oh, that was the second that was one. the okay. Guillermo del Toro one. Okay. I know I've seen this one. Yeah, and, and, and again, hard act to follow because... That second Blade movie directed by Del Toro is fantastic. Mm-hmm. See, you know, I it, don't like the first two Blade movies. I think are really good. That for, the, yeah. the one I remember most is the first Blade movie. Yeah, it, it had one of my favorite movie moments in cinematic history when uh, he slices Deacon in half, and Deacon pulls himself back together, and Wesley Snipes just mouths "WTF." Right. I just, oh yeah. <laughs> I just popped at that so hard when I saw that happen. I'm like, that is a great moment. And I don't remember two. I may not have seen two. 
the second one has the moment where Wesley comes out of the big pool of blood at the end and and Whistler throws his sunglasses to him and he catches them out of midair and then just puts them on. And it's like, ah, Blade's back. Oh, no, I don't think that's I've like seen... that's a quintessential Blade moment. If I've seen two again, I've only seen it like the one time as well as like Blade three, I guess. And, and the second one really established the whole notion of, um, you know, when he would kill the vampires, they would like just disintegrate into like into glowing ash. Mm-hmm. And that was like a new thing to it. That was something that Del Toro brought to it. Um, but um, the third movie, uh, you know, it, the, the the Triple H thing was kind of fun just to see him playing the bad guy right. vampire. And yeah. he wasn't even the main bad guy. I think it was Dracula that they brought back. Oh, wow. Like full on Dracula. Yeah. Um, and it's the guy from it's the guy from Legends of Tomorrow. And he, he was on The Flash for a while, too, that plays uh, Captain Cold. Oh, okay. No, no, the, not, not Captain Cold. Uh, the other guy with the with the heat gun. Heat wave. Is that his name? Heat wave. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he played Dracula. Okay. The, wow. That's a young dude to be playing, but I guess Dracula's immortal, so it doesn't. So of course he'd be young. I was about to make a really stupid geek statement, guys. I'm glad I stopped myself. I, I almost said Dracula. That's too young to be Dracula. Like Dracula's going to grow old or some such. Uh, the final <laughs> one you have down here, Erish, is one that I don't know um, that you've ever seen. That I've ever seen, and that's the Hangover Three. Uh, because, I have not seen that either. Because I feel like with Hangover Three, didn't we say all we needed to say in the first Hangover? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And then it was said again in the second one, and. Honestly, right now, I can't even remember the plot for the third one. I bet they got drunk and didn't remember what happened the night before. I think I got drunk and can't remember what happened. (laughs) 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 I'm trying to think. I can't remember the plot for the third one. But the first one made like a gajillion dollars, was a massive hit. The second one did really well. And, of course, you know, we got to turn it into a trilogy. And I just remember it got like it kind of got away from the comedy and became a little bit too serious of a thing. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's all we need to say about the hangover. Okay, well, I've got one more that may fall in. Well, maybe two more that may fall into tough act to follow first. Oh, you're going to bring up Superman three. Okay, well, let's bring up Superman (laughs) three. Because, I, you know, back in the day, Superman 2 was a really well-received sequel to Superman. You know, you had the three villains. You had Superman fighting three people with his powers. It's a great movie, even with the weird stuff like the Cellophane S and the Disappear-Reappear game and, and some of that stuff. But, man, that Battle of Metropolis for a, for a movie made in the late 1970s was wonderful. And, you know, campy, well, there's some campy stuff, yes, but it doesn't get any better than general. Would you care to step outside? After he's had no powers and he comes back. So then Superman 3 shows up, and I remember seeing this in the theater as a, as a little kid, man. And yeah. I, I was stoked mm-hmm. about Superman 3. I was 3. probably like 12 yeah. or 13. Yes, I was stoked. And then Superman's evil, and there's that creepy robot woman? No, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not at all. She scared me as a child. Um, yeah. This this movie, honestly, to me, I'll pick Superman four over Superman three. Because when you compare them, really, Superman four is just as campy, and and the only thing it suffers from worse than Superman three is is the is the effects are are that much worse. But at least in Superman four, you get Lois Lane. Um, and and there tries to be a heart to Superman four. Superman three just feels like they I don't know. It was tried to be a Richard Pryor vehicle, and um, and it got to be a little too funny with Richard Pryor. But I did like I did like the battle in the junkyard, and with the bad Superman versus Clark. But it, yeah, I mean, I it has a special place in my heart just because it's a Superman movie, and I saw it when I was a kid, and I have those memories, but I don't deny that it's not a good film and you compare it to Superman two and it's definitely not. I'll take going on Adam's one bowl of gruel diet for a week over watching either <laughs> three or four again. Oh, well, I haven't seen them since the early 1980s or whenever they came out. Well, four came out in 87, early 87, okay. three, three came out a few years prior to that. I, I think three came out, Oh goodness! Don't hold me to this, but it it had to be eighty three, maybe, um, eighty two or eighty three. And but I, I look, I get it. I I know they're not good movies, but it, just because it's Superman, it has such a special place in my heart. Sure, um, I get that. You know, I get and, that. and and there is some funny stuff by Richard Pryor. When you there's the whole scene, and it's become a bit with my friend Derek and I on some of the shows we did when he's dressed up as a general and he shows up in Smallville and he's like talking about chemicals and plastic and how good it is for everyone. And, and we, 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 and his drunk when he gets drunk and he's trying to do the machine. Yeah. It's some, it's good stuff, but I, I get, you know, like I say, for me, it's mostly nostalgia mm. and, um, and I recognize that. I recognize that. Then the other one got mentioned earlier today uh, tough act to follow. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Yeah. Oh, I was listening to that conversation. I'm <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Adam, I don't know if you know this or not, but I like I like Star Trek Three better than I like Star Trek Two. Oh gosh, the well, Rathcon is the best Trek movie there is. Period. I like. Two or four. I love number four, too. Oh, now four is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's, four was great. It was it was just kind of a flawless movie. And it's, it's the, le- I mean, they're, they're going back in time, but like as far as effects and sci-fi type scenes and stuff, it's probably got less than any of the other movies, but it's just such a great movie with the characters and funny and just, really solid the nuclear vessels the uh yeah the 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 double da on you but star trek 3 for me i just look i'm a star wars kid and wrath of khan moves so slowly you know it, it it's short on the action and you know you come you look i'm sorry Millennium Falcon, X-Wing, <laughs> TIE Fighters, greater than Enterprise versus whatever ship that was that Khan was in going through a nebula. Same thing with uh, Snowspeeders versus Adat Walkers, that kind of thing. And that was my mindset growing up, and it's still kind of a mindset today. Yeah. I and, get that. 
Yeah. And and so, and like I said earlier, you know, you put Doc Brown as a Klingon. I don't know how it gets better than that in Star Trek. <laughs> but see, at the time though, he wasn't Doc Brown yet. He was Reverend Jim from Taxi. That's true. That is true. Yeah. You make a, like, that's a Captain great point. Kirk, you don't want to give me the Genesis device? Okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> That's you make a great point there, by the way. Right. <laughs> Taxi. Uh but yeah, so Star Trek three was was one of those I think is for most people, you know, it suffers from being such a it has a hard act to follow that precedes it. Uh because Wrath of Khan is held in such high regard. Um, well, and you had the big recasting of Savic too. Mm, yeah. Two to three. Um just all everybody playing the Klingons were bad. The the set that they were on for the Genesis planet and it's destroying and stuff was like something out of like a Roger Corman movie, or or the original yeah. Star Trek series. a Roger Corman movie with money. Right, <laughs> a Roger Corman movie with money, not that Fantastic Four mess they do later on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I felt like those kind of might fall under a tough act to follow. Um, we uh. Also, let's see where else are we where else we got here some action ones. We'll hit these. Yeah, let's per- jump into the action franchise. Well, Tokyo Drift. I've never seen. I haven't either. Okay, well then we won't discuss it much. But that's Fast and Furious, right? And it's um, it's generally it, it, it's the one that nobody who likes Fast and Furious likes Tokyo Drift. Um, but interestingly, it's the one that that actually kind of kept hope for the franchise alive because it's it's you know they the first one had vin diesel and paul walker in it then the second one too fast too furious no vin diesel and just focused on paul walker's character Mm. then this third one has neither of them in it um all of a sudden we're in tokyo japan with um i forget the actor's name who's he was like 30 years old and he was playing a teenager in high school. <laughs> um, he's in it. But at the very end of the movie, Vin Diesel shows up for a race. And the fans of the first movie were like, whoa. And then they made Fast and Furious, which was the fourth <laughs> movie. And it became like a, a big surprise hit. Hmm. And then they made Fast Five, which started bringing characters together from the other movies. Brought Han in from Tokyo Drift, who became a fan favorite character. You got Vin Diesel and Paul Walker back. We got Letty back. We got a lot of characters from the first movie back. And Fast Five became this huge heist action picture and just turned the Fast and Furious franchises into what it is today to the point where they're spinning it off with the Hobbs character, the Rocks character that was introduced in Fast Five. So it, you, know, it, you can really kind of go back to Tokyo Drift as the movie that sort of kept the flame alive to turn into this giant global franchise that they have now. Mm. Even though it's the movie that is easily the worst of all of them. You serious, so. Clark? <laughs> I, you really? I mean, I, I remember when this came out. I wasn't a car guy, and honestly, those first two were about living your life one quarter mile at a time. They're all about living your life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, I and thought family. I thought that they got yeah. to be about big heists and stuff. 
that, but it's still like the thrill of the big heist. Mm, okay. You know, but they've really become about family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what about, uh, let's see, we, we go, Born Ultimatum, I've seen one time. I don't remember it that much, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't I remember much about the Born franchise at all. I've only seen those things like once. It, it I, all just, they all just run together for me. They do. I, I've i seen them all. I liked the first one, and I remember it, but the others, I don't remember which one's which. I think this third one had like a big car chase scene through Manhattan that I thought was pretty incredible. Um, but honestly, I couldn't tell you the plot of this one. <laughs> Well, good. We don't have to keep talking it then. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm perusing your list here as we go through. Um, Goldfinger, James Bond was Goldfinger was the third one. Yeah. So it was Doctor No from Russia with Love, Goldfinger. Then on Her Majesty's Secret Service, or did something come between Goldfinger and On Her Majesty? Anyhow, Goldfinger. This is considered, like most people will tell you, this is their favorite Bond movie. There's a lot of people that this is like the pinnacle of a Bond movie for them. I watched and watched and rewatched all these old Bond movies back in the 80s when they used to um, show movies on TV and you'd tape mm-hmm. them on your VHS player and then right. watch the v- VHS and run a hole in the tape. Um, but I haven't really watched the old James Bond movies much, you know, as an adult. Um, uh, but so I, I had to look it up to kind of, uh, remember it, but apparently this is, this is really the movie that established the Bond format, right. um, as we know it, which has continued in every other movie since of him going to exotic locations all over the world and having lots of, um, fancy gadgets and cars. And so it's kind of, it's, it's the, it's the one that established all the format and all the James Bond cliches. Right. Well, and speaking of cliches, I mean, this is the one that gave us uh, Pussy Galore. This right. is the one that gave us Odd Job as the henchman. Yeah. You know, which are, I think, two of the, I mean, certainly the most iconic Bond girl name. And Odd Job is one of the most iconic Bond villains. Right. Well, but, but he's oh, also sorry. he's also a Bond henchman. You know, and, and that's and that's and this yeah. and this became the thing where like odd job jaws. These guys became, you know, more iconic than the people that the villains were, were their bosses. Yeah, right. odd jobs. Yeah. Even though Goldfinger is the villain, like odd jobs, a little bit more iconic than he is. What with throwing the hat and everything, and mm-hmm. um, same thing with Jaws. Like he was in two of them. He was so good. But yeah, I mean, look, this is a fun movie. Uh, no, Mister. You expect me to talk? No, Mister. Bond. I expect you to die. Yeah, is you know? this the one where he's like laid out on the table with the laser going up between his legs? Yeah, he's they're doing the Batman death trap on him. Yeah, yeah, which is another mm. like iconic. I mean, to the point where there's like Geico commercials that are spoofing that now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So as as we as we roll through these action franchises, um. Here's one that I haven't seen, but I know you guys probably absolutely love. Uh, I would I would think you have to. Talking about Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. 
Tina Turner. I love Tina what? Turner. <laughs> He's a raggedy man. Uh, I've never seen Beyond Thunderdome. How can you not have seen that? Well, it's really easy. You just don't watch it. <laughs> yes. I know uh, the song. Look, to me, Mad Max is the Road Warrior. It's never going to get better than the Road Warrior. Mm. That That's the bad. And as much as I loved the last one, I can't remember the name right now. Uh, I apologize. Fury Road? Yeah, Fury Road was great. But it's just, just stop with the Road Warrior. That's Mad Max to me, mm. in a nutshell. Um, you know, Beyond Thunderdome, that was the studio. We're going to make a big summer tentpole movie. We're going to put Tina Turner in it. She was a huge thing at the time. We'll get a hit soundtrack off of it. It was, it was movie marketing machine at its best going and the movie was okay but it just kind of resurrects a lot of stuff from the road warrior mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i like i say i've never seen it i did watch fury road and um i i don't let's see which one's the first one is the first the first one is mad max okay i think i watched mad max and didn't really care for it it's it's not that good and so I don't think I ever saw Road Warrior because of that. Oh, you should definitely check out Road Warrior. It's a completely different movie than Mad Max. I mean, there's it has the fast cars and stuff and the car wrecks and stuff in it, but Mad Max is very much a different Mad Max is Mad Max and the Road Warrior are like Alien and Aliens. Okay. They, like feel very much like two different movies. Okay. Right. You know, the common bond is the alien creature itself. The common bond of these is uh, is Max and the cars. Um, but Mad Max is, you know, is civilization at the at its end, and Road Warrior is the dystopia after civilization ends. Okay. So that I guess that's what I was about to ask because I'm watching this video and, and since I haven't really seen those like I see some visuals in this video from the movie did they of, which as- movie? of the Beyond Thunderdome okay. and and having watched Fury Road like I'm seeing these kids and I'm seeing these people painted up weird and everything were these were these visuals or were these aesthetics that were established in the prior film um uh, yes, to an extent. Okay. Yes, but the Beyond Thunderdome was a big studio summer movie tentpole mm-hmm. thing. So right. I think that there were elements added to it to appeal to a younger, to a teenage audience that's going to go see it, you know, three times. Okay. You know, over the course of the summer. Yeah. You know, it 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 was more about making a commercial picture and turning this into a franchise. Whereas the Road Warrior, you know, it was a sequel. It, it wasn't. A, it, it was a sequel to obviously Mad Max, which was a movie that really nobody saw until until after the Road Warrior became popular. Mm-hmm. Then it was like, oh wait a minute, there's a first one. Okay, I'll rent that at Blockbuster or whatever. Um, but the Road Warrior 
got popular because it was the movie that like ABC would show on like Sunday night in the summer. And it was all car wrecks and stuff like that in it. Um, and so because that kind of started building an audience slowly, then the studio was like, well, we can turn this into something. Okay. I believe that's if, and again, I think Road Warrior came out in what, 1980? So I might not be remembering all this correctly. I was only like 10 at the time. I'm looking at the chat. I remember seeing it on TV like one summer night because my dad let me stay up late to watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just looking here, seeing a lot of times, like I I see Scott Rivens in the chat and he is a, uh, he's a, he's a keeper of, of random knowledge and facts like that sometimes. For example, Road Warrior wasn't marketed as a sequel here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I remember the continuity because I haven't watched these in years and years. But I remember the continuity. Continuity was a little bit confusing between Mad Max and Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like they did in later years with Raiders of the Lost Ark. They they rebranded it as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's mm-hmm. what they did with Road Warrior years later. Mad Max, the Road Warrior. Yeah. I'm, I, and it's because. It's because Mad Max was uh, a picture that was made in Australia or New Zealand. I forget which. Mm -hmm. Australia. Yeah, really didn't have an audience. You know, Mel Gibson, they even, if I remember correctly, they even dubbed over Mel Gibson's voice. Yeah. Mad Max. It's not his actual voice. Um, You know, he was nobody at the time. He wasn't the big star that he later became and then the, the idiot that he became after that. Uh, but you know, it was just, it was, like I said, it was one of those things that bad Max was kind of discovered by American audiences after we had already seen the road warrior. Okay. Fantastic. Well, and in, in a large part because of beyond Thunderdome too. I'm sorry guys. I'm getting distracted by a couple of things that are going on. Um, Teresa tried to call in earlier. Okay. And because she just wanted to say hi to you, Eric. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm seeing if she's still around to, to pull in real quick. Um, the, the, this is one I've recently rewatched. Is she Mission can Im- talk Toy Story three with us? Oh, I don't want to yeah. talk. I don't want to talk about Toy Story three. <laughs> <laughs> talk about Toy Story three. I don't want to talk about Toy Story three. Mission Impossible three is one I've recently rewatched, and I'm telling you what, um, Mission Impossible that first movie was great. Mission Impossible 2 was not so great. Like, it was action-packed, but it just didn't feel like a Mission Impossible movie. But, man, when you get to Mission Impossible 3... Except they, he did the rock bottom in it. That's Yeah, he sure did. Or <laughs> or the bookend, if you were a WCW fan. Um, but, uh, but, man, Mission Impossible 3 just kind of re... It was almost a reset of things. It was. And, and I'm sorry, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the... You have a wife... A girlfriend. Mission Impossible 3 turned it into the fantastic franchise that it is now. Exactly. And and it's only been ramped up since. Like, it just gets better and better. Because J.J. has stayed on as a producer Mm -hmm. in all these. Mm -hmm. Cruise went out on a limb and took... Mission Impossible 3 was one of the first movies that J.J. directed. That's right. If not his first one. That's right. And that was that. This is one of the, the the brilliances of Tom Cruise is, 
him taking a chance on guys like JJ. He did the same with Brad Bird. He's done it with a number of filmmakers. Um, you know, believing in their vision and you know using his clout to uh, to work with them. Um, but one of the things I love most about Mission Impossible Three is we never find out what it is that they're after. It's just the rabbit's foot. Right. We never find out what the rabbit's foot is. Mm. And I just always thought that that was such a and that's such a J.J. Abrams thing too. Yeah, Mission Impossible Three was the first movie he had directed. He had directed some TV, Felicity Lost, Alias, but MI Three was his first. It was his first picture. Yeah, the the whole I and I was as I was watching, I'm like, what was the rabbit's foot? I, I'm watching. I'm like, what was? I don't remember. I don't remember. And then they never really tell you what it is, but he did get it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, well, they chased it through the whole movie, right? But we never found out. And he never exactly gets told. That's right. That's right. And then, um, yeah, it, it to I love it. I think it's a great villain. I think it's a great movie. It's a great. Um, it, there, there's some great moments in there because you actually see them sculpt the mask, mm-hmm. you know, to put on and that sort of thing. It's just, it's so much fun. And that's the other thing. These, the, the, the Mission Impossible movies maintain that action adventure role and they get kind of serious and you can, you know, you feel it when there's danger and everything, but they never really lose their sense of fun. Right. And it's a franchise from, from the third movie on. It's the rare franchise. Maybe MCU can throw that in there as well. The movies get better with each successive one. I haven't finished. I haven't watched five yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Or is it six? What's the new, how many? Five, I guess is six. Six. I haven't watched the sixth one yet. I should say. I've not seen the last two. The, the, oh, Adam, you got to see them. They're so good. And Steve, we've had this conversation on the show before that I think franchises like Fast and Furious and definitely Mission Impossible, they're the new Bond. Right. They're doing what the Bond movies used to do and aren't Mm -hmm. doing anymore. Each movie is, they're getting better. They're pushing the envelope with the stunts, with the live action. I mean, Tom Cruise learned how to fly a freaking helicopter for the last movie so that they could put the camera in the helicopter with him and it would look like he was really flying the helicopter. You know, it's just what they're doing on these pictures is from a stunt level is amazing, but the stories are fantastic. The action's great. The characters you buy into uh, just, and they just announced that they're doing the next two back to back. Mm-hmm. which just has me through the moon excited. These well, Mission Impossible movies are just so good. Well, if they're doing the next two back-to-back, are they going to roll into each other? Or is it going to be like Probably. a... Probably. Okay. Well, that's what they've been doing, is these stories are rolling one into the next into the next. That's it's true. I do. You're right. one big ongoing anthology. After... after um, is anthology the right word? It might not be the right I, word. I think you're. I think you're. I know what yeah. you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, because three into four. When you get to four, it's a little more personal. It's about his personal life and the and the fact that you know she's. I guess he claims she's dead. Because four is Ghost Protocol, 
And five is Rogue Nation. Yeah, yes. and then six is Fallout. Six is Fallout. Six is the the one that just came out last year. And so and so four goes into five perfectly. And five goes directly. That's into five. Six. Okay, great, good. See, so yeah, I haven't like I say, I haven't watched six. Yet. Six goes all the way back into three. Oh, wow! Really? Well, okay. Then uh, count me in. It's because Michelle Monaghan's character is back in six. Okay, good deal. We'll see. I'm all about and it. The, and the way she comes back in is brilliant. It's not like a forced thing where mm-hmm. oh, we just we got to get her back in this. It works for the story. It's organic mm-hmm. to the story. Okay. Well, good stuff. All right. Yeah. Um, you guys, Adam. Definitely got to watch five and six. I'll put them on the list. I'll put them on the list. <laughs> You'll not be disappointed. All right, Cap. Um, and then Die Hard with a Vengeance. I, I'm. I, this is another one where I feel like I'm on the outside looking into things because I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, I loved it too. Yeah, I thought it was good. Okay, good because I usually think people don't like it. I think it's the fourth one. That people start to dislike. Oh yeah, well no, yeah, I don't think anyone yeah. likes the fourth one. And I, I honestly, I like the fourth one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, Die Hard, well, Die Hard with the Vengeance brought back John McTiernan to direct it, who directed the first one. It was Rennie Harlan, who directed the second one. So you know, it, they brought him back. It had a little bit more of the vibe of the first one. Um, but the interesting thing with the third one was. This was a point where they started taking scripts for other movies. This was supposed this was a script that was written as a movie called Simon Says. And they started turning them into diehard movies. Mm. You know, how okay, we got this great script, but what if we turn this into uh, a diehard vehicle instead? And so that was the case with Die Hard Three. But I liked it. I liked, uh, you know, bringing Hans Gruber's brother in. You know, there was some good action pieces in it and stuff. I, I can't walk through Central Park and not think about the cab, like, crashing through the park. So, I dug it. Um, I'm, looking to, uh, I'm looking to see what's going on in the chat here. Um Talking about oh, but okay. Uh, Scott Riven says loved uh, like the fourth one. The fifth was horrible one. Oh, I definitely agree. The fifth mm-hmm. was the Jai Courtney as his son piece of garbage. And he says, "Wait, no, they always did this." What is that? I don't get it. I don't get it, Scott. Scott's probably going to try to call in. Um, in, Scott. Don't don't open that door. Uh, <laughs> But I tell you what, Roth in Wyoming says, how about Austin Powers and Goldmember? <laughs> it's on here. It's on here. It's on my list. I had it on here as, could they be the best? Could, uh, no, I don't think Goldmember's the best. I don't know. The whole opening with Steven Spielberg shooting the movie <laughs> is one of my favorite parts of all of the Austin Powers movies with yeah. Tom Cruise playing Austin Powers and... Was it Danny DeVito? Who? No, it was uh, Kevin Spacey. Oh, was Kevin Spacey Doctor Evil as Doctor Evil? Yeah, I just uh, no, 
I, it was all right. Like I remember laughing the first time I saw it, but then after that, I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't really hold up. I wasn't big on it. What I what I didn't like is the way it kind of unravels at the end, where it's like you they it felt like they made it so you couldn't have another movie like that. It had to be the end. Although I guess they're talking about now about doing a fourth, so maybe not. Well, it I tell you that. Well, one of my favorite bits is in this movie and. It's it's Austin Powers, so it's crass. But when they're climbing up the ladder, and Austin is behind Doctor Evil, and he grabs onto him, and like his pants come down, Doctor Evil's pants come down, <laughs> and Austin says, "Doctor Evil, I used to think you're crazy, but now I can see you're nuts." And then he just, and then he looks, then he looks to the camera, but then he looks to the camera, and he goes, "Oh, thank you." I just love that bit. I love the breaking of the fourth wall. I love the stupid joke. And a oh, thank you. So, so there you go, Roth. You got me to make a sophomore joke. All right. Um, they all have they all have great little moments like that, though. Which oh, is the one where where they're like tracking the spaceship? That's all three of them. Oh, it's all three of them. Yeah. And they just keep going from one character to the next, like using a euphemism for what the ship looks like. Right, and opening right. up a whole different sentence. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a running gag in all of them. It's just so stupid, but it's so funny. I love the bit at the end of the first one where they're in the the honeymoon suite, and he just keeps like bringing out the fruit. Yes, and stuff. to cover yeah. up different things and just random stuff. Yes, yep. Um, just moving right along here, really quickly. We've talked Last Crusade before. Uh, mm. Again, I don't know if I like it or Raiders better. I, I mean, I feel like you've got to pick Raiders just because without Raiders, would there be a Last Crusade, you know? Yeah, but I think you could... I, but Last Crusade just works so well on its own. Yeah. It does. It's a, it's a near-perfect movie. It's, Except it's, it's a movie where the visual effects don't hold up. The... The plane sequence. Yeah, yeah. Some of the explosions. It just looks really bad. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Uh, Yeah, some of those explosions don't definitely don't hold up with with things. the The stuff in the uh, the stuff in the cave. I almost said the cave of wonders. The stuff on the like with the the force perspective bridge and everything. All that still looks really good. Yeah. Um, But you're right. The plane stuff doesn't quite hold up in the uh, the the blimp and everything. Um, Toy Story 3. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but it is like one of the great third movies. It is. I know. I know. Because, it just makes us all cry at the end. Yeah. Well, it makes me... Listen, it is, it's ridiculous that it should do that as far as... And the scene in the middle where they're all holding hands about to go to their fiery demise. And you're just weeping with them, and then all of a sudden you have to laugh out loud as you have the actual little aliens who worship the claw using a giant claw to save their lives. <laughs> I gotta say, like the little bit that they've shown us so far, so far for the fourth one, I'm really excited to see it. I well, like uh, the key, I like the key and peel peel stuff. Are they the the fair toys? The ones at the fair? The toys yeah, are, yeah. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Um, yeah, Toy Story 3, I mean, like, it, Toy Story 3 kind of solidified. They already had been there and done that, but I think Toy Story 3 solidified for me that Pixar 
doesn't care how you feel, they're going to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're going to be invested in, in the story that they're telling. Mm-hmm. And, um, and man, they just masterful. Honestly, I, I, as good as some of the stuff from Toy Story 4 looks, and I know they've done some shorts here and there since, like Toy Story 3 is the perfect ending to that whole little franchise, I think. But I understand moving forward, and if you got good stories yeah. to tell, keep telling them. But, but like it, I don't know that it could get any more beautiful than him handing off those toys to that little girl, and you know, growing up, but still, you know, remembering who they all were. And I can't talk because I'm about to get choked up because like he's just, you know, he's going on to college where he's going to, you know, start to step into real adulthood. But there's still that part of him that he remembers, and he's like, "This is Woody. This is Buzz." You know, they, these things weren't just toys to Andy; they were his friends. And right. and and just growing up as that kid who his toys were so special to him, I get that. You know, and mm-hmm. and the scene of him passing those things off just still breaks me to this day. It's just a beautiful moment to me. And it also makes me wonder, are there kids out there who feel that way about their toys anymore in this, in this age of screens? I, I know two grown men who feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're making me feel so guilty about my garage sales now. <laughs> so guilty. I've personally hurt my toys. I've wounded them by selling them. Uh, well, as long as they went that's to a good home. I, that's why I've got new ones. Yeah, as long as they went to a good home. Yeah. So, um, I mean, to answer your question about kids, yes. Yes, there are. I mean, I, I can say without a doubt that my nephews have gone through phases like that with certain action figures or whatever. You know, that, you know, if they, I know that one of my nephews lost one of his action figures and, you know, it was a whole process trying to find something to replace it for him. Um, it took us months. Uh, you know, even to this day, we're still looking for this, the specific figure that it was just because of the nostalgia of it all for him mm, now. Wow. What was that? It was uh, a Robin action figure. And it wasn't even necessarily that it was Robin. It was, he just... He latches on to a specific figure and like he just kind of disappears into his world with it. And like you will look over at him and he'll be sitting there and he'll just be like, the figure, the the joints get so loose on them that they're just like floppy. And he'll just be like, like moving the arms and legs around. And like you could tell, like, there's this whole crazy scenario going on in his head. Mm. And he's just oblivious to anything that's happening around him. Mm-hmm. And then he'll catch on that somebody's looking at him and he'll just stop mm. and stare at you and then be embarrassed that he got caught kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's it's Drax now. That's the figure that oh, no. every, couple, every couple of years it becomes a new figure because he's just completely worn out the previous one. Yeah. Right. So it started as a Robin figure, and now it's Drax. And Drax just goes everywhere. And you don't know which Robin from which line it was? Uh, no. Mm. No. That's a shame. 
I don't get into the the the, the specifics like you guys do. No. And I don't mean that as a knock. That I mean that with much respect to you guys. No, I understand. I was just, you know, I was like, well, I help. I'll get on that toy hunt with you. Yeah. No, <laughs> for a while, his dad and I were trying to find it, and yeah. it's just kind of at the point now where, you know, yeah, he's got his tracks. So. Right. Okay. Well, to me, I, I don't, I can't think of another series of movies. You know. Maybe Ghostbusters will be after this, but man, when it comes to trilogies, Back to the Future is still, I mean, they're the lone hold, that franchise is the lone holdout of being, I mean, I know they had the little Saturday morning cartoon and stuff, but it's the lone holdout of being a a trilogy of movies. Yeah. You know, it it seems like. And um, what an interesting way to end that franchise when you've gone in the first one, you went back to the, you know, the 50s from the 80s and then. You went to the future in the second one and had the whole alternate universe to come back to the third installment and end up, it's a Western throughout. It was such mm-hmm. a neat concept to me that they did that and it still is. And, and, you know, a lot of people love it. You know, I love it. I think it's a great movie. It's my favorite of the three. And that. That one really contrasts probably the best with what I said earlier about um, the the problem of the modern ones going too big um, and too too big with the effects and too big with the scope of the story and losing the characters. The this um, the Back to the Future it's small. It's you know mm-hmm. it's a small story and it focuses on the characters and it's just it's I just feel like it's it's. Uh, there's something comforting about it the 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 old west setting and the way that it's made and it's very you know authentic and hands-on and tangible and just you know a small story in a in its own way um and i i think that really works that makes it endearing and last well and it's small too in the sense that we never leave hillside yeah hill valley you mean or Hill Valley, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I mean, even though we're, you know, the clock tower is always part of the story. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're all, we're we're always within like the same five to ten miles square radius. Right. Yeah, I mean, because the temptation could be in a, in a movie franchise like that to, you know, instead of just affecting this family, especially with the second one where they create a whole new reality based on what goes on, you know, you almost, nowadays you feel like they would end up going to, well, now we have to, you know, go all over the world to save the universe kind of, you know, rather than just, but this state, you're right. This stays focused in on Marty and his family and his friendship with doc. And, and, and those things matter. And that's what keeps you on board through this whole thing. And, and look, Christopher, um, I almost said Walken. Um, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox have such a good repertoire together. Um, They just, their rapport is so, so good throughout the whole series. But then in that third one, you know, getting to do like just some of the jokes and the one-liners back and forth. And, you know, they bring back the think you're not thinking fourth dimensionally gag. and, And then when, you know, Doc Brown in the fifties dresses him 
to look like some type of TV cowboy, and then he gets there, and Doc Brown's like, why are you wearing that ridiculous clothes? <laughs> Who put you in those yeah. ridiculous clothes? And he calls himself Mr. Eastwood. Right. Yes, yeah. yes. It's just, uh, what kind of name is that? Um, but I love, I love, too, the dinner scene where it's a glass of dirty water, and the rabbit that they're eating, he's like picking the pellets out of yes, it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yes, of course that's what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's... It it does it does some good stuff, you know, and then it even has the throwbacks, you know, to some of like Pat Buttram and that crew is sitting there at the table in the bar and oh, look at them shoes he's got on, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, and it, you know, just familiar faces from old westerns and western comedies and that sort of thing are there, and um, the whole the whole high noon deal, you know, with the uh, with, with the the iron the cast iron cover it on the front of him you know like you yeah. saw in the eastwood movie it's just it's a great deal and then and then i you know who i love the tension at the end the suspense of you know they're headed toward the ravine and you know they've got to they've got to get up to speed on this track and all this stuff it's just it, it, they just put those they put those movies together so well this mm-hmm. those last two especially looking you know playing off of what had come in the first movie you know, just mm-hmm. the little details here and there that they that they put in places and do it. Just, it's a fantastic thing, and it was a great it was a great wrap up to that whole series. And the temptation well, and also considering that, you know, the first movie ends with the whole to be continued right tag, mm-hmm. but they never intended to make another movie right. Mm-hmm. And so that they were able to craft these next two and shoot them back to back, which at the time was had hardly ever been done before. Right. Superman, um, Superman and Superman too. Yeah. And, uh, and to turn out like such a solid trilogy is, you know, really commendable. So, but also I just absolutely love the end ending of it with the train showing up, mm-hmm. you know, right. his, his boys, Jules and Vern. And then he's, He's gone to the future and outfitted the train with the hover technology. Yes. <laughs> yes! Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yep. It's it's a it's it's really just such a good like I say, just a good cap off to that thing and Z Z Top mm-hmm. and everything. You know, I mean it's just it's perfect. And you wouldn't think it would be going to, you know, doing a Western. And the and the temptation right. has to be, you know, if you're the studio and, I, and there's something I don't know if it's Zemeckis has the rights or whatever. But whoever holds the rights has refused. Like apparently they've been approached, and they just refuse mm-hmm. to let there Zemeckis. be. Yeah, he refuses to let there be a reboot or a sequel or anything. And and I say good on him because the temptation would yeah. be we can do Back to the Future, you know, stories in all the time periods. You know, we yeah. can do Bill and Ted's right. Excellent Adventure with Back to the Future, and and, and no, just leave it what it is because it's a beautiful yeah. thing that holds up. The story holds up to this day. It does. Oh, well, speaking of Bill and Ted, that might be a third movie that we're going to get by year's end. Yeah, we were talking about that Bill really early this morning. Music. Oh, really? Is that what it's going to be called? Yeah. Nice. Well, and somehow Steven Soderbergh is involved in this, too. Hmm. So I'm just, this could be a big Keanu Reeves third movie year. Whoa. Bill and Ted and John Wick 3. John Wick 3. I can't. John Wick 3. <laughs> oh, man. I like those movies. They're, so they're do I. fun. I have not seen them. Oh, looks so oh. good. If you're in the mood for killing, it's just the best thing ever. 
It's I mean the first he, the the Baba Yaga, the boogeyman. Like the the best assassin there is who's retired and he comes out of retirement because some punk kills his dog. It's just oh, it's so good. So so good. Excellent! <laughs> Put them in the Iron Maiden. Iron Ex- Maiden. Excellent. Execute them. Bogus. Well, um, I haven't had a chance to load all these into my um, handy dandy soundboard. In the Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Excellent. Execute them. Bogus. <laughs> Speaking of which, I heard a story about Keanu Reeves. A, f- a friend of mine told that worked on um, The Matrix, um, so I'm kind of stealing his story. But I guess in The Matrix, when they hooked him up in that uh, robot, uh, or in those machines, you know, where they're plugged into the internet and the, uh-huh. they're all like feeding off the people, they some the people working on the movie, some idiot, um, they the tubes on their bodies kept falling off. So some idiot had super glued the, the tubes to Keanu Reeves nipples. Oh, and so when they were <laughs> done filming, they couldn't get the tubes off his skin. Um, so they, uh, somebody that was working on there, uh, that I knew, um, you know, he had to use some kind of cleaning solution to get the tubes off Keanu Reeves nipples. But so he was asking, Keanu Reeves, you know, what he does to kind of just zone out and get his zen and, you know, just to be cool all the time and to to get through all these types of things. And he expected some like Buddhist, you know, laid back answer. And Keanu, um, before he put his uh, music earphones on, just said, I just think about the money, the lots and lots of money. That's all I care about. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, how about this? Respect. Respect, Keanu. (laughs) Totally. Respect. So before we dive into Star Wars to close this off, I thought of two more okay. earlier. Um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Which I thought was, uh, I thought that that was the first really good Harry Potter movie. You know, the first one where it went more from being like the fun sort of Christopher Columbus thing to, you know, being more of a, a heavier story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It was the first, that's the, I guess I like all the Harry Potters. I, I love the books. I've read all the books. Mm-hmm. I like all the movies. Um, but I, the first two I've got had early on, had gotten tired of watching them over and over again. The third one is one that I've never really gotten tired of. I've gotten tired of the ones after that, too. But the third one just really, it's fun to watch every time. Well, and the story, like you said, Erish, the story begins to grow up a little bit. Like, you you go from what could be just kitty fair throughout the whole series to this is where um, J.K. Rowling, or Rowling, I think it's Rowling, I always forget, um, really as an author in the in the books and then it, of course it's reflected in the movies begins to let the story grow up with these kids and mm. so you get a little bit scary you know the dementors come in you know but to combat the dementors you've got these these patronuses these these 
these to combat that darkness is this great light, right. and and then you also have these these uh, expectations that or, or these things that you think are true get kind of subverted and you know and, and and switched around. So you know you think Sirius Black is just this evil bad man based on what you see, and then he come to find out he's basically Harry's surrogate father, and yeah. You know, and and so it it begins this situation of not everything is as it seems, and that gets played out throughout the rest of the series. You know, with Snape and and everything else that goes on, to the point that you know this and this really becomes the beginning of all of that. This becomes the first part of of all that that takes place in in that instant. You know, and and visually, the movie started taking on a grander scale too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hogwarts was kind of we were seeing it from a much grander scale it was more of a majestic kind of setting you know we were getting more of the grounds around hogwarts um this was also alfonso Cuarón directed this one and he's probably going to win uh the best director oscar for roma this year and he's directed gravity and a bunch of other stuff but this was his first big studio picture um, and he's only turned out to be one of the best filmmakers working today. Um, so it, 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 this movie just felt like it had a lot more pedigree to it. You've got uh, Gary Oldman coming in and playing Sirius Black. Um, I just felt like this, this was kind of where the at least the movie franchise took a turn for the better mm-hmm. with this one. <clears throat> I, once again, guys, I'm being uh, I'm being distracted by things that are going on in the chat and elsewhere and on the Skype here. Um, we may be trying to bring Scott Reifen in. He had something to say on the Die Hard situation, apparently, and uh, and then he'll be good to help help us close out with the Star Wars. Okay. Uh, so I, then, while have, you're trying to bring Scott in, the the other one that I thought of was Jurassic Park Three. Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Which I love Which, that movie, by the way. I love that movie mm-hmm. too. Yeah, me, me as well. Uh, Adam and I were in the Skype chatting about it earlier. You know, I think the first movie is my favorite of the the Jurassic Parks, but the third one is right up there underneath it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I listen. I I think two was a little bit of a misstep, bringing a dinosaur to to land and everything to to Los uh-huh. Angeles. But three, they seem to swing it right back around. And they didn't. They didn't do that thing that we talked about, where you go too big. Like they kind right. of stayed focused in on the characters. You still had the, um, the the bad guys and stuff, and um, raptors. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, let me see if I can. I got to figure out how to add to the call. Really? I appreciate it too that they didn't have a dumb kid. You know, so often these these movies have kids in it that are you know sort of helpless or you know need protecting, and this kid was on that island surviving on his own for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was a straight straightforward kind of a clean clean story to it. Um, you know, action adventure survival. Whereas number two was kind of convoluted and a little overly well, complicated from, story. From what I understand about the second one was that, you know, Spielberg knew he wasn't going to direct another one. 
and he wanted to be the one that brought the dinosaurs like into the city. Mm. Uh, okay. You know, so I I think that that's the reason it has the ending it does, but that ending mm. was just eh. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't great. You know, two had some the whole the whole scene where they're hunting the dinosaurs like in the beginning mm. like in sort of in the middle of the movie where they're the trapping them and stuff was pretty cool. But it just, uh, you know, overall, it wasn't as good as the first one. And I just, like Adam said, the third one was just a fun, tight little action adventure film. Yeah, and as good as uh, Jeff Goldblum is, and we love Jeff Goldblum, there's something about Sam Neill being back in the third one. Yeah. Like, his, yeah. his like Jeff Goldblum seemed too changed from the first one. Like... It's right. it's one thing to progress as a character. It's another thing to seemingly be a completely different character. Yeah, now all of yeah. a sudden he's a dad with like a daughter right. and stuff, and right, yeah. But Sam Neill's character seemed to progress naturally and be not a completely different character, but a, but a character that had, had moved on. Uh, guys, we want to welcome in. Uh, he is the most listened to man in Southeast Georgia radio. Uh, Scott Rifen. <laughs> What's happening, number one? Oh, that's quite the intro music. Yeah. Gentlemen. Oh, you know, I feel bad I'm going on here with Adam because I owe Adam something and I haven't I haven't sent it yet. Uh -oh. oh, that's quite all right. Make him but, feel guilty, Adam. I know. No, I was, no I was, obligation. Uh, Lay the guilt on. Uh, I feel bad. But you know, I was just going to, I wanted to jump off on something Eris was talking about with the Die Hard thing where he was talking about the third one where they, he said that was where they started repositioning scripts for the Die Hard series. But it, it kind of always was the case with Die Hard. Okay. If you look at the first movie was based on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever. And the character wasn't John McClane. It was, it was a guy named Joe Leland who was from a previous book by Roderick Thorpe called The Detective. And who played, who played Joe Leland in The Detective when they made the movie? I don't even know that. Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? Class? Kevin Bacon. Frank Sinatra. Oh, I was close. Oh. All right. Interesting. So John McClane is Frank Sinatra, ultimately. Um, wow. Yeah, they took and totally redid that novel. And then when they came time to make the second one, they were already developing a movie called 48 Minutes which was based on a book by a guy named Walter Wager. And they said, all right, well, we're going to turn that into a diehard movie instead. Okay. So and then, so when Simon Says came around for the third one, it was kind of, it was already kind of like de rigueur, you know, it was kind of what they did already. Right. Uh, yeah. And the other thing you also had, like the formula was kind of out there, you know, yeah. too. You had Steven Seagal doing his under siege movies, which yeah. were, you know, but, you know, Die Hard was man in a building. Well, Die Hard was man on a ship. Yeah, well, Die, Die Hard you know, became... That man on a train. But, Arish, I mean, you'll admit, you'll agree that uh, Die Hard became a pitch word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Die Hard on a blank. Die Hard yep. on this. Right. So uh, it yeah, was really it easy after a while to find scripts to reposition because there were a bunch of Die Hard on somethings. Yeah. yeah. But then also part of the problem was, was that you were running out of man on a blanks to do. Yeah, die hard on a blank to do because everybody else was doing them also. Yeah, exactly. Well, there was a rumor that at one point when they were getting ready to make the fourth one that they were going to do uh, what was the Kevin J. Anderson novel Countdown, which was basically hyped as Die Hard on the Space Shuttle. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Which like, kind of turned into that Guy Pierce movie years later. You know the one I'm talking about where the prison in space you talking about basically Jason? Uh, a sci-fi diehard movie. You talking about Jason X? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that movie? Gotta look this up here. There's a third act that you got. It's Friday the 13th Part 3, 3D. Oh, we didn't even go into which, like which any established of the, the hockey mask. That that's a whole nother like fifteen hour conversation if we start doing all the third <laughs> horror movies. And we talked oh, about dear. and we talked about Jaws 3D this morning on the Big Honkin yeah. show. So I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. So you know, it's it's all kinds of stuff. One thing I want to bring up before we get to Star Wars and Scott, I'd like you here for Star Wars if that's okay. I, Steve, it would be my pleasure let, to be here for Star Scott. Wars. Scott, let me pull a Deuce cast and bring you in unexpectedly. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the Rocky Three, fellas. Oh yeah, we, how could we not have talked about? Oh. That? I'm sorry, little Eye of the Tiger action, little Clubber Lang, little Death of Mickey. That's Rocky Three is my first like Hulk Hogan experience. <laughs> I think it's a lot of people's first oh, Hulk Hogan experience. That's, that's yeah, what, like, who is this guy? And then I realized that he was really a wrestler after that, and started watching like the Saturday Night Main Event stuff and everything. But that's like. Thunderlips Ultimate Male is my entree <laughs> into professional wrestling. Well, the funny thing about that is, is Hulk Hogan uh, had been with the what was then, I think it might have still been the WWF or it had just become the WWF. And when he did Rocky Three, Vince McMahon Senior, as they call him, said, "Well, you can't work here anymore. We're not doing yeah. all this." And so he ended up in Minnesota at AWA, a wrestling organization out in Minnesota, where Hulk, where when he gets off of Rocky Three, Hulkamania is born in in Minnesota. And so when the WWF realizes how good things were with him doing that, they bring him back to New York, and and then it just blows up in the eighties, you know. And so so Rocky Three really is the reason you have Hulkamania. Wow. Mm-hmm. There you go. And also, Mr. T. Mm-hmm. That was introducing the, Mr. T. Yeah, that even was, though I he'd already done that. What that prison movie? What was it? I don't know nothing about no prison movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but listen, Rocky Three is is fantastic for so many. I could, and I got to be careful because I could go off on Rocky Three the same way I could go mm-hmm. off on Marvel movies right now. Um, mm-hmm. I could just go for days because you've got the whole evolution of Rocky and Apollo's relationship in this thing. Yep. You've got the evolution of the character of Adrian. Adrian goes from being this mousy little thing who who she doesn't want Rocky to fight. She doesn't she's super shy in the first one. All this stuff to sitting on the beach and giving Rocky the kick in the pants he needs to get up and do what he's got to do. And and it's character development all the way around and and it's one of those things because it's so draped in the 80s trappings of Eye of the Tiger and you know he is uh, Sylvester Stallone is 80s jacked you know because it's kind of dressed in those trappings with over the top characters like Mr. T's character Clever Lang and and Hulk Hogan and Thunderlips you kind of lose the fact that there is some actual character work and story being done in this movie and it's so good man I love the Rocky series altogether yeah. Rocky 3 was oh, yes. and Rocky yeah. 3 was my introduction to Rocky Really? So yeah, so yeah, it's, mine too. It, it has a very special place uh, in my heart because of that. You know, 
when Balboa came out, I sat with the family. We did a whole watch through up until then. And three, you know, four was the one that I think I told you before. I kind of found wanting mm-hmm. uh, in retrospect. But three, solid. Three, solid. Now, I, I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you this. I'm going to I'm gonna say something unpopular about Rocky. Here I think go. two is my favorite. Is that because he wins? It's not just that. It's It's kind of everything that happens to him with the fame and the money and how he can't mm-hmm. handle it and I'm sorry the ba- in the hospital the baby I, I you know one day I texted you because I was listening to you know as he's trying to read mm-hmm. to Adrian because he's trying to improve himself and he's trying to you know be there with her and give her something to latch onto and you know, there's so much going on with him just reading this book and I actually googled the passages from the book so I found the book that he was reading to her you know it just, and I remember I was texting you quotes from the book because I was like, I found the book. Scott Rife and ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, and then she wakes up and they see the baby for the first time and she says, What'd she say? When? When? She says, Yeah. So I want you to do one thing for me. When? Mm, yeah. And that just, man, that gets me going so much. I love that movie. Mm. I, love, I, I I like the movie from that point on. I love no, I love I love Apollo at home, just stewing over the letters. Yeah. You know, he he can't have peace because of what happened. There's there's nothing I don't love about that movie. You're nothing but a bum. You're you're a disgrace to your family and to your race. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he goes through. That's what it, that's the kind of stuff that's yeah. on there. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it, it's Look, but Rocky Three was my because my mom's like, well, I'll record this for you. It has Hulk Hogan. It came on CBS, and really, so, so it was after Hulkamania had blown up that you saw it. Yeah, yeah, because I yes, I loved Hulk Hogan. I was arrested, you know, and Mr. T, you know, had blown up, and so it's like, man, she recorded because it had that, and it was after my bedtime as a kid. So I watch it. I'm like, this is great. This is three. What happens in two? What happens in one? And it wasn't until I got to be a grown up and watched one that I really appreciated how good it was. You know, as a kid, Rocky three and Rocky four were my jam, you know, and I liked, I'm like Eris as a kid. I liked from the moment she said, when right on to, to the end, because all you've got then is the training montage and the, uh, (laughs) and, and the, and the fight. But, but man, I, I, I appreciate those movies so much. And Sylvester Stallone, you know, he wrote them all. Yeah, you know this. This is his honestly, and, and directed three of the or four of the six. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, Rocky wow. is his opus. I mean, I, I, it really and and he seems at peace and okay with that. You know, which I'm glad because it's a great yeah. character and it's a great character arc and and that story. So, um, I, I once again I've run my mouth too much. Eric, Adam, <laughs> if you want to add anything, <laughs> great. All right. Um, did we lose Eric and Adam? No, no, okay. I'm still here. Okay, I'm wearing you guys out. Um, all right, well, here we go. I mean, Revenge of the Sith, guys, anyone want to touch on that real quick? It was better than Attack of the Clones. It sure yes. was. I, now, listen, I'm a prequel lover. Scott, yep, I, know you, I know you feel the same way. Yep. And, and I feel like Revenge of the Sith was, um, I, I feel like it did most of what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, based on based on honestly, if you if you get honest about it, uh, based on the, the the corner that Lucas had painted himself mm-hmm. in with the structure of the first two movies, mm-hmm. um, you know, three three did what it was supposed to do, and and right. that fight between Obi Wan and Anakin at the end, 
that's mm-hmm. what I'd been waiting to see. And that's, I, and it, and that's it, what yeah. the prequels were there for. Yeah. 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 And it, and I'll it, tell you, my two favorite things about that movie um, was uh, probably uh, General Grievous is the number one. I, I love that character, the way he's designed. He's just really cool. Um, but uh, also, and this can be said for all three of those prequel movies, is the world building, the universe building. If you just, if if you just don't even pay attention to the main characters in the story just look at what's going on in the background at any given time there is so much going on with little aliens you yeah. know, doing, doing things and going about their lives and animals and creatures and you know it's just so busy and it's just incredible we're never going to get that in these disney movies um so i love that um but also the the third thing that was i think the one th- the the biggest thing that we didn't know going into this movie, it might be the only thing we didn't know, I don't know, um, was what happens to Padme at the end. We knew what was going to happen to Anakin, but we didn't know whether – I always thought my whole life that Padme, well, she must go on and marry um, that uh, Bail Organa because, you know, Leia talked – talks about remembering her mother so i had no idea that she would die at the end of the movie and that to me i didn't you know i knew what was going to happen to anakin i wasn't affected by that emotionally but it was a punch to the gut when padme dies and has the funeral at the end because that you didn't know was going to happen yeah i was i guess i always kind of assumed that obviously we knew she died when leia was young Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I guess I assumed that maybe Did, didn't know be that young, right? Exactly, like, I, like a half hour old, right? Yeah. If that, yeah. Um, and and so yeah, I guess I think to me the big shock was when Palpatine looks at Anakin and says, "You know, here's you have the power to save Padme," yeah. and it's like so he know and he he's known what Anakin's been dealing with all along, and Anakin's like, "What'd you say?" Like and. and and there you just see kind of the manipulative, you know, the magnificent, uh, you know, just evil that is Palpatine as as he just has been pulling even Anakin strings all along. And Anakin, in that moment, Palpatine's making a bold move because Anakin in his anger could just whip out his lightsaber and strike him right down, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and Palpatine just knows that he's got him so wrapped and so coiled that he's not going to hurt him. Palpatine you know, has just played his, his hand excellently. That film is really only missing one thing for me, and that is if they had just capped it off with a Rogue One style, just Vader slash fest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, again, that's one thing I think people wanted to see. People wanted to see Vader. They want to see Vader in the costume, but they want to see Vader do something. And as much as I enjoyed the movie, Vader didn't do anything but stand there and fold his arms over his chest. Yeah, I think a lot. I think I think a lot of people were disappointed. I remember at Celebration Three, Rick McCallum said, "You know, Vader's got all of five minutes worth of screen time." And that was, that was generous. And well, and here's the thing: coming away from that, me and my friend were speculating. We're like, "Well, how much screen time did he really have in any of the movies?" You know, and, mm-hmm. and trying to justify the fact that we're actually going to see, maybe get to see him do something, and. And and I don't I can't say I was disappointed. I like I understand that Anakin was Darth Vader before he ever put that helmet on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's the iconic imagery that you want to see, and and, right. and that's what right. and and I totally get that. But but you know, outside of that, Scott, I agree with your that. But I, outside of that, I, I I don't have a problem. Um, 
I don't really want to get into speculation episode nine because I have nothing to speculate, to be honest. With okay. You. Yeah. Me um, but I do listen, I do love Return of the Jedi. And mm-hmm. yeah. um and I know that I'm in the minority of loving Ewoks the way that I do. But I oh, love Oh, I love them too. Well good oh. because Oh, you got Ewok friends here. Well good. And you got Teresa next and that's you know right. how that goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Total Ewok love fest. But man, I don't know the thing with Star Wars is, is that original trilogy, they could have never done anything else. And, and the love that I have for those movies would have stayed mm-hmm. for, yeah. for the rest of my life. Yep. Just, yep. just right. based on those three movies and based on the happily ever after of Return of the Jedi, that Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. seemed to have, you know? Right. Um, and, and I, it's just, I, I'm speechless because, you know, where do you begin? You know, you have that great opening action sequence that has nothing really to do with the story other than just getting Han Solo back in the swing of things, mm-hmm. you know. And then you get into the battle, and what a great space battle. Nothing, we'd, we'd never seen anything right. like it before. No. You no. know, and and then the, the, the lightsaber battle between Vader and Luke is not a stunt fest. It's not a big, you know, showy thing, but the emotion is there. It's powerful, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the temptation of Luke the whole time, and the and the message of love overcoming, truly overcoming hate. It's just a it's a great story, and where in any other good versus evil story, the way for good to triumph is just to kill the bad guy. In this, good triumphs by converting the bad guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's just a wonderful thing. I'll shut mm-hmm. up now. Yeah, Return of the Jedi is it's kind of my everything is my childhood. Mm. I still remember seeing the first uh, advertisement on TV. It was during I think it was during Saturday morning cartoons at, at five o'clock and at five a.m. and being because I was living in Alaska then, so the the cartoons came really early in the morning because um, they they run them the same time as they. Back then, they ran them the same time you'd see them um, in the East Coast. They'd uh, show them that same time in the morning, so they'd just come really early. But anyway, I digress. I was so excited, I ran in to my parents' room and woke them up at 5 a.m. to tell them, I saw a Return of the Jedi advertisement. (laughs) And and then that is the first movie that um, I ever got to see a second time in the movie theater. My parents took me. I didn't even know that was possible, that you could go see a movie (laughs) twice in the movie theater. I thought you just, you got to see it once and then that was done. You you waited until it was yeah, you waited until it came on TV, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was everything. And uh, loved the Ewoks. I remember first, you know, so excited seeing the action figures before the movie ever came out, hanging in Lionel Playworld in Kitty City and mm. looking at those first two Ewoks, Chief Chirpa and um, Low Gray and yep. the Gamorrean Guard and the Emperor's Royal Guard and not knowing what any of these characters were, but knowing I had to have the action figures right then and there and immediately go home and open them. Um, but just, so just, just what it meant to me. I mean, I, there was little else in life that was that important at the time. Jedi was the first movie that I saw without my parents. Hmm. Uh, my friends and I, I was 13. 
um, my friends and I, we got to the theater, and this was also back in the days when movie theaters were just one screen, maybe two if it was a big theater. So we were going to like a three o'clock show, but we got to the theater at like 10 o'clock that morning and just kind of camped out in the lobby all day. And I just remember like as people during the earlier screenings of the movie, as they would leave the theater to like go to the concession stand or the bathroom or whatever, you know, the door would open for a moment and we'd all be peering in to try and catch a glimpse of it. (laughs) And like, that's, that's how I saw the speeder bikes for the first time. And we were just like, what is that? What is going (laughs) on? And just like our minds were blown. And it was just like, just such a seminal moment for me because it was me and my buddies and no parents around or whatever. And it just was this all day event for us. And, you know, we had, we had had like the various magazines and stuff leading up to it and had been doing basically what fans do now on podcasts and social media and stuff like, you know, for weeks beforehand in school, just trying to figure out like, okay, who's this character going to be? What is this Gamorrean guard? Like, how cool does he look? What do you think he's going to do? And just trying to figure it all out was just, you know, such such a blast and, like, basically consumed my life for months. I remember I- Star uh, Starlog magazine had a two-page spread of a photo of the Star Destroyer approaching the, uh, the Death Star 2. Yeah. And they didn't tell you anything about it. It just, here's the first look at Return of the Jedi. Mm. And so in my mind, the Empire is going and revisiting the wreckage. That's what I thought. Oh, wow. That's what I thought. I didn't think it was a new Death Star. I thought it was like the, what was left of the new, a new hope Death Star. I spent weeks trying to figure out what are they looking for? What are they going there trying to find? And then uh, I took it on a field trip, showed it to everybody, and then we left the bus, and I left it in the bus, and uh, they served fried chicken on the field trip. <laughs> and a whole bunch of girls grabbed my magazine and oh, flipped it through it. All over. Oh, it ruined, oh. it ruined the whole thing. That image of the Star Destroyer going toward the, uh, going toward the Death Star 2, was there an Imperial shuttle coming out of the hangar bay? don't recall the shuttle but it's it's been a couple of years because that's my wallpaper on um on my on my desktop it's got uh, it's got indoor underneath at the bottom just the horizon of indoor with the death star 2 and the shuttle it's just one of those iconic pictures that i've always known from return of the jedi i mean it was in the storybook and everything yeah you know back in the day which there's uh there was an iconic uh piece of marketing art that was the three the three b-wings flying away from the de- from a star yeah. destroyer as it mm-hmm. was blowing kind up yeah orange tinted yeah. yeah yeah and i remember like having that as a puzzle as a kid and stuff but it's not a scene that ever appears in the nope. movie right no but it's just stayed with me like my whole life so like you know years ago uh working at delray like we were looking to do short stories for Star Wars Insider magazine and stuff, and I was working on uh, with John Rensler on the Making of Return of the Jedi book, and you know he had that image in there, and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> this was never in the movie. Like we could turn this into a short story, and I went to one of our other editors and I pitched this idea to him about it. Like let's make a story out of this. 
He ran it by Lucasfilm. They loved the idea. Gave us a go ahead. It created Blade Squadron, and that turned into like five or six stories. Oh, nice. That ran through uh, through Insider, and that are reprinted in the that we tied it into the Aftermath trilogy, uh, Chuck Wendig's books. Um, but so for me, that was like a culmination of like forty years of fandom, mm-hmm. sort of. Oh, you know, this awesome. thing that from when I was 13 years old, like here it is like 40 years later. And I actually got to turn that into a, a short story. That's great. Wow. That is really cool. Yeah. I, yes, it is. I know, I know the exact picture you're talking about. That's the thing with this movie. Like, you know, back in those days, because there was no internet, because there was no speculation, like you devoured and just looked at for hours on the end the Starlog magazines, yes. if you get your hands on the storybooks, you know, afterwards or whatever the case may be, any type of imagery or anything. You know, I remember watching at the movies with Siskel and Ebert just because they were reviewing Return of the Jedi. And we're going to have footage yeah. from Return of the Jedi on there. You know, like they were going to show clips from Return of the Jedi. I'm like, I got to see this, you know. Or just mm-hmm. anything that would talk about Star Wars. Right. You know, right. like PBS would air like the making of documentary or something like that and be like dad i gotta see this mm-hmm. or donnie marie or whatever i'm actually yeah. I'm pulling up oh, the, the uh, star shot. wars character showing up on the muppet show was huge oh, yes. oh yeah, yeah yeah huge that's a disappointing third movie you didn't get into steve <laughs> no muppets take manhattan yes that's a great third movie <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. I know you don't, but you're. This is not. What we're, we're not here to talk about what you want to talk about. I, that's true. That's true. I shouldn't even be here for crying out loud. I, I, I pulled up the image, and it does. It does have the shuttle sticking out of it, and four Tie Fighters trailing behind it. Yeah, that's my. That's my. That's my wallpaper. Yeah, my, well, it would be mine, but it's it's got greasy fingerprints all over it. So. <laughs> That uh, that Imperial shuttle is still one of my favorite ships. Yes, yeah. I, Star Wars. It, that. Yeah, if you take out the Millennium Falcon and say what's your favorite spaceship, it comes to Millennium. It comes to the Imperial Shuttle. I don't know. The, mm-hmm. the Imperial Shuttle might even top the Millennium Falcon. Not, not for me. I just I love the Falcon, but man, the Imperial Shuttle like it was my favorite toy that I had as a child. Mm-hmm. It you know it was it it was a highlight in my collection for the longest time. Um, and and just it, you it know, was somewhat rare. It's just a toy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And that, you know. You had to be a special kid if you had the Imperial Shuttle. Well, here's what happened it had gotten marked down at Kmart to like 20 bucks. And we had a friend of our from our church that worked at Kmart and got a half price discount. And what? so And so I used my birthday oh, money wow. to get the Imperial Shuttle for $10. Wow. Yeah. Special kid. Yeah. I was lucky. You know, do you kid. still have that? Um, unfortunately, I do not. Um, it, yeah. oh. as, as I remember, my brother had it. As I remember, it's quite a big toy. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's big, and it's got all these cool guns on the front and and on the back and on the side, and um, you press the trigger and the wings let down. I mean, it was just so awesome. It was. Are we opening the toy box now? Is that we 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 don't like, have you know, we don't have time. I've, Teresa's I, supposed to come on in fifteen minutes, yeah. and I've got to take a bathroom break. <laughs> I didn't even go into the into going to see it for the first time myself either. That's the thing. Uh, and, and you know, I was like Arish. There was a screening already going on, but I couldn't go early because it was Wednesday, and the first show in town was this. By the way, Return of the Jedi was the first Star Wars movie that actually came to beautiful Brunswick, Georgia, on the day it came out. Uh, the other ones were were later. 
uh, Empire was somewhere into June, and and the first film was July 29th before it got here. So uh, you know, to have that actually in the theaters on May 25th was was wonderful, beautiful, mm-hmm. amazing. But the first show was at one o'clock, and I'm begging mom, just get me out of school early to go see. No, I'm not getting me out of school to go see a movie. So we had to sit outside the theater because we went straight after there to the four o'clock show, and we had to sit outside the theater and watch all the kids who did get out of school <laughs> to go see this movie mm-hmm. come streaming out of the theater. It was just ah. Uh, but I did have one up on them is that I'd, I'd had the special, the, the Marvel super special for about five days by that point. What is the well, Marvel? Our, what's the Marvel super special? Marvel super. There was the, the adaptation. Oh, Marvel. of the, the comics. Oh yeah. It was it. Was it the little, specials. huh? Was it the little paperback book? No, no, no. Marvel super special was mostly later and later in its run. It was down to regular comic size, but it was magazine sized. Yes. Yeah. And, but it, and they, Publish a bunch of film adaptations. Actually, the first issue of Marvel Super Special featured Kiss. But I digress. Well, all right. Um, <laughs> I, I had a. It was the size of a paperback book. Yeah, they they did do that. They chopped up the art brutally and uh, stuck it in the paperback. Yeah. Okay. And uh, but, um and then and, and then I also had the actual comics, like the number one through four in a limited series. And then, um, and I do vaguely remember at some point having a magazine sized. Yeah, it's got a it's got a Bill Sienkiewicz cover. It's it's kind of a black background. Mm-hmm. Um, good looking art. Good looking, and you know it's it's a mostly Al Williamson, Carlos Garcon interior, mostly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you can't really knock that art either. But uh, yeah, it was it, and it was the story. It was a fairly faithful adaptation. So I generally knew all the story beats going into it, but it's, it doesn't make it any. And that's why I always get frustrated when people don't give me spoilers. Don't give me spoilers. Like, no, you can know what's going to happen in a movie and be fine. Yeah. And still enjoy it. Still, you know, if it's magical, if it's done right. I mean, I bought the Empire Strikes Back <laughs> super special the night before we went and saw it and I was fine. Yeah. The only I, thing I didn't know was that the hand was actually going to come off <laughs> and, that, and that freaked me out. I have uh I, I'm I'm looking at it right now. It's in tattered pieces and, and, and young Steve tried to tape it together uh so many years ago. Uh but it's the Return of the Jedi official collector's edition, like a movie magazine. Mm-hmm. With like Was little, it the white the white one with the with, and on the on the back cover does it have like the three painted panels? Yes, the Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, yeah, 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 I had that. Yeah. I, I I think I tore that thing the shreds because I'm looking like, through it, it yeah. So many Times. All the different images and stuff, and that's what happened here to me, you know. And and I looked online the other day to see what you know what these are selling for. They're not too much. I might have to one of these days snag me one just to have in the collection because that's one of those things. As a kid, I just tore up that in the big storybook, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. So good stuff. Well, Scott, thanks for stopping in and talking some Star Wars with us. <laughs> thanks for letting me crash your party. Uh, no, dude. Diehard knowledge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, and uh, Arish, Adam, thank you guys so much. Um, Gladly. We are right now, guys, uh, about $613 away. Sweet. From, uh, I'm sorry, that just changed. We are now uh, $588 away from our goal. We've got 3412 raised of the 4000 and... Um, 
We've got someone whose name I can't pronounce. Kiss Quisats Hederak. Is that a? I feel like that's a um, Dune reference because they say I'm prescient, so I already I'm already aware you'll meet your goal. Uh, Adam the Geeky Dad, Kerry Brown, the aforementioned Scott Rifen, Lisa Cipher, Rebel Force Radio, Annabelle Rodriguez, uh, Jonathan Maples, Pass the Corn, that be Eric, the Amazing Brett, the Sloan Clan, Andy Bach, Spider Shan, Shane Pavlik, Elena Avalor fan, our friend Lauren, Happy Birthday today, the Admiral Michael High Nip. Brian Kennedy, the Lowe family, Joey Mays, Jacob Roth, uh, the the Grant clan and the Sloan clan, and several anonymous donors. So, man, it's been, it's good. We thank everyone. $588 away from our goal. Thank you guys so much for all your help and meeting this. Don't forget to tweet out about it with links to geekoutonline.com slash cure. And these links will be up through uh, next week, next Saturday on uh, February 16th. So, um, Scott? Thanks, buddy, again. Anything you want to plug before you go? No. Great. <laughs> I just want to, you know, come on, do my thing, and get out. Well, we call you old number one because that's what there you, you are. You're number one. In... <laughs> Every so, demo, baby. That's Every right. Every demo. That's right. Adam, anything? Look to... out for number one. Just don't step in number two. That's Correct. right, which would be me. Adam? <laughs> Um, April 2nd, I got a couple of Marvel books coming out, uh, and I've got a big Star Wars book coming out, uh, I think like October 4th, maybe. So, uh, just follow me on Twitter for more details on those. Good deal. Great. Erish, anything to plug? If you're going to be at Star Wars Celebration in April, swing by the Del Rey booth and give me a pass the corn. Awesome. And uh, Stranger Things, Suspicious Minds by Gwenda Bond on sale this week. We can't on sale go on Tuesday. together. Ooh. The first official Stranger Things novel. Oh, so that's out there now? Cool, isn't it? Yep. It's about Eleven's mom. Sweet. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. And thank everyone for listening. I'm going to hang up on you guys now. And and close out Geek Out What else is new? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I wasn't far off when I said we were going to be talking for five hours. That's true. That's true. It seems like it. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much, guys, for supporting us and helping us out tonight. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. We'll see you. All right. So that's uh, going to be Geek Out Loud, ladies and gentlemen, for the day. I hope you'll you'll stand by and uh, because coming up, in about 10 to 15 minutes, we are doing some Disney Vault Talk. So stick around. Uh, don't forget the, the geekoutonline.com slash cure. If you want to give your friends an easy link to listen to us live, just tell them bighonkinshow.com slash live is the place to go. And uh, you can email us while we're doing this stuff or tweet us. I'm following the at Goliverse tweet, uh, Twitter today, at Goliverse on Twitter. And uh, I haven't been over to Facebook much. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as good at multitasking as I used to be, everyone. So please bear with me. We'll be back after this with Disney Vault Talk. Stick around. Stick around.